leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity so you might want to fuck off pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well if this is a huge problem for you then you too can fuck off pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well if you can't handle a four to six hour podcast then you probably won't like us and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14 if you regularly listen to npr are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first second and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both etsy and Pinterest. If you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 243. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and it's all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, push over. Pop culture. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftover. Sure only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Hey, Puddin', you're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. But if I'm being honest, this show creeps me the fuck out. I toss it. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. All right, yeah, here we are. We are back, uh, episode 243. And a ton of stuff to talk about this week. Uh, We are not alone this week, though. We do have two guests joining us this week. Uh, We have uh, podcaster and author Joe Stark. Hey, guys. What's up, man? Oh, stoked to be here. (laughs) I don't know if that was sincere or not. I don't know. I totally am. I think it was. Okay. All right. (laughs) It sounded a little fabricated, but whatever. Um, I'll let let it slide. Author, Joe, you wrote a book, man. Yes, I did. I don't don't know many people Um, that that have written a book. I become death available on Amazon and... uh, we're working on another project right now, but uh, that's still in the beginning phases. Here you go. I become death. Uh, we are not just joined by Joe. We are also joined by June. Welcome back, June. Hi. Hey. What's up? What's <laughs> Sorry, up? I just took a. What's up? I was just, I was just taking a sip of beer when you <laughs> turned to me, and I was like trying to swallow real fast. All right, little uh, little information there. Um. Sorry, I was just. <laughs> 
It's, uh, there may be times where you're called upon during the podcast, Joe. So I know, I know. I'm fucking those with you. pesky unplanned introductions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm excited to have both of you here this week. We got a ton of stuff to talk about. Uh, before we jump into some things, what's going on over there? Somebody sending a Morse code? What is going on? Mm, I don't know. Does someone uh, need help? Little click clacking going on? I don't know. It, no. sounded, it sounded like someone was either sending Morse code or chewing on something very difficult. No, I heard it too. And I, I don't actually, know Morse shockingly, code. I had the same, I thought it was one of the same two things. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe someone giving Morse code as they're chewing. <laughs> Maybe they were telling us this jawbreaker is so tasty. <laughs> They're crunching Tic Tacs as Morse code. You know, that Jawbreakers is one of those candies that you stop eating when you're a fucking adult, right? You don't like see many. Jawbreakers? Yeah, job, the Willy Wonka yeah. Jawbreakers. You don't see like too many adults going to the store, you know, picking up, uh, you know, go, going to the store, picking up, you know, whatever, toiletries, uh, you know, some food, and then, oh shit, a bag of Jawbreakers. <laughs> I still like them quite a lot. I'm oh, a big fan of all like hard candies, though. You you would. You're the exception. But like I, I I'm like for me, it's like I'm scared. I'm I'm older now, so it's like I'm scared of like possibly losing a tooth in the process or something. I'm not so. kidding. Like I am too. Like I'm yeah, yeah. Scared yeah. of a tooth. Corn on the cob is is a challenge these days. <laughs> You know? <laughs> oh man, I love corn on the cob too. Oh man, Jake just Jake, Jake eats some corn on the cob and washes it down with a with a jawbreaker. <laughs> yeah. There's a difference though, man. There's a difference between like the the Willy Wonka gobstopper and the yeah. the ferret pan jawbreaker that just tastes like the food coloring. So you got to get the good stuff. That's right. Yeah, the more you know star just popped up on this podcast. Thank you, Jake. <laughs> Do you remember the big giant uh, jawbreakers that were like the size of a tennis ball? Yeah, disgusting. Oh, those were hilarious. Disgusting. Those. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember kids in middle school like licking those on the bus and they'd have it for like three weeks. Um, I, I, would, I would take them in the shower with me, you know? <laughs> yeah, any candy that you save for later, that's, that's a little bit questionable. Who Do the- you guys remember the giant watermelon jawbreakers? So you, you just get one of them in a box. Oh, I no. love those. They had a big sweet, giant watermelon sweet tart in the middle of them, too. No, I don't remember those at all. Oh, those were fucking delicious. Jake, you're a, you're a goddamn sugar connoisseur. What the fuck, man? I was like, <laughs> it's true. Look out for my candy, hard candy podcast coming soon. Jeez. <laughs> Episode one is all about cinnamon disc. Mm. Oh man, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Who do people eat in the tub? Is that a thing? No. Uh, I wouldn't be opposed to it. If I had a good tub, yeah. I'd be all about laying in there, reading a book. Oh, and, yeah, like, Jake's some fucking finger food. Jake's fucking sitting in there, got a full turkey leg in his hand, going to town. <laughs> <laughs> He's like lost five Totino's pizza rolls down there. <laughs> we never use our tub, though. We have this, like, beautiful, we, my husband and I built this house, we have this you know, nice master bathroom with this tub. And, like, you know what the tub has been used for when we got our puppy? It was the puppy's playpen when we got ready for work in the morning. Like, 
you know, we put like a towel and some toys in there because we didn't trust the dog to roam around. But like, we actually have never used this tub. Yeah, you should use that tub. That, I, that's I a great idea. <laughs> I know we should. We're both just like we, we the other day. We were like, we never used that tub except to put the dog in there when sounds, we didn't sounds, want to run away. Sounds like Jake's ready to put up a rotisserie next to his. green egg smokers. Jake, Jake's got a Jake's got a fucking pig on a spit. You know. <laughs> Deep fry that. Using the shower curtain as a goddamn shish kebab. <laughs> the last time I had like a hot bubble bath, I had like a long day out in the woods and I was like, I'm going to treat myself. And I sat down in the tub and just the entire time I was like, this should have just been a shower. What a waste of time this is. <laughs> I used to like, if I have, if I am, if I do like have like anxiety or stress and stuff like that, every once in a while I will do that thing where I like light the candles and I'm sitting in the tub and I got the bubbles and shit and it's really relaxing and I'll play like some relaxing like music and shit. I haven't done that in a Enya? while. Do you play Enya? I was just going to say Enya. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't play Enya. Usually it's like uh I like to listen to just like ambient noise like uh ocean waves and stuff like that. Usually it's, it's not even music. Like when I go to sleep at night, I tell I can't say her name right now, but you know the Amazon lady. I, if I say her name, she's going to start lighting up and saying, "What do you want, master?" Anyway, <laughs> but <clears throat> her name starts with an A and it ends with an A. But anyway, I, every time before I go to bed, I tell her to play ocean sounds, and that's I hear crashing waves as I go to sleep. I got to listen to that now. I'm like, it's I don't know. It really helps me sleep. Wouldn't it be great if some funny programmer at Amazon just threw in some cutscenes from Jaws? Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Shark Week, and you might as well throw that in there. Like, this is some ocean sound. No, they like after an hour or so, and you're like deep in REM REM sleep. <laughs> yeah. Like you start hearing like people screaming, and you oh know, my God. people screaming for help. You always wake up like <laughs> fucked up and shit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. The worst way to wake up. Be so disoriented. It'd be terrible. It'd be terrible. <laughs> All right. Now, real quick before we jump into stuff, I want to give a huge thanks, a uh, thank you to um, one of our listeners, John. He uh, lives in Tokyo, and he's the one that does all the work on our website. And uh, I bothered him a little bit this week, and uh, I just want to thank him. He's done a great job with our website, and he's a really cool dude. So, um, and he, hey, Joe, he listens to our uh, comic book podcast that we do. So, oh, right on. Yeah, John. thank you, John. Yeah, so thanks a lot, John, for all the for all the hard work that you do. So I wanted to thank him. And uh next thing I want to talk about a little bit here is movie pass. What the fuck is going on with movie pass, guys? <laughs> I it's going to hell. It's going to hell in a handbasket. It's insane. Um I've been with the service for five years. So, you know, like I, you know, before it was just simple. It was just like check into your movie, watch your movie and all this stuff. And then I guess Friday night when Mission Impossible dropped, um, people weren't able to check into the movie. Did anybody else try to watch a movie on Friday night? No, that's why like I just, I keep seeing stuff on Facebook. Everyone's so angry and it just, it, there's so many different things that people are angry about that I, I'm having trouble like, that's why I'm glad you brought it up because I'm having trouble figuring out exactly what happened this weekend. Well, okay. Movie Pass ran out of money. And so when people were, they basically shut down the app because like if you swipe the card, it charges the company. The company had no money in their account. 
And so, oh, shit. yeah, so oh. MoviePass had to, uh, they had to take a $5 million loan and they have to pay it back by August 1st. Otherwise, you know, they're kind of screwed here and, uh, they're not going to loan out any more money to MoviePass. So yeah, um, I, I, I used, and then they basically added peak pricing to like every showing except for like the earliest morning showing for me. Um, I watched it. Same, same for me. And yeah. they blocked out Mission Impossible completely. But that's that's true. But if you do have a theater near you that does e-ticketing, I know Goodrich theaters. A lot of the Goodrich theaters do e-ticketing. It does not affect e-ticketing. So you- yeah, Will, Will and Wolf had our, in our theater, our local theater, which is uh, Goodrich, had no peak pricing and Mission Impossible. Yes, exactly. So Goodrich has not been affected. It's definitely. They're definitely making AMC feel it right now. And I think like some of that is because they need the money back. And then also on the flip side, like, I don't know. It's almost like basically telling people to go with AMC A-List, their new service. Yeah, definitely. At this point, it's looking more and more worth it. You get the IMAX, you get the 3Ds, you can see whatever movie you want. If you're already Mm -hmm. using an AMAX or or an, I can't even talk, an AMC anyway, there's just no point at this point not to switch over. Yeah, I'm probably going to go with the A-list as soon as my month is done, um, which kind of sucks because what's great about the movie pass is, like, I've been able to go to every theater and use it. Uh, if I want to go to the art theater, I can go to the art theater. If I wanted to go to Goodrich, I can go to Goodrich. The, the Marcus Werenberg here, I can use that. So now it's like I have to go to the AMC, which... I guess it's fine. I just want to make sure that I'm... But And it's cool that I can see 3D movies in an IMAX movie. I can go see three IMAX movies in a week if I want to. There's yeah, no... The same. Yeah. The same movie. See, the problem is... The problem that you get into then is like showtimes, like what works for you. So, you know, it's like... Because if you go to a Sunday morning AMC here in the Midwest, it's $5 for the ticket. So it's like, now I'm thinking to myself, do I want to waste one of my like... IMAX viewings for a $5 ticket. Do you see what I'm saying? As opposed yeah, a little, to a little bit of a prices right game there. Exactly. Exactly. So like I don't have AMC like where I am like there's I don't even know where the nearest one would be. Probably Atlanta, which is like two and a half hours away. Hmm. Um, I think Brian, you had mentioned one on a previous episode. It's not linked to any specific theater. The movie pass. Yeah, no, not movie. It was like something similar to movie pass, but it was like fourteen bucks. And oh, Cinemia. That one. Okay, so mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you've heard anything more about that one uh, at all. It, that's that's a, that's big over in Europe, um, and they've they it's kind of limited here. I think it's like two movies. Uh, I can't remember. I'd have to. I'd have to. It's Cinemia. S i n e m i a. I'd have to look it up. It's just it for me. It just doesn't look as appealing. As Movie Pass or AMC A list, but it might right. be better for other people. And I can see if Movie Pass goes away, I can see Cinemia kind of expanding here, especially. You know what I mean? I think we'll we'll see. It's just I don't know. I, there's definitely. I'll tell you this much. I'll, I'll tell you this much. There's definitely a division between the people that are A listers and Movie Pass people when you go to an AMC theater. <laughs> There's like they they treat fights. No, they treat the A-listers at AMC like they are just gold. Like they got their own special line. (laughs) I went up and I bought like a. I went up and bought a you know a diet coke, 
and I had an A-lister just smack it out of my hand onto the floor, and he goes, A-list, yeah, and then, like, walked off. <laughs> and then it just, it, like, someone saw that. It kept getting more ridiculous. Literally, by the end of, like, this whole, like, thing of, like, me just basically getting my dr- drink and going to my movie, there was a gentleman, an A-lister, that literally just squatted in the lobby and took a shit on the floor and just said, A-list, whoop, whoop. And like nobody, <laughs> nobody did anything because he's A-list. A-listers get away with everything. They love the A-listers. Yeah. They're paying 20 bucks a month. They're just trying to make themselves feel good because they're paying more yeah. over the movie pass people right now. Yeah. Oh man. That's some, that's some shitty treatment. I'm, I'm probably going to go with the A-list to be quite honest with you. So yeah, yeah. me too. Me too. It's just, you know, I, <laughs> What's going on? Did somebody just uh, the somebody... dog? It's sorry, it's the dog. Oh, okay. I didn't. It sounded like maybe you were at the casino and somebody hit it big on the jackpot that, on the slot machine. That sl- was his uh, machine. collar. He was shaking. Yeah. So, stop being a dog, dog. Ziggy. <laughs> no. His name is Ziggy. No, it's fine. It's fine. I just I I hear noises and I just got to comment on them every time. I'm just that guy. Oh, I know. I, I just. I think He's we're being silly. I think we're looking at the death of movie pass here for unfortunately though. I think it's gonna happen here shortly. It just seemed like a really horrible weekend for moviegoers, so yeah. or for movie pass holders, so Yeah. I went and saw Mission Impossible in the IMAX, so I didn't really have to worry about the movie pass and so like and then the next day I went and saw a movie that didn't get hit with peak pricing, so I was able to use it and I had no problems. But for people that were wanting to go see Mission Impossible just in that 2D format, um, yeah, they kind of got screwed. So we'll see what happens with it. They were asking for $1.2 billion to kind of stay afloat, and I guess this is why. <laughs> so Wow. I saw some people were getting hit with like $8 peak pricing charges, yeah. too. That was cracking me up. It's yeah. like, geez, you go see three movies, and you're paying like 40 bucks for the month already. Yeah, exactly. Around here, it was, for the early, earlier times, it was like $3.60, and then it would go up to maybe like $4.80. So I, yeah, it's ridiculous. So yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun movie pass for these past five years, but yeah, it looks like it's going away, unfortunately. But, uh, let's, uh, move into, uh, iTunes reviews for the week. It's A-list, whoop, whoop. <laughs> Fucking snobs. Fucking snobs, man. They do whatever they want. They, they they throw their feet up on your chair and shit, and they just say, A-list, bitch, turn around. <laughs> it's messed up, dude. And it was an old lady that did it. She had to have been like 70-fucking-five, man. <laughs> oh, man. I've seen what you're talking about, though. They got, like, the shortened lines. Because I just for the Stubbs yeah. premiere, I get to go through, like, the little special line and everything for concessions. Yeah. Now they got the special yeah. little A-list line, and I don't know, whatever. Yeah, looks like I'm, I, but I don't want to be stuck going to AMC theaters every time. God, I like other theaters. AMC is like one of my probably one of my least favorite theaters to go to, especially AMC Classic. AMC Classic. 
It's basic. They did nothing. They didn't even sweep the goddamn floors. They just threw classic in front of it. <laughs> yeah, that's all we have around here too. There's really not anything but classics really yeah, close to us in Springfield. If you, yeah, for me it's like 45 minute drive. I can go to. They've got a AMC like dine in or whatever. But no, they don't bring the food out to you. You got to get it out there in the lobby and stuff. But anyway, you can. They got the recliners and everything. It's really nice. You get the late. Oh, yeah, those are nice. They I've are. Been to, I went to my first theater with those in Chicago. Actually, I think it was an AMC. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I felt good because it was Thanksgiving and it was freezing outside. So I got in that little recliner chair and curled up in my coat, pushed the button. Yeah, it's really I'm like nice. I'm good. <laughs> right now. Pretty soon, I'm it's go- so good. They're gonna make it to where they only let A-listers actually recline, though. <laughs> like they're gonna shine a fucking flashlight on you and be like, "Sir, um, you need to put that down. You are not on the A list." It's almost like the Scarlet Letter. Like they're gonna make you wear like a shirt that sh- that shows that you're not in the A list. Like, like the, the, the shirt says B list. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, it's ridiculous. They're gonna like it, it'll be like the purge when you walk in there. Just people will be killing you because you're not part of the A list. I'm, I'm nah, God, it's oh, it's gonna be so hard for me to like say goodbye to Movie Pass and like bite the bullet and do the A list. I think the A stands for asshole, right? Oh, definitely. <laughs> we, I think we've spelled that out perfectly clear. Uh, first iTunes review comes from headquarters, and it's titled "They're on Fire." What do you want? And it was about, it was from, uh, two weeks ago when me and Rebecca were reviewing Skyscraper and they're like, they're on fire. What do you want? <laughs> and, uh, the review goes on to say, they're jumping all around the plot podcast and it's awesome. So that's the, that's the review. Five stars? It's a five star, yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. That's a good review. Short and sweet. Actually, um, I'd say all of them this week are good. Like I didn't really, I couldn't like, I didn't come out of any of the reviews this week that I read, and I was like, ah, this one's terrible. They're actually all pretty good, which is kind of boring. I'll try to be extra nitpicky for this next one. (laughs) I don't know. It's, uh, let's see here. Um, Don Tangway, and it's titled Amazing Podcast. It's a five-star. Pop Culture Leftovers is the podcast to listen to about anything pop culture. No shit. (laughs) Right? Jake? <laughs> he says no shit at the end? No, I said no shit. <laughs> it's almost like it's in the name of the show. Yeah. So weird. It's so weird. Oh, sorry, that was yeah, my... You're doing all the nitpicking for me. I know. I... <laughs> Brian and Jake are extremely knowledgeable and share great opinions about the news they are presenting. In addition to this, there are some great rants. See the share episode... Or last week's Billy Crystal rant. I've picked up many shows on their suggestions. Among these, Mr. Robot, Mr. Mercedes, and Glow. I was hesitant about starting Glow. Not sure if I'd like it, but hearing Brian's review of season two last week, I decided to give it a try. I ended up watching season one in one day. Can't wait to start season two. Again, amazing podcast. Can't wait to hear more. Sounds like he's writing a letter to home from camp, right? Dear Mom and Dad, just start, just started Glow Season 1. I love it. Tomorrow we're going swimming. Billy yeah. tried to make me smoke pot. I said no. Don't worry. Everything's going great. I like this girl, Julie. She has freckles on her 
knows? I don't know. It's just this sounds like a letter, a letter, a letter from camp from Billy. Yeah, it does have that kind of boring yada yada pacing to it. So I agree. Uh, next one uh, comes from Spiderling. I keep tapping my foot. Knock it off. Can you guys hear that? Give RLS all of a sudden. I don't know what's wrong with me this week. Restless leg syndrome? I don't know, Jake. Yes, I yes. really don't know. Um, I, I, I'm just tapping my foot over here. It's fucking ridiculous. There's no music playing. I don't know why. Am I anxious? What's going on? I'm sorry. I call other people out on the noises, but when I do them, I need to, I need to hold myself accountable. Right? Yeah. Yeah, you can't be a hypocrite. Exactly. What's your dog doing? Oh, you know. <laughs> no, I'm. Meanwhile, a... your cat head butts the mic off the table. Exactly. No, I know. I know. My my animals are fucking savages. They're fucking savages around here. Uh, this one comes from Spiderling thirteen seventeen, and it's titled Warenberg PTSD. Joe, I know that you, you listened to that episode where we talked about the Marcus Werenberg jingle. That's the theater near me, dude. That's the only thing yes, I go to is yes. Marcus Werenberg. Yes, the old Marcus Werenberg. I love the Marcus Werenberg. They're absolutely fantastic. Dude, I miss that weird ass ad. Dude, as soon as you started talking about that, like I fuck with my kids with that all the time. Like, wake him up six o'clock in the morning. Werenberg. Oh, it's so creepy. I'm like, I know. Oh, man. <laughs> well, this one goes on. It's titled Werenberg PTSD. Hey, guys, it's the 13 Reasons Why guy from your C2E2 episode. Uh, just listen to your Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom review, and I cannot believe you actually played the Werenberg Theater jingle. You instantly back to the future me to my eight-year-old self in that theater hearing that classic jingle, and getting molested. <laughs> no, I, I made up that last part. Um, okay. <laughs> oh, I was like, wow, that's an edgy iTunes review. I know, yeah. I know. No, oh. This guy's going to get fired from wherever he's working. Jeez. No, he got molested. He wasn't the one doing the molesting. <laughs> now he's talking about it. Though. Why would you Good fire enough. someone who's been molested? <laughs> Jake, you're, you're almost saying like he asked for it. That's that's even worse. No, I'm not saying that at all. I don't know, Jake. I'm that's just what saying I to heard. be careful what you say on social media is all I'm saying. I should be careful about what I say on this episode, but I'm, apparently I don't. <laughs> uh, let's see. I haven't been to a Warenberg theater in years, and hearing that made me so happy. Also, I remember there always being that one a-hole who whispered the word after it too man that brought me back <laughs> thank you <laughs> so yeah the landed I, I feel bad for that that's almost like a reflex right you had to have whispered it after at least a couple times too me anyone right no, how I, can you not i don't do it i just it's 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 like it's expected i just i listen for the person to do it I've never, I've never joined in the fun. You know, it's like, it's the most, it's the most low hanging joke out there. Cause like, you just know you're going to hear it and like, who's it going to be this time? All right. So, you know, I just let it. It's other- just like a knee jerk reflect, like. It's, reflex man i want to do it just hearing us talk about it it's like going to a sporting event and like somebody starts the wave like you know <laughs> it's just gonna fucking happen and it's gonna go around and that's exactly what happens with the old warenberg 
Yeah, jingle. Uh, this next one comes from Rudy Tootie, Fresh and Fruity, and it's titled Funny AF, which means as fuck. Uh, and it uh, goes on to say, had a dream about sexless Bronson, but the sex was back by the end of it. So does that mean... Does that mean... That Is that a good dream? Was he molested by sexless Bronson? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see that twist coming. Wow. Yeah, I think you're I think you're right, Brian. Yeah. That's so weird. <laughs> I love his name too. It's like named after an like a long forgotten Lum special. No, it was uh Denny's, wasn't it? Oh was it Oh, Denny's? I thought it was Lums. No, this was like a nationwide thing. It was either IHOP or, or Denny's. The Rudy Tootie Fresh and Fruity, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm looking it up now. Oh, I'm sure you you are. It's driving you nuts. (laughs) I don't know how to spell Rudy Tootie Fresh and Fruity. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's not helping. Uh, let's see this next one. You look that up or whatever. Um, this next one. I hop bullshit. Told ya. Uh, fear. I thought, I thought at first I thought it was Denny's though. So, I don't know. Anyway, uh, next one. You, com- get, you get at least a point. Uh, it's not about points. It's not about points, Jake. Uh, so far you're up five to one. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be talking. Next one comes from Wolverine920 and it's titled Fantastic Way to Kill Half of a Boring Work Day. And it's a five star. I've been listening every week since 2015, and I've never been tempted to write a review. Until this week, when I heard Brian's amazing SpongeBob impression, it suddenly dawned on me that he is a truly generational talent. Furthermore, this is a fantastic avenue for discovering new content worth consuming, and they are always fantastic guests. They always have fantastic guests that know their shit. Great job, fellers. So that comes from Wolverine920. <laughs> Wolverine 920. Yeah. <laughs> My, his favorite character is Wolverine so much that he'll be the 920th. Wow, Jake. I, I'm, how long did it take you to form whatever the fuck you just said? I have. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that play in football where the. The, the ball just barely crosses into the touchdown zone in the end zone. <laughs> it just barely squeaked through. <laughs> it's like, I was like, is somebody going to stop him? No, he's... <laughs> he, he's still talking. Somebody stop him. So help him out, please. Uh, it's okay. Whatever. I talked about one of our listeners getting molested as an eight-year-old. So, um, yeah, and I just reminded everyone that I said that. So not probably. <laughs> I thought that's what iTunes reviews were for, where we're nitpicking on our, on our fans. No, I'm, like, looking so hard for things that I go there, Jake. Like, that's where I went. That's not funny. That's not funny, Brian. It's disturbing. I don't know. I want to stack that up against your Wolverine 920 analogy, and then <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm at a loss. I don't know which is better or which is worse. <laughs> I can probably give you 920 reasons why you shouldn't have said that, <laughs> and maybe a list of three as to why I shouldn't have said what I said. But <laughs> 
Uh, oh man, I just joined iTunes. I'm Spider Man 763. Oh man, <laughs> and they keep coming. <laughs> There's no slowing you down, Jake. Um, I know. I know. I'm on fire. It <laughs> <laughs> started at Wolverine one, like full of hope. Nine hundred nineteen later, they cut their shot. They jumped from the fucking chair when they like accepted. Wait, hold on, hold on. Then his buddy right next to him and goes, goes, holy shit! I just got Wolverine. <laughs> I never even checked that. <laughs> Went straight to one, <laughs> and then continued to do it nine hundred and nineteen more times. <laughs> it's gotta piss you off that you never see that guy either. Like you never see the the first guy. It's always the one thousand and eight hundred and seventieth guy. Oh uh, yeah, the first guy's not leaving any iTunes reviews. That first guy, who knows what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> that guy took that login with an AOL.com oh, God, yeah. email address like back in the mid-90s. And now he yeah. sells insurance and he hates life and he never gets online anymore. But he still has that username because God damn the world. Oh, yeah. I, I think he just took it and like hung himself immediately. And no, was just like... No. Oh. <laughs> It's over for everyone. There's so much darkness in this episode already. <laughs> yeah, guys, can we get back to something lighter and talk about molestation again? <laughs> oh, molestation is firmly seated on the PCL merry-go-round for this episode. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Uh, it does. See, that's the thing with this show is it's like it's like it, everything that we talk about early on, it seems to kind of like make its way like later on in the episode. Like by the end of the episode, every one of us is going to be molested. It's like that. Oh, <laughs> hey, I was here for the butt fucking episode. You don't got to tell me. Oh, God. Yes, there was the butt fucking episode. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, All right, I just changed my iTunes name again. Now I'm molestation 846. <laughs> Oh God, uh, Jake! After this episode, it'll be eight forty-seven. Let me tell you that. Mm. Mm. All right. Oh God! Ten years from now, we're all going to be fired from the major movie project we're working on. <laughs> yeah, so sure. It's going to be bogus. You should be okay if you're running for office, though. All right, I got a, I got an, I got a little bit of an announcement here, um, and uh, yeah, uh, no more Tracy Ferguson, guys. I'm done. I'm I'm done with her. I think I. Th- I applaud this decision. Well, it was it was it was it was fun to a point, and then she in this in the last one, she just it's it's kind of she's devolved, like even. I, it's not fun anymore, and it's not, it's, it's, she said some real, really terrible things about me in the last one, and it was, you know, it's, now it's not about just like her being delusional and thinking like I have, I don't even, I don't even know where like the attacks originally came from, which, cause like I, I, everything that she was attacking me for was like nothing that I even did to begin with. 
So, and, Brian, I had to ask, like, I mean, did you, like, sleep with this woman and, like, never call her? Like, because she, like, is personally attacking you. Like, she doesn't go after anyone else that's been on the show. I know. I think it's... Yeah, it's uh, targeted trolling. I don't... It's, like, you. Like, specifically yeah. you. I don't think that it's... I, and in the last one she was, like, that I haven't read on the air. Joe, you've read it and Jake's seen it. Um, but it, I... She had to go out of her way and make, make make the point that she is a woman and all this stuff. And I still do not think that this is a woman. I, I think that this is probably somebody that looks like the comic book guy from The Simpsons. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that this is a woman. I think that this is a man. I think this might even be someone that, like, maybe we've clashed with in the past, Jake, because we've had people online troll us before and stuff like that. And it might just be like somebody that's butt hurt about us and, you know, some of the things that we've said in the past or whatever. But I don't think that this is a female listener at all. Um, yeah, I agree. I think this is completely fictional bullshit. Yeah. Uh, even if it is a female, Tracy Ferguson is all just some profile made for trolling. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is targeted trolling by. By someone that just probably doesn't like us very much. And what I kind of, like, realized is, like, I kept saying, like, oh, I'm just going to keep reading your stuff and, like, keep doing this. But, like, in the last one, she was saying stuff like she was attacking, like, why my why my my marriage failed. Um, said Whoa. She told she told me that um, to go suck on my mother's crusty tits was one of the one of the uh, things that wow. she said. And then, um, what else? Then I don't, just some ridiculous things. Like the other thing that she was on vacation in Jamaica and, uh, the people that worked at the hotel were like, why are you so upset, Mrs. Ferguson? And she was like, because of Brian on PCL, like these people at the hotel have to think you're a fucking lunatic, especially if you're on vacation, listening to a podcast, Especially a podcast that drives you crazy. Especially a podcast that, like, is doing nothing to hinder the movement that apparently you say you're quote-unquote fighting for or whatever. You are a ridiculous human being, whether you're male, female, whoever you are. You're a disgusting person, and you're a liar, and you're sickening. And I kind of feel... Like the thing that I did was I kind of gave you a voice on the show as ridiculous as your voice is. I gave you a voice on the show. And I think like the best thing that I can do, the most harmful thing I can do to you, Tracy, or whoever you are, is take that voice away and not give you an outlet and not read any of your stuff. And basically what I can do is like I have everything flagged on the website that you can post and I get to read it first. So it never even shows up on the page. So I can click spam and send you directly to the spam folder. And I will never read anything that you send again. Not even out of curiosity. If I see your name, I'm going to click spam. You're going to go straight to the spam folder because you're a despicable evil person and you have some serious problems. Um, so yeah, I, Brian, I completely agree with this decision. I applaud this decision. I mean, this all started with completely baseless accusations about a Jody Foster conversation that right away let us know that this was a fictional lunatic ranting. You know, they they took everything out mm-hmm. of context with every argument and nothing ever had any base in reality. So mm-hmm. this is, yeah, we're done with this bullshit. Yeah, you were having fun there for a little while. Everybody got to read all the ridiculous little things you were saying and all this stuff and you had your fun. And I think like the biggest thing I can do is just take that voice away. 
So you're dead of the show. We're washing our hands clean of you. So have fun doing whatever you do. You can send more stuff. It's going to go straight to the spam folder. I'm not even going to read it. I won't even read it. I'm not curious. I'm not curious like that. I'm not that kind of curious person. Like when people say, hey, is this milk spoiled? I don't even want to smell it. I don't care. If you, if you tell me <laughs> yeah, it's spoiled, yeah. I, I believe you. I don't want to smell it. And if people say, oh, my God, this you got to watch this video. It's absolutely disgusting. Like two girls, one cup. I don't even know what it's about. I have no clue because I, I'm not that kind of curious person. I don't even know. I, if I don't, there's stuff I can't wash out of my brain and I'm not a curious person like that. So you're gone. You're dead to us, Tracy. And that's all I have to say about that. So good riddance. Have yeah, fun. A list. A list. <laughs> good deal, man. Yeah. Um, I did want to end, uh, this little section before we get into the good pop, bad pop with something good though. Um, I want everyone to, if, you know, we have a lot of our listeners have started their own podcast called the Leftover Army Podcast. You can find it on iTunes. And, uh, Dan, um, Dan West, Matt Kirby, Jai Rivero, and Frank Hammer started a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. And, uh, Dan West has put a lot of work into this. Uh, Jacob Harmon is the dungeon master and, uh, he does a fantastic job. And, uh, Dan West puts a lot of production value into it and it sounds fantastic. These guys are doing a great job. So definitely check out their Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Uh, Scott Shooty, Old Man Shooty does Tales from the Yard and, uh, he does a fantastic job. And then Rebecca does, uh, Lola, left, uh, Ladies of the Leftover Army. They recently, I just started it. They recently reviewed Junior on the episode, uh, Ocean's 8. And, um, I have it. I've, I'm probably 15 minutes in. I just started it today. I'm going to have to finish that because I've seen the movie and I want to hear what you guys have to say about it. But, uh, and then Bernie does his and her perspectives. And, um, uh, so check those out when you have a chance. So I wanted to give a shout out to everybody involved in those because they work really hard on those podcasts, Jake. And I think more people should be listening to them. Yeah, it's an awesome feed with a lot of variety and a lot of different stuff going on there, you know. And you get to hear a lot of the voices that we talk, we've talked about on this show, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of the family. Yeah, Tracy Ferguson's going to be. St- I'm I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, no more Tracy Ferguson. I'm done. I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, this is it. This is the end of Tracy Ferguson. We've washed her hands clean of her. Guys, let's jump into good pop, bad pop. What the fuck was that? Whoa! Wow! Turned into fucking Mixmaster Mike over there. Wow! Thank you. Yeah, that was dope. You bet your ass it was dope. Hold on, it's time for good pop, bad pop. What the fuck is going on? Hold on, I don't know what's going on here. We might have to take a break. Oh, that broke me. We are 39 minutes in, and we haven't even started anything with good pop. This episode is terrible. This episode every episode, though. This episode is... I don't... I lost my jingles. This is insane. The jingle palette will not pull up. <laughs> oh, it crashed. All right, guys, let's take a, uh, fuck it. Uh, let's take a quick break. All right, cool. All right.
we're back. All right. <laughs> I'm excited for you to try the bumper again. Uh, is it going to work? No, no, nope. No, no, nope. No, no, nope. <laughs> All right, guys. It's time now for Good Pop, Bad Pop. Time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things of the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we want you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, I got a few things that I want to talk about this week. Uh, first off, I just kind of like did a rewatch of some movies that that I watch some, some that I watch quite a bit and some that I haven't watched in, in a while. Uh, first I started, it's, you know, the, of course with this month being like the 30 year anniversary of Die Hard, I had to watch Die Hard again. And, uh, that was fun. I love Die Hard. It's just that it's just an amazing movie. I just, I love Die Hard and there's so many like Alan Rickman's performance is absolutely fantastic in that movie. I love the terrorists in that movie. One of the parts that really stuck out to me, and I was kind of like talking to Rebecca Daling about it on uh, Twitter, was uh, before they sent the car in, the big, the, the, like they had that kind of like SWAT team, the LAPD kind of like set up this team to like, you know, storm the, the, uh, the, 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 the Nakatomi building. And um, so there's this, Part and they're they're basically trying to show you that the terrorists are experts. Like these guys know what they're doing. They've thought of every angle, and how inexperienced the police force is in this. So they've got these like soldiers like storming the building, and um, I just there's this one scene that it just sticks out to me so much. It's one of the guys walks up and he's walking and he he walks into a rose bush and the thorn pricks him pricks him and he goes ow. And I'm just thinking, like, what a brilliant way just to show you how inexperienced and how, like, unprepared they are for, like, what they're going to go up against. And they, and then, of course, they just get slaughtered. You know, they just get slaughtered. Alan Rickman just toys with them, and they just slaughter them. So, I don't know. Die Hard, if you haven't watched it in a while, I highly recommend it. I watch it at least once a year. It's just one of those, um, you know, staple action films that I have to watch. Uh, and. It still really holds up too. Yes. Like if you watch like other movies of that era, it's it's nowhere near as great as Die Hard. Like right. Lethal Weapon is kind of puny compared to how it, how it used to feel. But Die Hard is still amazing. I, I still enjoy Lethal Weapon. I it, my I think like I'm looking at like the clones like um like Under Siege, you know? With, <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> Under siege with uh, what's his name with uh, Ponytail Boy Steven Seagal Steven Seagal yeah and you know you know like <laughs> I think the only reason I watched that movie so many times is because of the Baywatch girl jumping out of the cake but you know <laughs> the cake scene the, the cake uh, yeah. every every it was yeah. definitely a teenager booby movie <laughs> exactly you weren't watching it for that excellent Gary Busey performance oh man. Gary Busey, uh, he was, what was it, what was it, what was the movie, he, was he in Lethal Weapon 2? Was he it, was in for the first Lethal Weapon, he, wasn't he Mr. Joshua? He was Mr. Joshua, and they burnt his arm, right? Yeah. And, yeah, oh man, sorry, 
Do you still consider – now, remember, Die Hard, I guess, according to Mr. Bruce Willis, it's not a Christmas movie. Fuck him. They play a role. If you, if you watch, an asshole. He's such an asshole. If you watch, totally. if you watch the movie – there are. It's a Christmas movie. Well, there are so many times in that movie where you just hear jingle bells. Yeah. Like, like, it's an overarching thing. Like the whole, it's a Christmas movie. I don't care what he says. The yeah. soundtrack itself. If you look the soundtrack up on Spotify, it's all Christmas songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, what do you want? I uh, rewatched Tremors for the first time in a long time. Oh, how was that? Did that hold up? It's. Uh, you know, you, it's one of those things where when you watch it when you're a kid or whatever, like you, you just, you love, I loved it when I was a kid, but like as an adult, you just love it for the cheesiness. It's basically a B movie with Kevin Bacon who happens just to be in it, you know? It's Absolutely. Just, and, and, and for that, I love it for the cheesiness. And I, there's this, there, there's, the whole thing is like these gigantic kind of like prehistoric worms that are under the ground that have these, uh, tentacles that come up that actually have like faces on them. And, uh, they're called graboids and like they will eat you and stuff. And so, but it's funny because like the people that wrote this movie like write in pretty much like everything that uh, can make noise on the ground, they kind of throw in here. Like there's one scene where uh, a guy's actually using a jackhammer, you know? It's like, yeah, of course, a jackhammer would make noise on the ground. So let's like throw it into the movie. And then like the girl from the girl, the young girl from Jurassic Park is in this movie and she's bouncing around on a pogo stick in the movie. <laughs> it's, you know, it's like, I am, I'm surprised that like in one point of the movie, like someone wasn't in a motel room and they didn't put a quarter into the magic fingers vibrating <laughs> bed and we didn't get that scene, you know, uh, or some lady goes to the lawn. Laundry mat, and of course she's got the dryer that bounces around the fucking mat. And um, but uh, it was a fun watch, man. It was a fun watch. I love Fred Ward in his performance in that. Like these performances are so cheesy, but it's so fun. And it was just a guilty pleasure and a fun watch to rewatch Tremors. They have Tremors one through four on HBO. So if it's been a while since you've seen them, you can check them out on HBO. And then I watched Buckaroo Banzai, which I hadn't watched in probably nearly 20 years. So that's awesome. I thought about watching that again recently is because I, I watched Ready Player One recently and they mm-hmm. had all the references. I was like, I need to watch Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah, God, and I hadn't watched that in nearly 20 years and it's like it, you think of that cast, Jake and like, can you imagine trying to put that oh, cast yeah. together now? Like how impossible that would be? Yeah, who's in that? It's like Lithgow and Lithgow, Weller Jeff and... Goldblum, Peter Weller uh, uh, Christopher Lloyd um, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, one of the guys from Breaking Bad uh, I can't remember his name. He's kind of a character actor, but uh, God dang, it's just it's such a good movie. It's so much fun, so cheesy, and you know they were talking about like doing a, a new movie or a TV show or something for Buck Rowe Banzai and like having Kevin Smith be in charge of it. And I was just kind of like Bleh, on that idea, but it was like if they do it, Jake, the only way I think that you could ever do a Buck Rowe Banzai remake is to leave out good cg you have to basically i think you would want to date what you do like as far as like the special effects you would want to make them the special effects of that time yeah like very much like a turbo kid i think captured that idea really well yeah recently yeah turbo kid netflix yeah good good pick i mean 
that's the thing. I, I wouldn't want to see them do it with like updated special effects. I'd want to see them do it with just like the special effects that they had in that movie, you know, just really bad practical and CG effects that they had. I, I'd like to see them just, if they did it, do it that way. But I don't, it, it can't be recreated in my opinion. Yeah, I feel like that would be hot if they did it the way you're asking. Like, I mean, things like Stranger Things, things like it, like 80s things are, are hot. Wonder Woman's getting ready to do the 80s thing. Yeah, I think, think Buckeye Band, Band, I can't talk. Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah. Uh, coming back and like doing the 80s thing with the special effects and the, you know, the real effects and practical stuff looking low budget. I think that would be a hit. But see, that's the problem. Like, I'm not saying it's a problem with Stranger Things and Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman and Stranger Things, they're set in the 80s. They look like the 80s, but they use modern day special effects with the technology we have now. And I know you know what I'm talking about. Just make a Buckaroo Banzai remake or reboot or whatever you want to call it. Continue the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, but use that old school technology. You know, like um, like you were saying, like Turbo Kid or Kung Fury. Use really shitty CG and practical effects. Yeah, I think that'd be awesome. I've always secretly wished they would do that with Star Trek, too, honestly. Oh, that'd be kind of interesting, yeah. Like, just use, like, original series effects and, like, do more adventures. Of that. If they're going to do all this prequel nonsense, mm-hmm. then do it right. That would be great to see a prequel that actually looked like the original one like make it look a little clunky yeah yeah exactly like well, the, the prequels like star wars does it too like everything having better effects in the prequels is so weird like no one's ever had the yeah. balls to like actually try to like you know do the forrest gump thing where you really try to set yourself in that universe that's dated yeah 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 it's uh the prequels and then everybody's fighting differently the fighting styles are different so yeah, everything's just so radical. And Star Trek's not as bad, but it's still all the effects are like vastly updated, and all the prequel shows, you know, between mm-hmm. Enterprise and oh, I forget what the new one's called. Uh, the Discovery. new Star Trek prequel. Dis- yeah, there Discovery. you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. I've got other things I want to talk about, but I'll pass it off to somebody else. Uh, Joe, what do you got? Okay, so yesterday. I picked up a comic book that for the longest time I've heard, never heard a bad thing about. And I picked up Lock and Key yesterday, the first volume. It's by Joe Hill and uh, Gabriel Rodriguez. It's an IDW book from 2009. And they had it for free on Comixology Unlimited. And so I was like, all right, I got some time to burn. I'm going to check this out. And it absolutely blew my socks off. Um, I, I don't know how many of you have read Lock and Key, but... I've never, I, I I've never, enough. I've never finished it, but I, I, I do, I have started it. I've read like the first two or three trades. Yeah, okay. I'm in the same boat as Brian. I think it's exactly two that I've read. Yeah, Comixology uh, Unlimited had the first four on there all for free. And so for sure, I'm going to read all those. I think it goes seven, maybe. But, but what I'd read so far, it was great. I mean, it was a really good mix of, of horror and and really getting into these characters' heads and kind of seeing where they're what headspace they're in after this really tragic um, they kind of tragically lose their father at the very beginning of the book and then the fallout of what happens they move cross country into this mansion where the where their dad had grown up and there's these different doors in the house with it, with different keys and if you use the key in it it'll actually take you somewhere else and so far in the first book we see. 
we see a key that it opens a door and this kid, like basically his body just crumbles, crumples in the doorway and he leaves it. And so when he's out and about, he thinks he's like a, a, as a ghost. And so he's, he writes a comic strip about it in school about, you know, all over the summer while my dad died. And then we moved here and then I'm a ghost when I go through this door and I wonder if I'll see him And the school's like pinning a note for the mom being like, Hey, you need to talk to your kid about this. And, um, the, the struggle with the oldest son who, who, when the dad was killed, he had to fight off some of the attackers in the way he's struggling with it. And then the sister that had, had hid the little brother, you know, from the attackers and just the amount of psychology that's in this book. I wasn't expecting it in the, the art that Gabriel Rodriguez does is so good. Um, so yeah, absolute Tupperware on lock and key. I highly recommend people to check it out. Yeah. This is uh Stephen King's son that wrote this. And that's uh, what I had heard. I'd heard that Joe Hill was his pen name. Yeah. Yeah. Joe Hill. And he did, uh, he did another book called, uh, horns. It's not a comic, but another book called horns. And, um, that's a, have you, Jake, have you ever read horns or you ever seen the Daniel Radcliffe movie? I have not seen the movie. I read the book. The book was okay. He's done, um, a couple of short story like books that I highly recommend. I, I really liked, I, I think at least three of them now that were all just like little tiny 30 to 50 page novellas crammed in a book. They, it was really awesome. That stuff. Yeah. Um, Netflix. Did, did you like horns? Did you see the movie? I've never seen the movie. It was on Netflix for the longest time. I just never got around to watching it. Yeah, I heard people that liked the book weren't big fans of it, and that always kind of turns me off if I already hear that kind of thing before I've seen the movie. Yeah, I think I kind of like lumped it in with uh, watching like live action anime. You know, kind of like it's just not going to live up. So, yeah, exactly. Um, if you're a big fan of Black and Key, um, I don't know if it's free anymore. It might actually cost a credit, but for a while it was free on Audible. There's like a 14 hour like audio drama that they did for lock and key that joe hill himself like wrote the screenplay for and it is really fucking awesome it has uh tatiana Masiana on it and Haley joe osmond and kate mulgrew from star trek voyager and it's really good it's worth checking out even if it's worth if a credit now it's definitely worth it it's a really cool like audio book yeah 14 hours yeah, for one awesome. 14 hours for one credit is a really good deal so yeah, and there's not too many like this where it's like it's not you know it's a full cast like performing all the characters and everything. It's hard to find that kind of thing on Audible. That's what, good. What happened to the? Uh, they were gonna do a Hellboy kind of audio drama or something. Remember? I do remember that. And I was, was really excited for that. Yeah, and it was uh, it was Ron Perlman was gonna do it. Elijah Wood signed on to do it, and like I've never heard anything come of it. Mm. feels like probably rights issues got in the way there, right? I don't – they've done the cartoons. I mean I own, you know, some Hellboy uh, cartoons. I think they made two like short cartoons and then like maybe a movie, like a longer movie. So they made like three of them and it's like voiced by Ron Perlman and everything. So I don't know. Yeah, I've seen one of those. It was really good too. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe just – maybe they just put a lockdown on it. Maybe the studio – is like okay, you know, let's not do this other project because we don't want to confuse people mm-hmm. with this new crazy thing we have coming out. They should just finish the the Guillermo del Toro Hellboy series in cartoon. Just do that. Just give us something for crying out loud. You know? Yeah, yeah just definitely. let it wrap it up. <sighs> yeah, because like I really, yeah, and we haven't heard any news or gotten a trailer for the uh, the David Harbor one yet. 
Yeah, the news for that was coming like yes. a mile a minute for a second too, and then it just like it's like completely hushed up. Do right? you think everybody's talking about the Todd McFarlane spawn? Mm, that's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. The last news I heard about the David Harbor Hellboy is um, apparently David Harbor was very excited to get back into shooting uh, see Stranger Things season three because he got to go back into dad bod workout mode, which is no workout at all. Mm. Because he had to like go on a strict diet and this like very strict like you know workout regimen like when he was tr- for Hellboy yeah so he was apparently like really excited because he's like I get to do the dad bod diet donuts and so <laughs> that's the honestly that's the last thing I've heard about the Hellboy I haven't heard anything in months it seems like and yeah you're right Jake like we were getting like news every other day and now we're hearing like that just sounds like a fucking like men's health article or something i don't know that's so weird yeah i'm googling hellboy movie to see if just anything comes up yeah click on nothing click on news see if anything comes up so yeah not really so hellboy 2 turns 10 and it's more magical than ever (laughs) maybe i feel like pausing the podcast so we can read that article (laughs) you won't believe how magical it gets (laughs) hellboy 2 i hellboy is one of the rare movies where i like the sequel more than the first one i'm right there with you i love the golden army i thought that that movie i would give like the first one like a a taste it and the second one is like a tupperware to me i love the second one (laughs) that's exactly where i'm at with it i'm like high taste it with the first one but the second one's the tupperware yeah yeah i love the second one it's so good um let's see here joe uh what else you got I read two other comics this week that were very bittersweet to me. Um, the first one was December, December number 32 and that wrapped up December. That was the last issue. And that book has meant a lot to me ever since I started it. The art in that book by Dustin Wen is so unique with his watercolors and the way that that story was told. And what's cool though is that next year we're getting a sender, which is basically just going to be a continuation of it under a different title and it, it picks up 10 years later and they're introducing magic into the story. So, That's, so you shouldn't be bittersweet at all. It's not even really ending. It, but still, it's still, it's, the sender's gone. <laughs> a sender has promise, but I mean, it's, it's going to be different. You I know? think it, I, it's not going to be man versus machine. It's, it's going to yeah. be man with plus magic, I you think, know, plus alien races and stuff. Joe, I think you gave us like the perfect definition of bittersweet. Like it's bitter <laughs> because it ended and you were sad to see that story die, but it's sweet because it's being picked up again. Jake, I, there you go. Jake, I don't see your argument here, buddy. <laughs> I, yeah, I concede. <laughs> then, uh, Oh God, the other one I, I read was, it was so heavy. Like the cover stock on it had to have been made of like neutron star, but it was saga number 54. And the big thing about saga 54 is that it's wrapping up this newest story arc that's going on, but it's also, they're taking a break. That's going to be a year minimum before we get more saga back. And I don't, I don't want to talk about any of the uh, particulars of that, that issue. I know a lot of people wait and read saga by trade and um, this trade will be coming out in late September. So, you know, if, if anybody wants to talk after you've read that trade, hit me up <laughs> because it's heavy. Saga therapy sessions. Nice. Yes. Yeah. I They're noticed. Go down, you'll see. 
I noticed that you didn't make the mistake of saying that it, it it was bittersweet that it's going away for a year but coming back. Was that was that a conscious decision on your part, Joe? <laughs> I know. Yeah, we we didn't need to tread over that territory again. <laughs> Joe is like, ah, oh, there's always someone listening. <laughs> saga 54 it was like 84 oh, percent cacao chocolate you know it's like you're digging it but it's very bittersweet yeah <laughs> yeah fuck you both a list <laughs> let's see here i'm gonna pick up with something that so is that is that everything joe i don't want i don't mean to step all over you here oh no no that's that's it all right <laughs> Uh, I went and saw, I don't know if anybody else saw this. Did anybody else see Mission Impossible Fallout over the weekend? (laughs) I did not. I have movie pass. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm broke. (laughs) All right. Nobody else saw it. God damn it. Um, Okay. Fair enough. Uh, I saw this. I've seen it twice. I saw it uh, in the IMAX on opening night and then I went again and I saw it today in just uh, 2D. But before I jump into like my review and my thoughts about this one, um, I'm the hype for they gave us an IMAX exclusive look at the new movie coming out, uh First Man with Ryan Gosling where he plays Neil Armstrong. Have you guys seen the trailers for this film? Yes. Yes. No, I didn't even know this was a thing. Oh, yes. This is, uh, when we take a break, June, this might be something that you want to watch. But, yeah. uh, they, uh, they gave us an IMAX exclusive look. I'd seen the trailer probably two, three times or whatever, uh, on the big screen, uh, and also probably like on my tablet before that. But, um, this was an IMAX exclusive look and it had some extended scenes here. And one of the scenes going into this was, you know, the crew, these astronauts going into, you know, the space shuttle itself and then getting ready to uh, fly up into outer space and, and you, you get the whole launch sequence and everything. And, um, Jake, this is going to be another can't miss in the IMAX. This is, this is, this is going to be just like gravity. This is going to be like gravity with Sandra Bullock. Like you have to see that movie in 3D, IMAX 3D. This is another one. I promise you, I promise you, this is going to be a theatrical event. This is not going to live up when you watch it at home. I don't care if you have the world's best surround sound system and a huge screen. You have to see this in the IMAX 3D. Or IMAX. Yeah, I'm super excited. I, I love that kind of thing too. Like, uh, just uh, how good they do the effects with these space movies these days, and uh, uh, gravity just blew me away. The the IMAX first look as they're going in, and then like as you do as they do the launch, the whole screen is shaking, and you can just see these guys shaking as they're as like this, uh, you know, this shuttle is just rattling on its way up into space, and. Uh, like it's 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 the closest thing that we're ever going to feel to like joining an astronaut on, on on a mission and um it's absolutely incredible it's absolutely incredible and it's kind of nerve-wracking and um then when you finally are in space like they show basically like his point of view of like what it looks like to step out onto the moon and so it goes from like it, it's rattling you. You hear all these noises in the ship. You see these guys just shaking around. They can uh, it, they can barely communicate with Houston. It's insane. And then the next thing you know, it's like you're pulled onto the moon where there's zero noise. 
and you for a moment it I felt I felt something in the pit of my stomach like oh my god like oh wow here we are on the moon like it was unreal an unreal experience and it I'm I'm, I'm literally talking about like a 2 2 and a half minute kind of like first look at this movie it's called First Man with Ryan Gosling and this is going to be if you're going to pay the upcharge for IMAX um, this is the movie to do it. This is the movie to fucking do it. This looks insane. Yeah, that's cool that you got to see that first look. That sounds awesome. I love it when they do that with the big yeah. movie releases. Like, you know, typically Nolan does it a lot with his films. Like, you got, like, the first look at Dunkirk and, you know, and, and stuff like that. And uh, this was this was so, so fucking amazing. Um, and, uh, yeah, I can't wait to see this one. But, um yeah, it's directed by Damien Chazelle, and he's the writer and director for uh, Whiplash and La La Land, um, and then he was the writer for Ten Cloverfield Lane. So I like I like a lot of what Damien Chazelle's given us in the past. So I can't wait to see yeah. what he does with this movie. Man, Iowa sucks for IMAX theaters. I'd have to drive two hours to see something on IMAX. So I have never seen one. And I'm always so jealous of you guys talking about these amazing experiences. And when you're talking about this one, yeah. that's like right up my alley, man. I love space stuff. Seriously, take the take the two hour trip. Do it. Just do it. Like plan plan a day where you're gonna go see this one. Because like this would be a good this would be this would be a good one for your first experience. Because uh I mean, I am so glad that I got to see Dunkirk in IMAX. I'm so glad that I got to see, um, you know, uh, the uh, gravity in the uh, IMAX 3D. It's like those are those are worth it. You know, it's like I'm not yeah. going to say, Joe, oh, my God, you got to go see Transformers 6 in the IMAX Optimus Prime. <laughs> and no, these are movies. About the walk, the walk. I yes. Just recently. Was yes. Right there. The walk with. Uh, yeah, yeah, that the, one sounded good. The Joseph Gordon-Levitt film was so good. Uh, June, do you go see a lot of IMAX movies? <laughs> I um, do not. Um, the nearest IMAX theater is like an hour away. Um, and. It's it's hard enough to my husband just go see like a Marvel movie anyway, and I kind of pick and choose my battles. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, we'll just go see a regular 2D. So he's not big into like IMAX or the 3D or anything like that. So ah, all right, compromise. Yes. Apparently, that's what marriage is. I've learned that in my two years being in it. <laughs> right. Apparently, like you're supposed to. Apparently, you're supposed to compromise. I don't know. I don't <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's so, see here. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, he can compromise a little bit and maybe go t- take you to see this movie in IMAX. How about that? Actually, I might push for this one. You know, a movie that we didn't see in the theater was um, Life of Pi. Oh God! And to me, like, and we actually both like we it came on HBO or something. We were both like, we both realized you're we like, this is one that yeah. we we messed up on this one. Like, this was one that needed to be seen in the theater. Absolutely. Yeah, Life of Pi. What a great fucking movie. That's a beautiful. Yeah. Movie. Right. That's a beautiful movie. Actually, fun trivia. Um, one of the professors, um, I went to Clemson University, and uh, I didn't know this till much later. We apparently have this awesome graphic design department, and one of the professors there won an Oscar for his work on Life of Pi. It was the CGI water. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it, uh, it was really cool. God, I, I, I want to watch Life of Pi again now. 
That's such a great movie. I love that movie. So good. Um, I want to talk about Mission Impossible 6 now, but I wanted to get people all excited about First Man and try to sell them on that IMAX ticket. You will, you will not, you will not regret it. I promise you. You will not regret it. IMAX for First Man. Looks Winish, does that come out? Uh, that one comes out, I want to say, fuck, I don't know. I didn't write that down. I, I want to say, fuck. I'll I, look. Yeah, I want to say September, but it could be even later than that. Um, but, uh, yeah, here we go. Uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. Ethan Hunt and his IMF team, along with some familiar allies, race against time after a mission gone wrong. It's written and directed by Christopher McQuarrie. Uh, he's best known as the writer for The Usual Suspects, uh, Jack Reacher, The Edge of Tomorrow, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Uh, but he's also directed those films. The, the Jack Reacher, Reacher and Mission Impossible movies I named – um, as well, and then the the way of the gun from uh, back in two thousand with Ryan Felipe and Benicio del Toro. Um, that's another movie that he was involved in. He directed that film, and uh, that movie is underrated. Have you ever seen that movie, Jake? I've never seen that. Really? Has anybody anybody else seen the way of the gun? Uh-uh. It's Ryan Felipe and it's uh, Benicio del Toro. And uh, I love that movie. I own it on DVD. I think I do. Or what, did I used to own it on VHS? I can't remember. <laughs> but I, I love... I need to upgrade it. No shit. I love The Way of the Gun. Like, it's got... Sarah Silverman is in the beginning of that movie. It's like a cameo. And she's mouthing off to Ryan Felipe. And Ryan Felipe just punches her in the face like she's a man. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's a crazy movie. A lot of guns and, uh, it's, it's fantastic. It's a great fucking movie. Um, and then, uh, Mission Impossible Fallout, Christopher McQuarrie is the first director in the franchise to ever direct more than one film. So they've always kind of had different directors for each movie. And this is the first time they've let a director come back and direct another movie. Um, so he's directed the, Last two back to back. Uh, the movie, of course, has Tom Cruise, Simon Pegg, uh, Henry Cavill, Ving Rames, Alec Baldwin, uh, Rebecca Ferguson, and I found out she was pregnant while filming the movie. So she was uh, about seven months pregnant when filming was completed on this, and uh, that's. I think it. I think it affected her being in the movie because. She, oh, it had to have. It was Jake. She was such a huge pivotal part of the. Of her, of the first Mission Impossible movie that she was in. And in this one, I felt like they were holding back on her. And I, it, it was, it was kind of upsetting in a way. Cause I, I loved her. She won a tuppy for, um, from me, you know, uh, back in 2015 because of her performance. Uh, we also got Angela Bassett in this movie and then Wes, uh, Wes Bentley from American Horror Story and Yellowstone also makes an appearance in this movie. Um, I, uh, I, this is one of my most anticipated movies of the year. I know a lot of people don't like Tom Cruise. I like his personal life aside. I think he's a great fucking actor. And in my opinion, like the Mission Impossible movies are an event. And I, I kind of compare like Tom Cruise to Seinfeld soup Nazi. You, you want to go anywhere else for the soup, but the soup is just so fucking good. <laughs> and, and see, that's the thing with Tom Cruise. It's like, you know, I know a lot of people don't like the man, but you're not going to get this kind of entertainment 
anywhere else. You're not going to get these legit stunts that he pulls off in these movies. And he's he's a master of his craft. I'll give him that much. I Tupperware the fuck out of this movie. I'm not going to talk about it too much. It is absolutely phenomenal. Um, the the not just the stunts. The the stunts are amazing. The stunts are great. I love the. I mean, the locations are great. Let me start with the locations. I mean, you've got London, you've got Paris, you've got uh, uh, Belfast, you've got uh, Kashmir. Like it's like they 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 go to some beautiful places and some beautiful scenery, and uh, and then and then of course you have all these amazing stunts, kind of like uh, intertwined in in these beautiful settings, and uh, the motorcycle chase scene is absolutely fantastic. Uh, the um, the helicopter scene is amazing. The skydiving scene was so incredible. Um, God damn it. This movie, two hours and 27 minutes long, and there's not a moment where you're bored. Not a single moment. The story is amazing. Simon Pegg is fantastic. Ving Rhames is doing his great, great job. Uh, Alec Baldwin's fantastic. Angela Bassett's great. And Henry Cavill is fucking phenomenal in this movie. Fucking phenomenal. Yeah, I, I believe it. He steals the trailers. Fucking phenomenal, and he steals a lot of the performances and a lot, a lot of the scenes in this movie. He's so goddamn good. And I know he was talking about how he felt that this movie, playing this role, was kind of like grooming him to possibly be the next James Bond. If that's the route they go, I am all for it. I am all fucking for it if they can make Cavill the next fucking James Bond. I'm down with that. 100 fucking percent after this movie. This movie, the story is incredible. There are some amazing twists in this. Some really awesome twists. Uh, I guess my only complaint for the movie is I just needed, I wanted more Rebecca Ferguson in this one. I wanted more Rebecca Ferguson. Some great new additions. The uh, the White Widow, that character, really enjoyed her performance. There's a part where uh, she's kind of like a, a she's kind of like a um, a broker between um, uh, you know Tom Cruise's character of Ethan Hunt and uh, this group that has stolen this uh, plutonium and they're going to sell it to the highest bidder. So Tom Cruise has to kind of like appease her and make a deal with her in order for her to set up the meeting for Ethan to meet the people that are in possession of the plutonium. And there's this scene, and I know people are going to have a huge problem with it, where she out of nowhere just kisses him. Like, out of nowhere just kisses him. And I was like, oh my god, what a fucking power move. I thought it was a power move. I really did. You know? just kind of, She did it because she could. She did it because she could. And it was kind of like a power move to me. I just thought it was a really interesting scene. Um, yeah. I mean, these are hyper-realistic characters, you know, in a hyper-realistic, you know, spy espionage action movie. So it's all good, I think, for people. Well, right? and she's also connected to another character in the universe. If you watch the movie and you listen closely, and I actually had one of our listeners, Bernie Otis, point this out to me because I didn't catch it. And then when I watched it the second time, I caught it. And now it makes 100 percent. Uh, it makes sense 100 percent. Like you know why she is the way she is, and it was really cool. Um, but uh, I Tupperware this. It is. It is great. This is the best action movie as far as like stunts and things like that that I've seen all year. It is so good. 
It is so good. And these stunts. Is it are, the best Mission Impossible movie? In my opinion, um, the two Macquarie movies, I, I gotta watch this one another time, maybe. Like, I gotta watch it again. Right now, I would rank it higher than, than the, the first one that he did, but they're, the, the Macquarie ones are my favorites out of all of them. You know, and I mean, there's been some great names as far as directors that have been attached to these. Like, the first one was, uh, De Palma, Brian De Palma, and, you know, you've got, uh, even the second one, which gets a lot of shit, um, um, uh, John Woo. John Woo. I mean, had some really cool shit in it. I mean, you've got, um, uh, Tandy. Brad Bird and Abrams, right? Yeah, but Tandy Newton's performance in Mission Impossible 2 is really great. She's really good in that movie. And, um, and then, yeah. Yeah, it's just all the slow motion motorcycle dove bullshit. Yeah, it's a guilty pleasure. It's, it's, you know, I mean, it's John Woo. Like, I, you know, there's some John Woo movies that I absolutely love. And then there's movies like Wind Talkers with Nick Cage that are just terrible, you know? So, you know. It felt like he was doing self parody of himself, though, with the Mission Impossible movie. Like, it's, it's probably his worst movie. And it's probably, in the, my opinion. Well, it's probably, no, I would say Wind Talkers is by far his worst that I've ever seen. It's like, cause I love World War II and I love World War II movies to kind of be, feel authentic, you know, if they're, if it's gonna be uh, a legit, you know, based on like real events. And like, mm-hmm. this was based on like, you know, a true story, but Wind Talkers is just terrible in my opinion. Oh god, it's terrible. Yeah, I didn't see it, so I have nothing to compare. Oh, I saw it in the theater. I went to the fucking theater as a youngster and watched Wind Talkers. And even then with my, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't too critical back then. There were some movies back then that I enjoyed that now I watch them and I think they're terrible. But walking out of the theater, I think at like 18 or 19, I was just like, what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, you guys got to I don't want to talk too much about Mission Impossible Fallout. I will tell you that it is just it's it's fantastic. It, it totally deserves the 97% that it has on Rotten Tomatoes. It's killing in the box office. It's uh I think it's going to hit 61.5 million, which is the best in the franchise as far as an opening for Mission Impossible. Um it's going to beat out Mission Impossible 2's 57.8 million. So, and the cinema score is an A. Um this, I don't know. You, you gotta watch it. You gotta watch it. I saw it in IMAX. It was absolutely incredible. I loved it. My, my theater loved it. I could tell my theater loved it. And, um, Cavill stole the show. He stole the show. He's so good in this. He's so good in this. He's so fantastic. And Simon, oh, Simon Pegg is so good in this. Um, I didn't miss, I didn't miss Renner at all. I didn't miss Renner one bit. Not, not one bit. So I loved it. I like that it'll, it'll forever be linked to uh, destroying movie pass probably too at this point. Yeah, that's true. And yeah. it's, it's also the most uh, expensive uh, Mission Impossible movie ever made and not for reasons that they really wanted. It was um, – I think it was a, it was $250 million is what this one cost and it was supposed to cost around $180 million. And then when Tom Cruise did a stunt and he hurt his ankle – they stopped production for eight weeks, but what they had to do was they had to, in order to keep the crew around, they had to continue to pay the crew to be there and not work. And then also, of course, like 
they had to push back. I'm sure they had to push back like back like set vi- like um, location visits, you know, and pay out more to stay uh, in these different locations longer than they than they anticipated. Yeah, so, just rescheduling itself costs money. You're right yeah. about that. So this movie cost them about seventy million dollars more because of Tom Cruise's ankle. <laughs> so I, that that's unreal. And um, I'm telling you, it's like I I hope this movie continues to do well. I hope it continues to do well in theaters because I want to see more action movies like this. I do because it's we get a lot of we get a lot of action movies, but like. Dude, I watched Die Hard this week, and you wouldn't believe when you can watch Die Hard in HD. How many times you notice that that's not Bruce Willis doing that stunt? Oh, that's sad. <laughs> that's sad. But when you're watching this, and you're watching fucking Tom Cruise on his motorcycle flying through the fucking like brick streets of Paris, these cobbled streets, and he's on a motorcycle. That's really fucking him doing this. And it's unreal. And when he's in the helicopter, the helicopter scenes, that's all Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise learned how to, he's a pilot. He spent an entire year training to perform the uh, high altitude, low opening uh, stunt in this movie. He trained an entire year. So you can say whatever you want to about Tom Cruise. This guy is a master at his craft. Uh, I was talking to my parents about this. They were actually in town. Um, my dad's looking forward to seeing the movie. He's like, I'm going to wait until the crowds die out a little bit. But he's like, Brian, I think Tom Cruise is going to die making one of these movies. Like, <laughs> No kidding. You know? Well, yeah, that's something I was going to bring up is that if they had to delay production for that long because he twisted an ankle – when you have the main star, and especially being such a big name like Tom Cruise is insisting on doing all their stunts, they have to have that worked into the budget somehow. Like, well, what happens if this guy messes himself up, and then we got to take an eight-week break and pay everybody to twiddle their thumbs until his ankle's not the size of a cantaloupe anymore? Yeah, I don't know. It's I don't know. I don't know how to. I I, I don't know how. To, it's not like you can. I'm sure they insure him, so it's not like, you know what I mean? Like, he's insured, but, like, as far as, like, the whole production goes, like, you just can't... No, it's crazy to me, though. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah but, I mean, I don't think millions movies, of dollars into a project, and that can happen. How many, but think about how many times we hear of movies, like, where you think the simple thing, the sensible thing would have been a budget for, like, unforeseen, or, you know, even, like, foreseen incidents and they don't and then they have to scramble if they get new directors or they have to mm-hmm. postpone production like i think that would they just deal with stuff as it happens yeah and that's so, true and these locations that they're filming in like think about it this way like how, okay they've they've paid to like okay guys we're gonna film here they're gonna block this area off so that they can do these stunts perform these stunts like you know downtown paris you know uh this part of london whatever and like if they can't make those dates now they gotta pay they they probably have to pay again and pay more and and uh it's not like they're getting any like you're paying in these locations where you're not getting any tax breaks it's not like they're it's not like they're filming in Australia where they used to have all these tax breaks or like filming in Georgia where they're filming all, getting all these tax breaks these are i mean these are metropolitan areas where they're filming and they they pretty much have to shut down streets for production right That's Yeah exactly oh, yeah. and you're right about paying more because you know 
having to in such short notice, that's what's going to make it cost so much more money, right? It's, it's about the same like logic as booking a flight, right? Yeah. Like it's, doing it like two days before. Yeah. Like it's, it's definitely going to cost more. Like, and, and considerably more. Like it could be 200, 300% more than what it originally cost. I mm-hmm. mean, they went way over budget. But I mean, what are you going to do? It's Tom Cruise. Like you can't do Mission Impossible without Tom Cruise. No, you can't. You can't. You got to stop production 100%. It's not like uh, when the uh, the Force Awakens when Harrison Ford, you know, hurt himself. You know, it's not like that where they can. Okay, well, let's just film a bunch of like Ray scenes and Poe Dameron scenes and Finn scenes, and then you know we'll come back to this stuff with uh, you know with with Han. It's it, yeah. Exactly. Everything revolves around Tom Cruise. Get out there and see it. Get out there and see this movie. This is this is fantastic. This is fantastic. If you haven't watched the other movies, watch them. Um, it, as soon as I as soon as I got out of the movie today, I went and saw it for the second time today. Um, I was like, I'm gonna, I gotta do, I gotta do a Mission Impossible rewatch because I have like the first three on DVD. I've got to update my collection first off. I gotta get them all on fucking Blu-ray. These are this 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 franchise has been around for 22 years with with Tom Cruise as the main actor. This is not like you know. I'm not saying anything against Bond. This is like for James Bond. Some people love James Bond, Jake. I know you're a fan. This is my Bond. This is like this is like my Bond series. Like I love this. This is some great stuff. So. I Tupperware the yeah. fuck out of this one. This is amazing. That's awesome. I think the Mission Impossible movies do a really great job, too, of, like, you could just pretty much watch any one at any time and not feel like it's not cumbersome, like you have to know the lore of any given Mission Impossible movie to know what's going on. I think they all pretty much do a great job of being great one-and-done action movies. This one, in my opinion, there are some things that would help you, that you would... If you would watch the previous, um, previous movies, but they do a great job of explain, explaining one of them. The other one is, I, I think they're kind of like, it's, it's what kind of like Bernie kind of like alluded, told me about. He was like, Hey, uh, and I was like, Holy shit, you're right, man. Like, I don't want to spoil it for anybody because I want people to go in fresh. But, um, the other thing in this movie is definitely something that happens in a previous movie and, and uh but they but they explain it within the movie they you know they give you that exposition so you've got basically like ving rames spelling it out for you if you don't remember or if you haven't seen the movie so yeah jake you're you're right i mean these movies do a really good job of kind of keeping you up to speed and not confusing you with uh you know continuity from previous films you sold me, Brian. I just bought the uh, one through five collection as we spoke as we were speaking here. Nice, nice. Thirty thirty bucks on sale right now. Oh God, what a that's great, a steal. That's a really, really good deal. Yeah, it's a steal, Brian. So talk to me off the show, and you can watch those five in HD too. Oh God, I'm gonna do a whole rewatch. I'm gonna do a whole rewatch. I, I remember um, I was uh, I think it was 1996, and uh, me and my girlfriend at the time went and saw that first Mission Impossible movie in the theater together and like we left and we're just like wow that was a great movie that was a great movie and that's what had me hooked you know and uh i kept coming back to the theater for each and every individual movie and it's an event for me it's an event it's been an event since i was 18 years old and uh i will continue to watch these i hope that he keeps putting these out because tom cruise is not getting any younger so (laughs) 
you know? Yeah, how, it wasn't was it like three years ago the last one? It feels like this was the yes. quickest between yes. Mission Impossible movies ever. It was 2015. So now we know he's got he's doing Top Gun two, and we know after that it sounds like him and Doug Lyman might be working on a sequel for the uh, Edge of Tomorrow film, and then hopefully then after that he'll say you know what. Uh, I'm not going to do another Jack Reacher movie because Jack Reacher 2 sucked. I'm going to do another Mission Impossible movie. And I, I'll be honest with you, I want Christopher McQuarrie to come back for the for for the next one. I, I I know that it was kind of a thing where they had like different directors for each movie and each movie had their own feel, but I love what Christopher McQuarrie's been doing with these movies, man. Like these last two have been my favorite. And I feel like he kind of wrapped everything up a little bit with his story in this one. But man, he introduced some new characters and um, I want to see what Christopher McQuarrie can do for the future of the franchise because like, uh, man, he's got a vision with this character and he's just doing a great job. And I love him and Tom Cruise working together. On, on, on Mission Impossible. So. Yeah, if it's not broke, why fix it at this point, right? Yeah, and especially with this being like the highest grossing, um, Mission Impossible movie to date. Yes. Yes, please. Please. Oh, if you have Movie Pass and you, if you have a, uh, uh, if your theater accepts e-ticketing, I know a lot of people haven't been able to get into, um, to use their movie pass and watch Mission Impossible, but if you have a local theater that takes e-ticketing and you can use e-ticketing on your movie pass, you can still watch Mission Impossible. So you can use your yeah. movie pass if they have e-ticketing. So I, yeah, we talked about that earlier. I'm sorry, I thought I was doing like, uh, I thought I was. It's doing, a handy tip. It is. I thought I, I, I thought I was giving a really good PSA there, not realizing I had already talked about it. So whatever, I'm a fucking moron. That, that's how handy it is. Um. Beer, beer, beer. I want to I want to pass it off. I'm yammering on. I'm yammering on about a movie you guys haven't even seen. I don't even I don't even know if I sold any of you on it. Except for Jake. Jake bought the Jake bought all five movies. I spent thirty bucks that you like literally sold me on it. I don't know. I love the Mission Impossible movies. I can't wait to see this one. Alright. June, what about you? What about Mission Impossible? Is it impossible for you to watch these movies or are you a fan? No, I mean, I saw the first one. I, I, I'll be honest, that's the only one of the move, the Tom Cruise movies that I've seen. Mm. My dad and I used to watch, um, like, the, the old show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just never got around to watching the rest of the Mission Impossible. Like, I really liked that first one. I was in high school when it came out, and I just never got around to seeing the rest of them, but... Yeah, you should just do, you should just do like a whole series watch. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. That way, when they come out with the seventh one, you'll be... You'll be just as excited as me going into the theater. All right. Because they literally are an event. And Tom Cruise puts his blood, sweat, and tears into these movies. No, I do think that's cool. Because every um, once in a while, they're not trailers, but the little, I guess, vignettes they have, like in the movie theater, before they actually start showing trailers. Yeah. Um, and it, with the last, not not just this one, but the last Mission Impossible movie, like it shows him doing his own stunts. What pissed me off about the last one is he had like this whole underwater scene. And I talked about this on the episode when I reviewed it, where he held his breath for like an insane amount of time. But they, and he really did that stunt, but they kept cutting away from it. So you didn't really get to see it in full, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, what, if you, if you're gonna have Tom Cruise holding his, yeah, if you're gonna have him holding his breath for four or five minutes or whatever the fuck he did down there, show us the full lapse of time without breaking away from it, you know? Like, don't break away from the scene. Like, that's part of it. That's like, 
Uh, that 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 kind of pissed me off. But other than that, I I love that movie too. Rebecca Ferguson, so goddamn good. I'm thinking to myself, like she's so good at the action stuff. Like what uh, what role would she be able to pull off in like one of these comic book movies? You know, like um, you know, we've already got a Black Widow. She'd be great as a Black Widow. But I was thinking, like what? Like if they ever had like Elektra in the MCU, and it wasn't like the Elektra from like the Marvel Netflix series, she'd be great. She'd be great as an Elektra. Yeah, I'm not familiar with her. And honestly, Brian, I haven't seen – I stopped after Mission Impossible 2. So it's I'm going to be seeing all these for the first time. And I'm going to try to do it quick enough to see the new one uh, in the theater. Okay, hold on. Here we go. Philip, C- Philip Seymour Hoffman, um, probably the best villain ever uh, in uh, the Mission Impossible movies. And you're he's in the third one. And then Sean Harris in the fifth one, great fucking villain. Probably my second favorite villain in the whole series. So, yeah. I'm excited to see it. It feels like it's very much like Fast and the Furious, where it feels like right around the fourth one, it kind of really revitalized like yeah. the, the whole series. Yeah, the fourth one is like your first uh, introduction with Jeremy Renner. And then, oh, God. Yeah, you're in for it, man. I want to hear, like, once you watch these, I want you to give us an update on on an episode and let us know how your Mission Impossible watch went. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to do that quick. All right. The, uh, uh, the third one was that one with the tower in Dubai, right, where he was having to climb the glass on the outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, my the, God. The, the climbing company 510 actually formulated a brand-new kind of rubber to stick to the glass for those scenes. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's actually really awesome. That is awesome. I know. I've always wanted to pick up a pair because they said it's really good for wet rock, but they're super fucking expensive. So I'm wow. like, all right, fuck the Mission Impossible shoes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see here. I want to – you know what? I want to uh, blah, 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 take a break and then come back and then we're going to – God, this is going on long. It's going on really long, people. Jesus, because it's because it's so good. No, it's not. This episode's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> oh God, no! This is like this is like. What, what do you think? Like this is bottom, probably bottom fifty, right, Jake? No, I don't. I don't. I mean, I like to wait till the end before we're making decisions like that. But man, this feels like top one hundred to me. Ah, oh, wow, top one hundred. No one's falling asleep. No one's falling asleep. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. It's been pretty good. It's been pretty good. All right. Let's Jude's see. dog has calmed down. Yeah, he has. <laughs> That's true. That's true. He, I don't know if you guys heard him barking a little bit before because he saw his reflection in the window and he's so cute but not very smart and doesn't realize that that's him and not another dog. I don't know if that's like a, a real good base for like a good episode though, Jake. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's been fun. We've had we've there's been stuff that seriously made me laugh this episode. I loved when you went Mixmaster Mike. Yes, the remix of the good pop that <laughs> <laughs> For sure, next week's iTunes review, it's going to be the episode was to dope, to dope, to dope. To dope, to dope, to dope, to dope, to dope. Oh my gosh. That was a, yeah, that, that yeah. alone puts it top 100 for me. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Not bottom 50, though. Come on. I would say bottom 50. Yeah. 
Mm, I think yikes. I would yeah. take that as a personal insult, Joe and June. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm like, oh, why are we here? <laughs> I mean, yeah, take it as you uh, take it as you will, guys. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> maybe maybe this is. I, I guess it's just a plea from me to say maybe we should step up our game a little bit, right? You know. <laughs> <laughs> We all need to take equal ownership of this journey yeah. to suck down. The yeah. yeah. Right, no equals here. I'm fucking A-list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. Hopefully by then, uh, June and Joe will start sucking it up. And uh, <laughs> no, we're sorry, guys. We can, we're sorry. We can actually put out some good content this week. Okay. All right. We'll well, be- I'm not. I'm going to drink more beer. Let's see where this goes. <laughs> <laughs> you just took it. To, you took it to the, uh, the the. I don't know. Maybe like the low seventy five. Like we're the bottom seventy five now. All right, Joe. He did. That's twenty five points up. No, with his with his fucking attitude. He's just like, I don't give a shit. Whatever. I'm gonna get drunk. <laughs> Fuck you, Brian. A list, bitch. Hey, list. Hey, list. And then he hits me over the head with a beer bottle. Boom. <laughs> All right. Let's take a uh, quick break. We'll be right back. All right. Hey, we are back. All right. June. <laughs> June just told us. I knew. I knew it was going to happen. I totally knew you were going to do that. June, before we came back, told me that she was eating a vanilla wafer. And so, of course, I wanted to call her out and see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How- <laughs> um, that was awesome. You know. I knew it. June, are you, do you want to continue, uh, with the, uh, the, the wafing or would you like to? No, I ate it. I ate it. <laughs> okay, okay. So I'm good. All right. You're good. All right. <laughs> would you, would you like to, uh, tell us about what you have for good pop, bad pop this week? Um, yeah. So I wanted to talk about the, um, the Showtime show, The Affair. Have you guys seen any of it or have heard about it? No, I haven't. I've, uh, uh, last Showtime show I watched was uh, The Shy, so I haven't been watching a lot of Showtime. What's The Affair about? Um, so, well, The Affair, it's been on since, uh, started in 2014. I mean, it is about um, these two people who have an extramarital affair. Um, it stars, I mean, it's got, their, their cast is pretty stellar. You have Dominic West, who people may know from The Wire. Um, oh, yeah. I never actually watched The Wire, but I know a lot of people did. Um, he was in The Wire, he was in let me see, 300, John Carter, Punisher Warzone, apparently. Um, but then also stars Ruth Wilson. Um, I'm not familiar with her, but she seems to be a big BBC person. She's been in Jane Eyre, um, Luther, the show with... Um, Idris Elba. Yes, so she's on that show. Um, she's also in uh, Saving Mr. Banks, which came out a couple years ago. It also stars uh, Maura Tierney. Uh, people may know her from ER and News Radio, and uh, and Joshua Jackson. Oh Most God! People remember him as Mighty Ducks from Dawson's Creek. Yeah, Mighty Ducks and Dawson's Creek and Fringe. Basically, the show it follows um, these four people. Dominic West plays Noah Soloway. He's married to more Tierney Helen, and it starts off. Um, the first season is basically it starts off in the summer in the Hamptons. 
at Helen's parents' house. And Allison Lockhart, who's played by Ruth Wilson, is married to Joshua Jackson's character, Cole. And they live in the Hamptons. So basically, it's the the first season, it starts off with all of the meeting that summer. And it's with um, Dominic West's character and Ruth Wilson's character meeting, and they, they have an affair. But the interesting thing about the show, especially in the first season, is the show gets divided into two parts. Like, it's told from Noah's point of view and then Allison's point of view. And you're and it's retelling the same events of the day, but from different points of views. So it was it's so interesting in that very first episode, though, because it's in his point of view, he's the one that's resistant to her flirtation. Like in his point of view, like she's very, you know, sultry and coy, but you know she's the one doing the flirting. Whereas if you look at it in, her, but when it, when it's close to her point of view, she's vulnerable. And he's the one that is making the move on her. Hmm. And so it, and the, the problem that, the reason why that I want to bring this show up and to see if anybody, if any listeners out there have been watching this show, um, it's in its fourth season right now. And so I, I gave the show a taste it after it ended its first season. And now we're in season four and it's still just a taste it because I feel like I'm waiting for it to be something. Like, I'm waiting for this brilliance from this show. Damn, five seasons is a long time to wait. I mean, it... Because I think at times it's... At times I think it wants to be this very serious, intricate, intellectual look at what adult relationships are. But then other times it just gets very soap opera. It gets very soapy. And almost trashy. Ah, so it's like uh, Melrose Place or some shit. It, yeah, but see, but there and there are moments where it does. It feels very Melrose Place. Like there are some moments where that happens, and you're, so it doesn't. To me, I feel like the show does not know what it's trying to do yet. Yeah. Now, the first season, you only get the point of view from those two characters, uh, from Noah and Allison, played by Dominic West and Ruth Wilson. The second season, you start getting um, points of views from more Terry's character and Joshua Jackson's character. Um, and then they added some random French teacher in the third season that made a bunch of people very angry. But it's just we're in the fourth season now, and I just wanted to kind of throw it out there to see if there's anyone, you know, any of the listeners who do watch the show as well, because I'd love to talk about it just because it's – and I feel like the reviews and sort of the comments that I hear on the show is a lot of people – when the show came out in 2014, people anticipated the show and they were excited about this show. When you heard about the show and you watched the first couple episodes, it was something interesting and new and fresh. Yeah. And it's almost like there was a potential. Yeah. And none of us knew what this potential was, but it was almost like it's there. It's right there. And then it, four seasons later, it's... It's like we're almost we're still trying to figure out like what is this potential that it's trying to reach. This show would have been canceled first season on HBO. It's because it's on Showtime that it's gone this long, right? I mean, it- I mean, yeah. You know what's so funny though is like looking at the, so it's in the fourth season right now. It got ninety percent a Rotten Tomato ratings for the first two seasons. The third season, which is by far the worst season, that one it, that one dropped to like a seventy one percent. So far in Rotten Tomatoes, the fourth season has gotten a hundred percent. See, that's the thing. Rotten Tomatoes, as far as like the television stuff, is so weird because like some shows that are just terrible get high ratings, in my opinion. I feel like they're more so. 
I'm not going to say accurate, but it's it's a it's a it's a better sampling with the movies. I feel like the movies have a better kind of as far as like the movie critics, the TV critics. I think I don't know. It's so weird. It's it's, so- the, it's the amount of people, Brian. You, you're you're almost there. Just yeah. When you have more raw raw data, it's going to make more sense. And there's just more raw raw data when it comes to the, the movie reviews, the mm-hmm. television reviews. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if there's anyone out there who's been listening, it's just, I don't know, and I don't know if it's just me, maybe I need to give up on the show. For some reason, I can't, though, because I keep feeling like there's just something about the show that I feel like it's, there's a brilliance to it that maybe I'm just not seeing. Oh, see, you're sucked in, and you've invested so much time in it. And I have, and part of it is also, because one of the um, producers on the show, his name is David, David Henry Huang, and he's a playwright. He's, he wrote... What I, in my opinion, is one of the best plays in American literature of um, the 20th century. It's called M. Butterfly. And some people may have read it. Um, John Lithgow and B.D. Wong were in on Broadway, and they both won Tonys for it. Um, and so I, knowing this guy, knowing his pedigree, and knowing that he's a producer on the show, I'm like, I feel like, okay, well, if he's attached to it, clearly this, there's something brilliant that maybe I'm missing. And yeah. I don't know. And the creators of the show, um, Sarah Treem, and I can't think of the other guy's name, they were behind the show um, In Treatment that was on HBO. If anyone ever watched that, it was like the therapy show. I did not. came out. In I, Treatment was the name of the show. I remember of it, but I never saw it. Yeah, yeah so that was that. So they did, that was their show. So it's like you see these like kind of moments or you see things that maybe – and maybe, uh, maybe unrealistically, I, I'm putting too much into what the show should be and maybe just not watching it for what it actually is. So this sounds like an intervention to, like, get you to stop watching the show. <laughs> <is> what it <laughs> sounds like. Or maybe, or maybe just saying, like, yeah, you know, like, yeah, this is not – you just need to, like, step back from – what you think it should be. Speaking of in treatment, maybe we need to put you in treatment to stop watching this show. I know, but I can't <laughs> stop watching. I mean, my husband, like he watched the first, and actually for him, he was like, I feel like this show, it, it should have ended after the first season. He was like, I think it was one of those. It would have been better as a mini series. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's almost like that. Um, the HBO show, big little lies. Like apparently that's coming back for a second season. Yeah. Yeah. But it, I don't know why. Michelle's um, super excited for more of that. I see. I don't know if I am. So. See, your hang up with this show, it reminds me of when my wife and I were invested in Grey's Anatomy. Where every season that came out, by the end of it, we're like, why do we keep watching this? And then the next season would come out and we'd watch it. And after every episode, we're like, why do we keep watching this? And it was a really good feeling to just cut it loose. God. Well, okay. So I did and just that with let it sail I away. <laughs> I did that with Grey's Anatomy. Okay. I did that. That was like, that's like my little guilty, like, I don't watch it anymore. I haven't watched it in years, but I did for a while. Like, I watched Grey's Anatomy and I like, it was in its fourth season. It's the one where Catherine Heigl's still on it. And it's the one where she has cancer. Uh-huh. And... I remember like that, the middle of that season, oh, it was when she starts hallucinating Jeffrey Dean Morgan. And then she's having like, loose, like, yeah. And that was, so I like stopped watching it that season. And I like took off my little season pass thing on my DVR. And then I just happened to watch the second to last episode. 
So then, of course, I had to watch the last episode, the finale, and then I just started watching it again. <laughs> you had a relapse. And I was so <laughs> I was so pissed at myself. But actually, after the whole big after the fl- the big plane crash, that was when I finally I went. Nope, no more. We're done. Yeah, like um, I. You guys talking about Grey's Anatomy and the show The Affair and like why you keep watching it. It reminds me of my actual marriage. Like, why am I in this so long? <laughs> oh, <So>. no. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Listen to your glee of making people go, ooh. <laughs> I think I love this. Yeah, I love that. I love the. The happiness of, the, of like I made it awkward. Woo! Yeah, 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 yeah. We got Thanks for Brian. I know. I uh, we, yeah. But unlike those shows, I was able to end my marriage. So um. anyway, so yes, yeah, the affair has like it's got moments, but yeah, I just can't stop. I keep watching the show, just thinking it's going to be better or be something more meaningful than. It actually is. And I think maybe, I don't know, and that's why I'm like, yeah, maybe calling out to listeners saying like, yeah, this is, this is trash. Like, just stop watching. It's, no, it's fine. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I watched, how many seasons of, uh, Flavor of Love with Flavor of Flav did I watch? You know, that's 100% trash and I watched every fucking season. <laughs> Sometimes twice. They had more than one? They had more than one season. I think it went maybe three or four seasons. I watched Rock of Love with Brett Michaels. Watched them all. Watched them all. You know Daisy which one I watched? You know, I watched the one where, like, they took the girls that were on Rock of Love and Flavor of Love, and it was, like, but they took them to make them, like, not trashy girls. Oh, yeah, they had, like, the whole, like, uh, kind of, like, etiquette school or whatever. Yeah, but it was for all the girls who, like, like went bad to be girls club or something. on, but, like, to be contestants on, like, Rock of Love or Flavor of Love, like, it was an etiquette, like... They made like him take like they, yeah they they made him like take cotillion classes or something right yeah <laughs> I mean I think that was like I remember I watched like one season of that because I was kind of fascinated oh, by man. it like well, my I think my favorite okay some of my favorite moments from Flavor of Love was uh, <laughs> was when Pumpkin spit on New York that was amazing she literally spit on her I was like holy shit. And then another one when the, all the girls were lining up on uh, Flavor Flav stairs, and one girl had to take a shit, and she shit on the stairs. Oh, <laughs> no. Yes, she couldn't oh, hold man. it, and so she shit, and she shit on the stairs. And so like all the oh, girls were like, disgusting. "Oh my god, what's what's that smell?" They never showed it on the show. But all the women on the show talked about how she took a took a shit on. She's an A lister. That's what the A listers do. They they shit wherever they want to. <laughs> so, but that was that was one of my favorite things that happened on Flavor of Love. Loved it. It's one hundred percent trashy, and I absolutely love that show. Anyway. Oh yeah, I love trash TV, man. Trash TV is good shit. <laughs> See, that, that's the problem though. Is like if, it's like if the affair it needs to decide what it wants to be. Does it want to be trash TV? That's fine. You know what? Mallory's Place, I love that shit. Oh, me too. I oh mean, I God. really did. The whole Kimberly with the wig pulls, like, the wig off and oh, has a scar on her head. That I mean, scar. come on. Like, that's you, classic, like, that, 90s television. That right was there. amazing. Did you ever watch Conan O'Brien react to that video? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that was great. So amazing. Oh, you had Dr. Michael in the first season. Him and his wife, they were the perfect couple. And then by season two and three, Dr. Michael's fucking, you know, or like her sister, Sydney, yeah. Sydney. And then he's, and then he brings somebody else into it. And then it's just great. They have the woman with the scar. I love that show. That show is fantastic. I do too. Yeah. So I'm like, if that's what it wants to be, it's fine. But like with the affair, it seems like, but then there, it wants, but I don't think that's what it's trying to be. I think it's trying to be a very insightful, intellectual, academic, almost, almost academic. It's almost oh, yeah. literary. With the, with the people that you say that are involved in this, it sounds like they yeah, they're trying to go. A yeah. Bit and, but so then if it was so I'm like, it, it, yeah. So if it was supposed, it was trashy soap stuff. This, I'm like, yeah, yeah it sounds great, like, let's do that. It sounds like they need to do what Jerry Springer did. Remember when Jerry Springer first came out, he was trying to be like, you know, like all like, uh, like Oprah. Prim and proper. Yeah, I mean, he was really trying to tackle the big issues. And then he found out that trash TV works. And then for, like, the next 20 years, it was all trash TV. And uh, that's what this show needs to do. It just needs to lean into the trashiness, right? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of – I yeah, it's either pick one or the other. But they just kind of keep going back and forth on it. Um, speaking of Jerry Springer, he is on a local commercial <laughs> – or an attorney in my town. Oh yeah, he, randomly. Like, but I was like, why the fuck is Jerry Springer he's, on this commercial? He does. Why? Uh, he does. Uh, he does dealership car dealership commercials around me. Oh, does he? Yeah. yeah. He just it's just this like local personal injury like attorney in town, and um, then I watched all the commercial and I was like, this is Jerry Springer. Yeah, that, that, I don't know. Just I used to, to me. Oh God, I used to love staying up until like you know one, two in the morning when I was like a teenager and watching Springer. I used to love it. That was fucking. That was an event. Just I loved former, it. For, former mayor of Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Jake, I don't know. Did you ever watch the one where he had uh, you know Jerry Springer's Jewish and he had the one where uh, where he had like the the little girl that was raised like you know like with the KKK and. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, and, and Jerry Springer is like talking to this, uh, little girl and he's like, Hey, um, you know, I've got a little girl. She's around your age. Would you play with her? And she's like, yeah, I would play with her. And he's like, well, my, my, I'm Jewish and my daughter's Jewish. And the girl, like totally like rocked this little fucking KKK girl's world. It was, it was actually a really incredible episode. Yeah. That sounds cool. Yeah. So at least the message was correct. Yeah. So, anyway, shit, we ran the gamut there talking about that shit. We're, wow, we went all over the place. Um, do you have anything else, June? Um, I, I watched Castle Rock. Oh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that, okay. absolutely. We'll talk about that as a group if everybody watched that. But um, I wanted to talk about, uh, I saw the new uh, HBO uh, documentary, Robin Williams, Come Inside My Mind on HBO. Did anybody else watch this? Yes. No, I'm not got a chance for this yet. Not yet. Okay. I did. You watched it. So this is yeah. a Robin Williams documentary. Uh, this intimate portrait examines one of the world's most beloved and inventive comedians, told largely through Robin's own voice and using a wealth of never-before-seen archive. The film takes us through his extraordinary life and career and reveals the spark of madness that drove him. Um I, I, I watched this, uh, I'd say, I don't know, Thursday or whatever the fuck. And then, um, it doesn't, it, it's a great documentary. I, I really enjoyed it. it, but it doesn't really get into like some of the dark stuff in his life. It, it does occasionally talk about some of the cocaine use. Um, they did have like an interview with his first wife and, um, some interviews with, uh, comedian Elaine Boozler. 
and uh, she dated him while he was dating his first wife and you know they kind of talk about that and and um that's interesting and then it, it gets into the time like it talks about the time where you know he's at the Juilliard and uh you know when he was uh friends with Christopher Reeve, you know, Superman, like they were really good friends, but it doesn't talk about that as much as I wanted it to like his friendship right. with Christopher Reeve. And like, I really wanted it to get more into that. And it didn't because they were really good friends. Christopher Reeve was a godfather to one of his kids. Yes. I didn't know. And I didn't know that until yeah. the documentary. Um, it also, didn't get into like his time as a as a street performer when he was a mime in New York City and I feel like that was a big part of his life and there's some great stories like I don't know if you've ever heard any of like the stories of Robin Williams as a mime as a street performer in New York City but there's some really great stories out there about him as a mime um but uh uh, there's some interviews with his son, Zach Williams. Um, it goes, it talks about his family a little bit, you know, growing up and, and, and it kind of talked about how his father was a hard guy to make laugh. Um, and then it talks about him watching with his father, Jonathan Winters do comedy on television and Jonathan Winters cracking his dad up. So I thought, like, that was a cool connection to, like, when Jonathan Winters played his son on Mork and Mindy. And they they didn't talk about Jonathan Winters past that and his relationship with Robin or anything. And I felt like that was a missed opportunity. But they did have interviews with Pam Dauber. She played Mindy on Mork and Mindy. And that was really cool. Um, they had some great June. Did they, did they, or did they not have great outtakes from Mork and Mindy? They had great outfits from Mork and Mindy and Sesame Street. Yes. And Aww. Sesame Street with him and him and Elmo. But like, Oh my God. Some of those outtakes of Sesame Street were great. And yeah. the ones from Mork and Mindy, but Oh my God. Yeah. Those yeah. Outtakes were great. But when he was talking to Orson and Orson fucked mm-hmm. up his line and Mork basically says, you know, maybe you should stop fucking up your lines or whatever. You got them in front of you. It's like, I was just dying. I was dying. It was so good. And then I enjoyed the, you know, when they interviewed his, you know, close friend Billy Crystal, of course, that was Those awesome. some of my favorite stuff. Yeah. Like, I love how they left voicemails for each other. Yes, and they played them. Yeah, like, he called Billy Crystal with a voicemail, like, I'm Sam Syphilis. I work for the, some kind of syphilis organization. We represent people who have syphilis. Please give me a call back. <laughs> Random, like, voicemails they would leave for each other. Uh, I... I am going to, I'm going to, for the time allotted here and all the things that they talked about, I am going to give it a Tupperware, but I feel like it does leave you with a lot of questions as far as like other things that they kind of barely touch on that you want to know about. And so I know there's a book that was written called Robin and I kind of like, it makes me want to read that because I think that that will give kind of like a more complete story. Um, you know, they talk about how Popeye didn't perform that well, but they do, they really didn't go into like a lot of like his mental state. They, they touched on it, but like they didn't really go into his mental state of like how that movie kind of bombed and maybe how that affected him. And, and see, that's what I was, that's what I was wondering. Like, like I'm going to get this movie, I'm going to give it a, the documentary a high taste, like yeah. the highest of taste it. But the reason is because 
the concept is like come into my mind. Like that's the name of the documentary. And one of the things and I think, I think this is just known about Robin Williams. Like he craved, he craved not necessarily attention. He craved, I guess, validation. Like he wanted to make you laugh. Like he wanted that, like making you laugh meant that he succeeded. And like, he craved that. And he was always on, he was always trying to make you laugh. And, you know, later, like up into his death, I mean, later in his career, like he didn't have a lot of success. He had some pretty big failures, like that show that he had with, um, yeah, with, uh, Sarah Michelle Geller. Yeah. I mean, that was a pretty big failure. I tried to watch it and I really couldn't, but they didn't address that. They didn't address Mm -mm. how like later in like up into his death, like that sort of last, I mean, I guess in between like 2000 and 2014, like he had nothing career wise was going well for him. Mm -hmm. And I was wanting them, I I guess I just, I maybe wanted them to sort of draw a parallel or kind of address that. Yeah. This could have been like, this could have been like a three or four part docu-series in my opinion. I think so too. They kind of, like they ran through and they showed, you know, it's almost like they did sort of like, you know, what, uh, biographical documentary do they kind of start off you know with his life show old pictures show clips and footage but then it was just to me it just it sort of fast forwarded through his life yeah i mean we're dealing with a two-hour documentary they only have so much time which like mm-hmm. again like that's why you probably should do like a docu-series and like the know. gary shanley one that was a two-parter and yeah. i don't know if you watched that one that one came out like maybe in the fall or no earlier this winter uh, hbo did one on gary shanley and that was a yeah. I think it was Judd Apatow did it um, with HBO, but that was a two-parter. Mm. And I think that one was done better than this one. Yeah. Yeah. So I liked it. Yeah. I you know I there's a lot of stuff that I learned that I didn't know, and so I do appreciate that. But I think that there could have been things that they could have dove into a little bit more. A lot of things that they could, like some of the. I mean, I guess you don't want to f- focus too much on the dark stuff, but I feel like that has a lot to do with some of the some of the things that went into his life. That's that's what makes a lot of comedians who they are. There's not a lot of comedians out there that don't have a dark side, that don't have like a haunted past, like bad things that have affected them. Right. So yeah. you know, it's that story of the sad clown. Like they make everyone else laugh, but on the flip side, like internally, like they are crying and you know they're hurt. Yeah. So you know, we've, I've heard that you know Seinfeld has talked about that and there's a lot of other comedians like most most comedians have have bad sad sad childhoods or sad pasts or whatever it may be but yeah i I really enjoyed it i just wish there i wanted them to dive into more things um they they touch on them but then they don't really elaborate more into them and it leaves i think that was why that was my issue with the documentary was like yeah, they, they mention it and then they just move on to the next thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and there's a lot more to Robin Williams' life than kind of like what they showed us in this documentary. You know, I wanted them to get into not just like dark stuff, but like even just his time as like a street mime. And they, they, I think maybe they yeah. showed a picture and they didn't even get it. They didn't tell us any funny stories. And there's some great stories out there about Robin Williams is a street mime. He had a, there was a, actually a competing mime that would trick him and shit like that. And those are, they're, oh, they're, <laughs> they're funny. Awesome. Yeah. They're funny stories, you know, and it's like they didn't share any of those. And so I don't know, but, um, I enjoyed it. One, yeah, go ahead. So one funny thing about this documentary. So, um, 
the part where he's at, he's doing what a stand, he's actually doing a stand-up routine um, later, and there's a, a, a sign language interpreter there. Yeah. So then he yeah. purposely, I know that interpreter because um, he was in D.C. That was in Washington, D.C. When I was um, at grad school at George Washington, one of my classmates, um, she was an instructor at Gallaudet University, which is um, a federal charter university for deaf and uh, hard of hearing students. So she was getting her Ph.D. and the school provided her with interpreters to come with her to class. So she had like three of, and he, and that guy in like, when they showed clips of Robin Williams kind of like fucking with this, like sign language interpreter, that sign language interpreter, like he was one of the three that my classmate, you know, would bring to class Hmm. and he would sign for her in class and he would interpret everything in class. And then, and then when she had something to say, she would sign and he would relay, like he would tell us what she wanted to say about a certain topic. That's pretty cool. So, but I remember watching it. I was like, I know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite movies that he did was, um, I'm blanking on the fucking movie. What was the Matt Damon? Oh, Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting is like one of my top, like, top three movies of all time. I love his, his, his performance in that was just beautiful. I love that movie. It's love- a beautiful performance that he does. He totally, yeah, he definitely deserved to win that. Oscar. Everything, like everything, like Matt Damon was great in that movie. Robin was great in that movie. Minnie Driver, that's like the best thing she's ever done in my opinion. And I like Minnie Driver. I, I think she needs to get more work in Hollywood. I think she's really great. Because the uh, only thing that I've seen her done recently is that um that show on ABC. Yeah, yeah, she did that show on ABC. Before that, she did a show on FX called The Riches that she did with um, Eddie Izzard. Eddie Izzard. And that was a great show. Went on for two seasons. And that was a great show, and then it got fucking canceled. So, anyway, let's uh, let's 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 move on from yeah. yeah watch it, uh, Robin Williams. Come inside my mind. It's great. It's a great look at his life. It's just yeah, they, they, they it needs to be it needs to be a docu series. There's more to this guy, and they barely scratch the surface. He's it's, there's more than two hours of stuff here. So, um. Surprised it's taken this long to see any kind of thing like this for him, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, it's been four years since his death, so, you know, I know the book came out. Did, did anybody, did you, any of you watch like the, the TV movie, the Mork and Mindy TV movie? Not like mm. with the actors that were playing Robin Williams and Pam Dauber. Was, was it like a Lifetime movie? It was something like that, yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't see it. I, I want to now. Yeah, I, I watched it years ago. I think it came out in 2004 or 5. I don't remember a ton about it, but yeah, I remember watching it. it was, I don't know. I don't know. If it's, I don't know. It might be out there. It might be on Hulu. Hulu likes to throw those, those fucking things up. I know they have like the Saved by the Bell fucking story where, it, where it's like the Saved by the Bell kids, like how they acted on set and shit. They have a, Ooh, know, that's on Hulu. It's on Hulu. Yeah, it's on. Yeah, Hulu. I want to look for that. Yeah, I kind of want to watch, watch that, 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 that again. Too. Yeah, you I'll got do that tonight. Yeah, you got fucking like what is it? Uh, Slater, you know, going around fucking all the girls that visit the set and shit. And 
Screech not getting any ass and being all upset. And so, yeah. Yeah. I, my, I, my cousin dated Dustin Diamond for a little bit and she brought me his autograph and I was like, I didn't no. ask for this. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, I don't need Screech's fucking autograph. <laughs> I was like, it's shame on you for dating him. What's wrong with you? Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> I, I used to work with a girl that dated Carrot Top for a while, Jake. Wow. When carrot, <laughs> another carrot top reference on PCL. I know. Hold on. Oh, check this out. Okay. So it was, uh, this is over 10 years ago. I, I worked with this girl. Carrot top came to Peoria and like pulled her out of the crowd and like he would fly her out to Florida. He lived in Florida. He lived like right next to Britney Spears. And so like she would fucking come back to work. Like, you know, like she would go out with him over the weekend and then fly back and come back to work and tell us all these crazy carrot tops. Stories. Oh, I bet she's seen the weirdest props of all. <laughs> oh, I bet she has. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh man. So yeah, yeah. I used to work with a girl that dated Carrot Top for a while. Wow. So, and she would try to convince us that he was not ugly. So yeah. Mm. <laughs> At least she wasn't trying to convince you that he was funny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That'd have been much harder. Yeah. <laughs> I, I way more believe that he's not ugly. Uh, Jake. She's trying to give it to you. He's not ugly. I mean, we, you have eyes. Like, you can see. <laughs> Gosh, I don't know. He just, he looks like, I don't know. He looks like Alfred E. Newman on meth, right? Or, no. Oh, yes. He, but, yeah, he looks crazy. Not, he's not an attractive person. You know what? I don't know. I don't know the guy personally. Maybe he had a great personality and it made up for it. I don't know. Maybe that's something. She, I don't know. Maybe she saw something in him. Oh, but just from but just from an objective, like she saw that he had money. She yeah, saw that he had that's money. It. That's all she yeah, saw. He has not aged gracefully either. No, and he has never been a good looking dude. He's upset. He looks like he's had some whack plastic surgery. Oh, some terrible. He's yeah. He's, the features are all frozen on his face now. Yeah, it's a, he's just upset that that there's no one eight hundred collect commercials anymore that he can do. Oh God, I remember. Do you remember those? <laughs> remember one eight hundred collect? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, I've used it. I've used it, man. I used it too Me back too. in the day. It was it was a it was a thing. Hey, uh, Jake, do you have anything this week? Uh, yeah, um, real quickly, I, I watched that new game show, TKO, Total Knockout. Have you seen that at all? I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh. It is a Kevin Hart-hosted game show on CBS that just started last week. And uh, it's actually pretty entertaining. I'm going to give it a middle-of-the-road taste it. It's basically another one of these kind of wipeout update shows. But I think it has a real fun twist on it. It's um, five contestants each show, and there's like a wipeout like obstacle course. And one person runs through it while the other four contestants operate the things kind of like almost American Gladiator style that will mess up the opponent as he tries to do the obstacle course. And whoever gets through it in the fastest time each episode wins. I forget that. It's like 10000 or $25,000 or whatever. And I, I don't know. This was pretty entertaining for me. Um, Kevin Hart's really funny and charming in it. And I don't know. We were talking about American Gladiators, I think, either last week or the week before. And this this really gave me a lot of that vibe. I really had a, a lot of fun with it. It's very much like Wipeout meets American Gladiators type of stuff going on here. I I, I urge you to at least watch an episode of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's on Hulu or not. It's it's. I feel like it's something that has to be like on Hulu or a CBS All Access or something. Yeah, I I, uh, I miss uh, MXC. Did anybody remember MXC? 
Ah, uh, it no. sounds familiar. It Mo- sounds familiar. I don't remember what it is, though. Most Extreme Challenge? Oh, I think uh, I, yeah, I do yeah. remember that. It's been a long time. It was on yeah. Spike Network? Oh, yes, definitely. Oh, God, I miss MXC. And, like, I should have bought those DVDs back in the day. Everybody that knows what I'm talking about knows what I'm talking Like, the people that are listening, they're like, oh, my God, I remember MXC. And the people that remember MXC love MXC. But, like, if you go to buy those DVDs today, they're like a 100 bucks or whatever the fuck on Amazon. Like, it's insane. Oh, too, too extreme for television. Oh, it was what so – that- it, No, it was uh, – it's funny. It was a comedy, Jake. It was, it was like Wipeout – Okay. It was, okay, the show, it was. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about now. It had the voiceovers. Yes. It was, yeah. Yes, it was the original kind of like, um, it was the kind of like the original wipeout. But what they did was it was, it was played in, it was played in a foreign market originally. And then when they brought it over to the U.S., like they had people like voiceover. Kenny Blankenship was one of the hosts and, and they would just like, all the contestants that would like pop up on the show, like they would voice over like what they said. And it was just ridiculous. It was kind of like mystery science theater 3000 meets a game show. And it was hysterical. I loved it. I loved it. And yeah, that was a funny show. I remember it would be like on like before like raw and shit. So I would catch like a half an hour of it and it would be fun. Yeah. But if you go, yeah. And if you go to find it anywhere, you can't really find it. And if you go to buy like the old DVDs on Amazon, they, they're out of print. They don't make them anymore. So it's like 80 bucks to a hundred bucks to buy like, you know, like one of the seasons. It's ridiculous. So I did some fact checking on TKO and it's, it's CBS. So they're not allowing it on Hulu because of their all access subscription program. So yeah. if you've wasted money because of like Star Trek discovery and you have all access, I <laughs> definitely check out TKO. It's, <laughs> it's pretty fun. A pretty good popcorn TV. One of the better, like, one of these kind of game shows I've seen in a while. Do you guys it's remember- a cool premise that they let those other people operate things to knock them out. Cause that was yeah. one of the coolest parts of American gladiator. And like was, by the third know, time through that gauntlet. Yeah. And like by the third time someone's doing it, they've actually got some like personal beef like built up against like, there's some serious money on the line and fucking Joe blow just knocked you off with the giant foam ball and you want to get some revenge on his ass. Yeah. You know? So yeah, That's it's, it's awesome. pretty fun. Let's see here. Is the Game Show Network still a thing? Yeah, I'm. I'm a weird. I have weird OCD about like HD, and none of it's like formatted for my TV well. And it, it's such a weird channel. It's like so out date. And I, I've watched. I've seen like every episode of the Match Game and Family Feud at this point. Hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I. Oh God, I watched. I loved watching those old reruns of the Match Game. Oh my! I, I love it too. I love it too. Every now and again, I still do, but I've seen them all at this point. Oh, I've me seen too. every Charles Nelson Riley joke known to man. Oh God, Charles Nelson Riley! Oh my <laughs> God! Oh my God! I wish he was around to to, to have a podcast now. It'd be amazing! I just, <laughs> they were so drunk on that show. It's no hilarious. shit! It's amazing. I love that fucking shit. Um, let's talk Castle Rock, guys. Let's talk Castle yeah. Rock. Uh, did everybody get a chance to watch this? Yes. I only saw the first two episodes. I only got a chance to watch the first one, but yeah, I loved it. Okay. I watched all three. Wow. Joe already throwing out his rating. Jesus Christ, man. Yeah, no, right after I said that, I was like, why'd you do that? Keep it in your fucking <laughs> pants, Castle Cock. <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Tupperware from Joe. Uh, 
<laughs> I'm fucking with you. I don't give a shit. Um, why did I do that? Whoa. Breaking news. Whoa. <laughs> breaking Marvel news. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, Agents of Steel. S.H.I.E.L.D. still sucks. There's your. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it, it does. does. <laughs> I'm so excited. Whatever. Yeah, it gets better. Steve, it, myself, and I are very excited. And Luther's eight, like. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Steve and Luther and I are very excited All about right. it. Yeah, you and two other guys. Cool. All right, I'm sold. <laughs> I'm sold. We're so excited. Shit. Okay, settle down, Jesse Spano. Christ. I know. <laughs> um, I'm so excited. Anyway, um, let's... and then she's so scared. I know. She was like, she's taking caffeine pills. Give me a caffeine pills. Give me a fucking break. Give me, a, give me a, act like she's taking fucking meth or heroin or something. It's caffeine pills. <laughs> Christ. It's like, oh, oh my God, she drank two cans of Jolt. It's, it's the symbolism, Brian. I know. She just wants to sing, Brian. It's, it's the metaphor. Gosh. Uh, let's see here. Remember, remember Slater always used to call her mama? Yep. <laughs> That was, that was, was kind of weird. <laughs> she was uber feminist and was totally fine with that, though. Yeah. She was in high school, too. Isn't that weird? Like, isn't that weird nickname for a high school student? Yeah. Mama. Hey, mama. <laughs> what a douchebag, right? And then she went and was in Showgirls. Oh, man. Showgirls. Woo. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> That's a classic. <laughs> she can eat a hamburger like nobody's business. Ridiculous. Um, let's see here. Yeah, Castle Rock on Hulu. Joe loves it. Uh, <laughs> I really did. I, all right. Um, let's see here. It's based on the stories of Stephen King. The series will intertwine characters and themes from the fictional town of Castle Rock. It's directed by uh, Michael Uppendahl. He, he directed three episodes. Um, there's going to be a total of ten. And, um, you know, uh, Michael Uppendahl, the episodes that we saw, I think he directed all three of those episodes, the first three episodes. And um, he's done The Walking Dead. He's done Legion. He's done uh, episodes of American Horror Stories. Uh, American Horror Story. Uh, and J.J. Abrams is an executive producer. And on the poster, it says, like, you know, Stephen King, J.J. Uh, Abrams, executive producer. But he only was an executive producer, I believe, on the first episode. So they need to tone that down a little bit. So I don't, <laughs> they don't like to tone that down. They love to tone that up. Yeah. If you watch the first episode, it shows him as an executive producer. And then on the next episode, he's not listed at all. And if you go to IMDb, he's only listed as one episode. But um, this one stars uh, Castle Rock stars Bill Skarsgård. He played uh, Pennywise in It. Uh, it's got Melanie Linsky in it. And she's from Two and a Half Men. She was also in um, The Informant, the Steven Soderbergh movie. I was actually on set with her when I was an extra on that movie when they filmed that here in Decatur, Illinois. And so I saw her in person. And, um, yeah, it was her and Matt Damon for that scene. Um, Sissy Spacek is in this movie. Uh, she's most recently been in uh, Bloodline on Netflix. Uh, we've also got Scott Glenn, Jane Levy, Terry O'Quinn. Uh, Andre Holland and Noel Fisher, who I, I really like him. We talked about The Riches earlier, and he was uh, the youngest boy in that show, The Riches, with Eddie Izzard and Minnie Driver. So um, 
Yeah, Joe, you you liked the, you watched the first episode. You liked it. Um, tell us a little bit about your experience with the show. I've been a huge Stephen King fan for a while, and it did. I didn't know that Jerry Abr- or J.J. Abrams was only going to be in on that first episode, so that was actually one of the things that brought me in. Also, so it's kind of funny to hear that his name was just attached. Maybe, maybe he, his only contribution was bringing in Terry O'Quinn. They really want to make you think that he was involved in this whole series. Totally, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I know, you're, t- you're saying all that stuff, and it's like, my Castle Rock dreams are shattering. No, 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 no. <laughs> Not teasing. <laughs> Two masterminds of the field together at once. I want to see them after this. For is- one episode at a time. <laughs> yeah, I, after this is all completed, I want them to remake Castle Rock, but with Fraggle Rock characters. Uh-huh. Right, I'm totally I'm in. about to go there. <laughs> with I'm the in. same atmosphere. I'm in. <laughs> Great. Yeah, it's and and then redo the whole song, but have like them the Fraggles say Castle Rock, right? Down and down in Castle Rock. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Joe. Wembley, why have you been down here alone so long? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm a really big horror fan, so right away I was excited about this one. And that first episode did such a good job of setting such a creepy tone for for this whole show. I I loved the flashbacks. I love how as we go through this season, we're going to get more and more of what happened that led up to this. The big, huge mystery with with the guy that they found down in the cage and, and what the hell was going on with Terry O'Quinn and... I don't know if I've ever seen a suicide depicted on film that was that crazy as was in this one. Right. Like what, what would possess him to do that? And then we even see later in the show that he's like having rational conversations with this dude that's down in this tank. And so there's just so much mystery in this that it's, it's it's really got me stoked to keep watching more and I watched that first episode last night and I finished it up just a little after midnight. <laughs> I turned to my wife, I was like, Do you wanna watch episode two? And she was already asleep. And then <laughs> and then it never panned out today that I got time to watch some more of it. But um just as starting out, like I I loved it and I can't wait to continue it on. Yeah, I was uh I don't know about you, but like when okay, so it was uh the day that it, w- it was going to come out the next day. And so I, I got on Hulu and they were like, oh, it's going to be available at 11 o'clock. So and and it only showed two episodes. And so that I was talking to you, Joe, and you were like, uh, I've got three episodes. And I'm yeah. like, I'm like, what? Because I had watched that. I had watched those two episodes and I was like, OK, cool, ready. And then like all of a sudden I'm like, holy shit, they, they went all out and they dropped the third and so, yeah, I went ahead and watched the third as well. Uh, new episodes are going to come out every Wednesday. And so, um, yeah, I didn't know about the third until today myself, actually. Yeah. So I was like, well, damn, I, when did that pop up? Like right away? Just Literally the next day. And that's when Joe, uh, that's when Joe told me. So, yeah, um, I think it was wise of them to release that third episode, to be quite honest with you. June, what did you think of Castle Rock? And did you watch all three? I did watch all three. Um, so I'm going to just full disclosure. I am not the, I am not well versed in Stephen King. Um, I've seen, you know, like uh, I know Shawshank and Green Mile 
carry. I mean, I, like I know, I guess sort of the more, I guess ubiquitous. I don't know if that's the right word or not, but like the ones that the references that everyone knows, even if I haven't seen the movies. So, but I was very intrigued with the show. Like I actually, I mean, I'll keep watching. Like I watched the first episode and I immediately wanted to go to the second one. And like, I wanted to keep watching it. Um, but it's very obvious. This is for Stephen King fans. Right. I mean, like this is, it. it's very much for them. Yeah, I feel like it works on both levels. Because there, well, I guess I think like to me it was clear there were so many Easter eggs. I didn't yeah. necessarily know what all of them were, but it was obvious that that's what so much of it was. So you, if I, I mean, were, it, yeah, if I were a Stephen King fan, I think I would have Tupperware this. Um, this is a high tasted though, um, and just so far with these three episodes, I'm, I'm high tasting it. Um, I that could very much change, you know when we hit the end of the first season. So Jake, no, this you- is a mini, this is a season. This is actually like a series, not a, not a mini series or like a limited series. Like, are they planning to go on with this one? If it gets renewed, I'm unsure about that. Yeah. If it gets renewed, I don't know. I mean, I know there, it, this first season's 10 episodes. I don't know if it's going to, if it's something that they have planned for future seasons or not. Okay, because what was yeah. it, the 112263? Uh, that one was just for that. Exactly. Like, those 10 episodes. Exactly, and then that ended. Jake, what did you think? Um, I'm going to give it like a middle of the road taste it. Um, I'm a giant Stephen King fan. I've read most of his works. Um, I'm going to keep watching this. It's super intriguing. Just the, you know, the trying to make the expanded universe out of all these different Stephen King ideas is very fascinating. Um, but nothing has completely like hooked me yet, if you know what I mean. I've only mm. seen the first two episodes, but yeah, I don't. So that's kind of I was kind of trying to push June. I for me, I don't know if this is more than the sum of its Easter eggs yet. Um, there's definitely some promise, and I am intrigued with the with the storylines and what's going on with Skarsgård's character. Um, I really like the idea of. Um, Sheriff Pangborn, he's probably the biggest example of like a Stephen King universe character in this show. Um, he's very prominent in Dark Half and um, Gerald's Game, Needful Things, and a bunch of different Stephen King books, especially the Castle Rock ones. But it's interesting to me that this is going outside of Castle Rock, like the like the inclusion of Shawshank is really fascinating, and it seems like with the intro sequence referencing things like Misery and Shining and Cujo and Carrie, it seems like almost like all of his works are on the table to be kind of Easter egged and tied in here. So yeah, I, they, uh, I'm they, very, they referenced, oh, um, I'm sorry. They referenced, uh, stand by me as well. The, they talked in the opening credits. Yeah. Well, the, the, well, they talked about the, the four boys from 1961 that came across a dead body or something like yeah. that was something that yeah, was said. Yeah, yeah. There's totally Green Mile Easter egg with the mouse bit and everything. And, and like, I, this is like a show that I can't look away from. Like, I will watch every episode of this every week. But as of now, I'm like, I don't think if it wasn't for my love of all the Stephen King universe stuff, I would keep watching this. It's a little on the boring side for me so far. Okay. I, uh, I, the first, Two episodes I thought were were good. Um, I would go probably 
you know, taste it, high taste it as far as uh, episode one and then two. It wasn't until the third episode where I really enjoyed it. I felt like the third episode kind of came together a little bit better for me. And I give the third episode a Tupperware. And now I'm kind of like sucked into the whole series. Um, so I will definitely be watching. I really enjoy... Um, Melanie Linsky's character in the in the third episode and then her connection with the main character in this season. So um Bill Skarsgård's really doing nothing for me other than looking creepy. He's you know? cre- that guy is creepy as fuck. Sure. Yeah. He's just that's he's why they so creepy. That's why they cast him as Pennywise, because he just looks Yeah, creepy. I don't know. I didn't watch it, so what did they put in that dude's eyes to make his eyes look like that all the time? Yeah, <laughs> that was so unsettling. A snap. Oh, the, like the blood shot con- Yeah, and it's yeah. like, all right, we're about to and film Bill. Here's your Tabasco. And to rub this in your eyes, too. like they, they bug out, like, <laughs> like they, they bug out of his face, and just they just he's get, creepy. They just gave him a really weird Snapchat filter for his face. That's <laughs> <laughs> funny. So I really like seeing Terry O'Quinn on my TV again. No, that was great. Yeah, he's he's been great. I was excited that we were going to do flashbacks and because I was like, oh yay, Terry O'Quinn, and like, oh shit, Terry O'Quinn. <laughs> right, Joe, I'm with you though. Like that opening scene, like what, that, like that. Um, that scene with Terry O'Quinn, you know. Oh my god! I didn't think it was going to go that direction. No, they don't want you to think that. When the dog comes over, like the cliff and like the hill, and like looks at him, you're thinking, "Oh, okay, he's going to take the doggy home." Yeah. Nope. No. When you start adding everything up too, it's like it's like okay, he's in his car, he's facing a cliff. Why is there a rope going in the car? Yeah. Oh, no, the minute Jesus. I saw the rope, I went, oh, please, no. And, yep, that's exactly what it did. Oh, my God. Did <sighs> did they or did they not focus on that Shawshank redemption, that the Shawshank uh, bumper sticker for, like, oh, five minutes? Totally. That was like, yeah. that was like, they really did not want you to miss that first Easter egg. They were like, just this like, this is a Stephen King thing. <laughs> Which seemed like the most, like, I, I love that you bring that up, Brian, because it was completely made utterly pointless with how much focus we gave Shawshank Prison to begin with. Sure. And then like, they talk about like the, the warden that shot himself and you can still see the bullet hole on the wall and all that stuff. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's fun. Like you hear that stuff and you're like, wow, I know that. You know, yeah. that's cool. Like, that's what Easter eggs are. Like, some of them, some of them, like, really work out really well. And you're just like, oh, wow, that's cool. And then, like, sometimes you're just like, I remember that thing. It's like member berries and shit, right? So, member yeah. Berries. yeah. <laughs> got, got a bit obnoxious when, a C- <laughs> when C3PO and R2D2 showed up, I thought. I <laughs> thought it got ridiculous when Stephen King himself came out there and he said, I'm Stephen King. I write things. And then, you know, that was. Yeah. It was cool that he reprised his uh, Mothman thing from the Creepshow movie, though. That was really neat. So. You guys not Creepshow fans? I'm, yeah, it's been so long since I've watched Creepshow. It's, I've been, yeah. I'm talking like I was probably 14, 15 the last time I watched Creepshow. It's worth a revisit because Stephen King himself stars in it and beca- like gets like attacked by this alien moss. Pretty good stuff. <laughs> I'm really excited to hear that the you guys were so excited about episode three though because I, didn't I, see I totally it. I totally agree that 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 first episode was it, it was just it was all set up. There was very little payoff in that first episode, but the setup had enough promise to me that now I'm really excited to get to episode three and beyond. I was happy with episode three. Um, June, what, how did you feel about episode three? Was that something? 
I mean, I know you high taste it overall, but like episode three as opposed um, to the other two. Episode three, no, episode three, I think is when you finally. I think that's it. I feel like you're not, you're done doing the exposition, I guess. Or so far, because I guess at this point yeah. you, they've established like there, here's but there's still a ton kid. of there's a ton of flashbacks though. You, you know what I mean? Like I, there I, are. Um, although I, I think these are flashbacks I were, I wasn't expecting in episode three. I'm not going to spoil anything, but like that very first flashback, that opening scene, I was like, whoa! Did not see that coming at all. <laughs> like yeah. with the with the with the Millie and Lindsay's character. Yeah. Oh yeah! Like I, I was like, "What the fuck? Where did that come from?" So, no, I like episode three, and because um, I don't want to spoil anything, that's why it's hard because sure. certain things happen in it. No, there's there's, there's, like, there's, there's, there's like things are coming together. Now, yes, like, or like perfect. at least characters are coming together. Exactly, exactly. Without characters are meeting and exactly. characters are coming together and characters are starting to interact. There's, and you're like, "All right, here we go." Like it's like, "All right." You start now, to learn. You start to learn some connections in the right. third episode, and I think it really kind of like makes some things more interesting. And so, I'm I'm all in, and I can't wait for the next episode to drop on Wednesday. So, I don't know. This is it's it's still one of those series where it's got to stick the landing for me. But I'm in. I'm gonna watch it, and um, so yeah. But um, Cr- crazy cool concept. Very cool. Very cool. Ambitious, very, but, but, um, we'll see how it turns out. Um, I want to, I got one more thing. Did anybody else have anything for Kapop Papa? I just have one more thing and I'm done. Nah. And I'm going to, I'm going to make this real quick. Uh, Rebecca talked about it on episode, uh, 241. What the fuck? I got to keep my episodes straight. This is Jake 243. We're on episode 243. This is stupid. (laughs) <laughs> stupid that we've had this many episodes? Yes, it's ridiculous. What the fuck? Like, who does this? 240 fucking three times we've come back for this nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Brian and I'm Jake and we're the leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <a fucking> idiot. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you do this week? Oh, I did this. I did that. I saw a movie. I went to a movie and I was watching TV and I like this. It's a toss it. Not a Tupperware. Dima dima do. Blah 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 blah. blah. Yeah. God. I don't know. It's just, I'm just. Hey, yeah. let's say we're uh, bottom. We're bottom fifty now. Let's just uh, mock our own creation here, Jake. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hey, remember that thing we came up and we like threw it out there to the world and we said, "Hey, do you like this or do you not like it?" Let's just and guess m- what people clearly like it. Yeah, well, let's just mock it. Let's just let's make a mockery of it. You know, <laughs> yeah, we're t- this many episodes in, what else can we do? All right, we're the leftovers, <laughs> dude. We were supposed to do this routine for two fifty, dude. You're blowing. It. I know, I know. I'm giving everybody a little sneak peek of like. <laughs> How does Brian really feel about this fucking dude? It's like every every fucking week, it's like I'm the I'm that little fucking like monkey doing the dance with the accordion or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, oh, what'd you think? Yeah, tell us about what you watched this week, Brian. Oh, I watched this. Did it? I toss it, taste it, tougher or whatever. It's ridiculous. 
I don't know. Every every week I get on here. <laughs> so stupid. Oh, anyway. Man. Anyway, yeah, yeah, 243. Hey, welcome to episode 243. 243. Jesus. <laughs> Sickening. <laughs> We've done this 243 weeks, Jake. 243. Yeah. We're nuts, man. We're nuts. Gosh. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, Sharp Objects is still a Tupperware. <laughs> oh, it is. It is. I can't wait. I can't wait to watch episode four. But yes, uh, did you, episode three, I watched it. It was fantastic. Sharp Objects. I haven't seen episode three yet. I've only seen the first two. Oh, God. It's so goddamn good. It's so okay. good. Every, every episode's better than the yeah. last. All right. Okay. I agree. 243. I'm just going to make it up. It doesn't matter at this point. We've gone so high in these numbers, Jake. It's like, next week I'm just going to be like, hey, welcome to episode 379. It don't fucking matter anymore. We're right? like Wolverine 842. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, you paid that joke off, we Jake. <laughs> <laughs> that took a lot of work. It did. Oh my! I was embarrassed for you at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, it's redemption." Oh, my man. redemption arc. Yeah, I was like, I felt like you were like one of those Make a Wish kids, and like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I was like, "Go." <laughs> Oh, that was bad. You did a bad job of fulfilling my wish. <laughs> oh, I hate that. I, w- I wanted to die even more after that. Make a wish. <laughs> oh, man. My wish is to tell an awkward joke on a bottom 50 episode of PCL. Wish granted, that. sir. <laughs> that was specifically, that was the kid's wish. <laughs> Just that. <laughs> are, you, are you sure you don't want to just go to Disneyland? <laughs> you don't want to meet Iron Man? Like, come on. Nope. I want to no. do this specific weird thing. Oh, man. Um, guys, I went, uh, I saw, sorry, my cat. He, he, what are you doing? What are you doing? He's like walking near my equipment, and I'm worried he's going to knock out the episode here. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, I love you. You're a beautiful cat. You're, no, you cannot step on the mixer, there, buddy. <laughs> come on, come on, dude. Come here. I like how it got worse. Ugh, come here. All right, now he's in my lap. All right, there you go, hee hee. I went and saw, uh, Rebecca saw this movie, so I'm not going to spend too much time talking about it. I saw Three Identical Strangers, um, that uh, documentary that ep- uh, Rebecca talked about on episode 241. Uh, New York, 1983, complete strangers accidentally discovered that they are identical triplets separated at birth. The 19-year-old's joyous reunion catapults them to international fame, but it also unlocks an extraordinary and disturbing secret that goes beyond their own lives and could transform our understanding of human nature forever. This is a must-see. Like, if you can see this in the theater, if you can use your movie pass to go see this, uh, I did see it at an AMC, and uh, there was no peak pricing, so I got to see this just regular movie pass. Swipe, boom, and I watched it. Um, this is absolutely fantastic. Uh, these three brothers that uh, that meet. Rebecca talked about it in two forty one, and uh, it, it, they did rise to stardom. Like, this was a huge 
kind of like phenomenon. Like uh, it took the nation by storm. They were on Donahue. They were they actually got a, a role. All three of them got a role as themselves, not as themselves, but as the triplets in a movie. They were in that uh, desperately seeking Susan film with Madonna. They had a, like oh. a, a non-speaking role in that. And like, I, I remember, oh. yeah, I've seen the movie and I remember the boys in that movie. And I was just like, holy shit, I didn't know like this whole story behind that. Um, it also gets into another pair of uh, twins that were separated at birth. And I had actually seen them on TV before and talk about their story. And uh, they brought them into this whole movie as well, this documentary. And uh, this was absolutely fantastic. I'm going to give it a Tupperware. It takes Rebecca didn't want to get into it too much because she didn't want to get she didn't want to give away the twists and things like that. And uh, I'm glad that she didn't because uh, going into this, it does take this. It's kind of like a, a jubilant thing when they all meet and they're all happy and excited. But it does take a twist. It does take kind of like a dark turn and it does explore mental illness in a way that I did not expect. So I highly recommend this. It's only about an hour and a half, and uh, it's called Three Identical Strangers. It really, it kind of hit home with me in a little. And I, I know this sounds weird. Um, I don't know if I've ever talked about it on the show, Jake. You know this, but I have a, I have a half brother that I've never met, and it made me think about that quite a bit. Like I have a, and my parents don't know. My parents don't know that me and my sister know that we have a half brother. It's kind of a weird kind of like family thing that we just don't talk about. And uh, me and my sister years ago found out from another family member that uh, me and my sister have a half-brother, and it's been something like our family is kind of like hidden from us, except for like this one family member finally talked to us about it. Me and my sister found some stuff in the basement when we were teenagers that kind of like made us wonder, like, whoa, what the hell? And then we talked to another family member and they kind of told us some stuff. So like it made me think, and I don't think about it that much, but it made me think like, yeah, dude, you got a fucking half brother out there that you've never met. And it really made me think about that. And I don't know, just a fantastic documentary. So yeah, I liked it. Tupperware. Wow. Yeah. It sounded crazy. You just, I, I'm really intrigued, like, here in two weeks of, like, what is this twist with these twins? Like, oh, yeah. man, I really do want to know, like, what the, uh, <sighs> like, the lynch, the linchpin here is. But um, I don't want you to spoil it for I'm our not, listeners, and I should probably find out for, for myself. I'm not going to spoil it, and I think, like, this will probably be on, it'll be streaming somewhere eventually in the future if you can't see it in the theaters. But there is a kind of a a wild twist in this one that almost seems like it could be like out of like a out of a movie like you can't write this like it's it's incredible it's incredible so i highly 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 recommend if you if you have the access to see this one go and see it because like part of me was like that day i was like oh what are you gonna go see what are you gonna go see are you gonna go see Teen Titans Go? Or like, what are you gonna watch? And I was like, fuck no. I'm like, I'm gonna watch this three, three identical strangers. It's a quick hour and a half watch. There's no peak pricing. So I was like, let's do this. Yeah. And, uh. Um, I kinda wanna see Teen Titans Go though. I've heard good oh, things. I was supposed to go see it this morning, but we went kayaking instead. So I'm gonna see it next weekend. I wanna see yeah, it too. I heard they, they, they make, I heard there's like tons of, uh, Henry Cavill mustache jokes in it. So I want to see it just for that. 
Yeah, I heard it's played up like a musical, too, and that it's actually a really comparable, like, funny musical. Oh, see, that's what I loved about the South Park movie, and I hate most musicals. But the South yeah, Park yeah. movie was, was a fun musical. I agree with that. Teen Titans Go can do some good stuff with music. They had an episode where Cyborg had to power up by singing this song called Night Begins to Shine, and it would transport him into, like, this heavy metal-type dimension. It was fucking ama- amazing. And it was like they had like an accidental hit on their hands with Night Begins to Shine. Hmm. <laughs> Did you ever see that one, Jake? Yeah, that's Night Begins to Shine is hilarious. <laughs> Are they going to bring back Animaniacs? Is that a thing? I heard they were bringing that back. I thought I heard that that was happening. I bet it'll be on the uh, Disney stream. Is that? No, that's, yeah, Looney Tunes. Warner Brothers. Yeah, it's Warner, Warner, Brothers. Brothers. Warner Brothers. I want Tiny Tunes back, too. Oh, I love Tiny Tunes. Yeah, that's some good stuff. I never really watched Animaniacs, to be quite honest with you. I did. You didn't? No. Uh-uh. It was one of those, I don't know. I was, uh, I was, I, I don't know. I was, I think it was, came out when I was like 14 or 15 or whatever. I just didn't really, I watched a few episodes of it. I was into other things and so I watched a few episodes of it and I was like, oh, this is really funny, but I just never consistently watched it. So. Yeah. I've it was seen, close enough to Batman that I, I pretty much saw it just as much. It was, um, it was something that, uh, when I watched it, I was like, oh, that's really funny, but I didn't go out of my way to watch Animaniacs. And it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I'd like to kind of go back and maybe watch all those that I missed. Cause what I, think I did. It's all on Netflix. Yeah. Cause what I did watch was really funny. So. Pinky and the Brain are the best. Yeah. yeah. I've probably seen more Pinky the Brain than anything. So. Yeah, I like the Good Feathers the best. I think that's very oh, underrated. Oh, no. Those guys, yeah, no, I forgot about the Good Feathers. Are yeah. those those pigeons that are stupid? <laughs> yeah, but there's the one that's like the Marlon Brando pigeon. No, yeah. and then they kind of do like a West Side Story like one where they're like snapping, like, and walking, yeah. You know what I tried to watch recently? Okay, so like, I, I'm... I was, uh, you know, after my, after I injured my, uh, you know, Achilles tendon and I was out of work, I was just, I was watching so much shit. Cause like I had all, I literally was just like, I was, you know, stuck to the couch or stuck on the bed and I, that's all I could do is like really just watch TV. So I'd watch so much shit and then I was like, oh, I'm gonna go back and watch like old Heathcliff episodes. Heathcliff is fucking, wow. it's fucking terrible. It's a fucking terrible show. Like, I remember watching that show and I loving it. I loved it when I was a kid. Oh, God, mm-hmm. I loved it when I was a kid, too. But I was also an idiot because that show is fucking terrible. It's terrible. It is, it is terrible. It does not hold up. It's It does not hold up in any way. Like, I oh, seriously. Disappointing. Yes. Like, seriously. It's like, I must have been a brain dead child. I must have been just <laughs> seriously. Because it's terrible. I had the experience with He-Man when I found out He-Man was on Netflix. Oh, it's horrible. I didn't make it past the first episode. I was like, my childhood was a lie. How the fuck was this my favorite thing ever? I know. I know. I tried He-Man. I tried to rewatch He-Man. It's garbage. I tried. I was like, oh, okay. Fuck He-Man then. I'll try She-Ra. And I tried watching She-Ra. Got a little farther, but that's still garbage. You got to be a kid to enjoy that shit. I used to love that shit when I was a fucking kid. Used to love it, yeah, and it's terrible I'll say now. Some real hurtful. I tried to watch G One Transformers and thought it was garbage. I agree with you one hundred percent. It's all nostalgia. It's not good. I have all yep. of the Transformers. Um, uh, the whole I have all. I think it went on for four seasons. 
in the U.S. and then it continued. They they continued to make it um, past that, but we only got the first four seasons. But uh, yeah, it's not good. Like the only reason I enjoy it is because of nostalgia. They're not good. The only thing that's good is the actual animated movie. I, yeah, the animated movie is on a different level as far as compared yeah. to the TV show. No, I'm not going like, to say, oh, my gosh, Jake, I can't believe you're saying this. No, it's like, like the I, I loved it when I was a kid. And the only reason I enjoy watching it now is because of like the nostalgic feelings that I have remembering my childhood and enjoying the show. But, yeah, it's not good. Yeah. You know what else isn't good? Jem is not truly, truly outrageous anymore. Jem is terrible. Oh man! All of it is terrible. <laughs> I wish that they would reboot Jem, but reboot it with a, a redneck named Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see what outrageous things Jim's gonna do. No, Jim. Jim is uh, he's uh, totally outrageous. Ooh, Jim. <laughs> His fashion's <laughs> contagious. Ooh, Jim. Glad. <laughs> The premise He's of Jim makes no sense. Like she's a hologram. It just the, the earrings and the hologram. I was like, is wow, it, this none of this makes any sense. It's uh, isn't it just basically what was uh, what was that show with the fucking uh, was it Miley Cyrus? The Hannah Han- Montana. The Hannah Montana. That's basically the the premise, right? Well, no, because it's like she she has these like special earrings that her, her father made. This like synthesizer machine that projects holograms and so like uh, it was like it, it bit, like none of it makes sense like i remember going like this makes zero sense none of it makes sense <laughs> but the whole hologram thing and like i'm just like why and yeah i always thought the holograms were like it was like benny and the jets it was like huge no, no, the news the it was like was because like mm. she's like <laughs> No, that's what I was remembering too until I watched it again. I was like, oh, that's right. Jem is like this alter ego person of this character, but this character, like, she has these like earrings and then she like holds, she like pushes the earring and says like showtime synergy. And somehow the earrings project like this hologram over her and she turns into Jem. Is it a secret though? Yes, it's a secret. Only the band members know that like, who are also the holograms. Yeah. It's just, I, I, I mean, it's so stupid. It, just, it doesn't, none of it makes sense. Like, I'm trying to explain it to you, and I'm like, even, I, st- I have no idea how the show had managed to survive for three seasons on not a real concept. Because <laughs> it is Hannah Montana with fancy earrings, then. Yeah, yeah basically. Yes. I told you. That's what I thought. I thought she, like, had an alter I ego. I guess it was more like the whole thing of, like, you have these earrings, but then, like, the earrings project this hologram on you, and... It was just weird. It's so weird. <laughs> you know what fucking show rules is uh, Laugh Olympics. Oh man, that show holds up. All the Hanna Barbera characters doing like Olympic challenges and everything. Yeah, oh, that's yes. what's up. I haven't watched that in years, but yeah, I, I used to love watching that uh, back in the day. What was the what was the little dog that would always like giggle and shit? <laughs> oh, Mutley. Mutley and Dastardly. I used to love Mutley. Yeah, yeah, that was like more wacky races. But that was wacky races. Time. That's what I loved. Was the rat? The oh, I love both of them, dude. It's been years. I know you've been. You have that boomerang thing that you've been watching like crazy, right? That's where you've been watching yeah. this. Yeah, but I actually watched Heathcliff just a couple of weeks ago. When you brought that up, I was laughing. Oh god, Heathcliff is garbage. Remember Mongo, yeah. the big cat, Mongo. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that I think that big stupid cat wrote the episodes because it, it's fucking terrible. <laughs> Man, I watched an episode of Richie Rich and I couldn't get like twenty seconds past the intro song. It was so bad. I haven't watched. You know what? I haven't watched in a long time. You know what? People are people. <laughs> People are like, hey, you know what? I'm not going to listen to for a long time. Another episode, of, another episode of PCL. I'll tell you that much. So, uh, let's take a break. We got news to get to. We're going down memory lanes, and we're just breaking Marvel, breaking Marvel news. We're reliving like a bunch of bullshit that we hate. You know, the 80s. Oh. God, yeah, exactly. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. All right, hey, we're back. Um, yeah. This episode is terrible. Yeah, I can't even defend it anymore. <laughs> you can't say that every episode. No, though. this is bad though. This is like really bad. Like this is definitely. I think like I was saying like bottom seventy five. Like we are down to like I would say bottom seventeen, which I've really narrowed. It, I've really narrowed it down now. <laughs> okay, last week you guys had a guy where you still don't know if he actually fell asleep or not. I know. Oh, that- the shade. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is terrible, though. This is bad. I don't know. I. Yeah. Uh, it's like Flatliners three, basically. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, three of those. Holy shit! Oh. We're the third one. <laughs> All right, let's move in. Oh, go ahead, Jake. I was going to say, except nothing is going to bring us back to life. (laughs) (laughs) It's terrible. I don't like this one. All right, time for the Pop Culture Leftovers news. It's really not, though, this week, you know? <laughs> he, he, he can sit there and rap about it and proclaim that it is, but it's really not. So this is all a lie. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, we all watched the new trailer, uh, second trailer for uh, Alita, Alita Battle Angel, the Robert Riguez directed, James Cameron produced. James Cameron was originally supposed to direct this one, but he's too tied up doing other things right now, uh, those things being Avatar. But um, so Robert Rodriguez took over the project. Uh, Alita Battle Angel, guys, what did you think about this? Uh, I just want to get overall thoughts for this uh, full length trailer that we got recently. Yeah, I thought it was really great. I absolutely loved it. Um, the action looks really cool. I, I'm glad to see Robert Rodriguez involved in a movie that's actually probably going to have people come see it. So I, I think he's a very good director and hopefully this makes a lot of money and lets him do some more high profile projects after. Yeah, I'm going to echo what you said. I, I, I really enjoyed this, this second trailer. I thought it was really cool. I, uh, I think the, 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 the main lead character, this, uh, Alita or whatever, I mean, just the, the, the movements and the actions, just so cool. I like the one guy grabs her and she just like flips, uh, turns the tables on him and slams him down and just the action looks pretty tremendous in this. I, I really enjoyed this trailer. Mm-hmm. That little move was so fast also. Yes, it was so I think quick. It was cool. I loved it. What'd you think, Joan? No, I thought I'm very, very interested in this movie. Um I didn't know anything about it until you told me about the trailer. 
Um, it's, I'm, I'm very intrigued. I, I to, honestly, I'm going to be, I have no idea what this movie is about. <laughs> yeah. Like I, it's, it's, I mean, in terms of like, I loosely, I get what it's about, but I want to know more. Like I'm, the trailer was, it definitely hooked me. Yeah, yeah. Where it's, I feel like I'm going to want to see this in the theater, especially, you know, with, you have some A-list actors in this movie. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it feels like the classic is their humanity in the killing robot machine story, you know? Right. Well, and then she's got, like, this lost technology that hasn't, you know, that they haven't had for 300 years or whatever they said. And and she's the last of her kind. Exactly. And yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, this was this was a pre- uh, passion project for James Cameron for the longest time. He just doesn't have the time to do it, so he handed it off to Robert Rodriguez. And I think they, that was the smart move here after what I saw in this trailer. I think it looks really good, and I'm really looking forward to seeing this one when it comes out uh When's it come out? Like, it's soon. Very soon, correct? December. Yeah, yeah it's coming out in December. So, yeah, oh, December's shaping up. Like, we've got Mortal Engines. We've got uh, Bumblebee, Aquaman, uh, Alita Battle Angel. So there's going to be some movies coming out in December that I definitely want to see. So October 12th, by the way, for uh, First Man. Oh, First Man, October 12th. Okay. Looking forward to that one. Oh, cool. Uh, in quick news, uh, Netflix has renewed Altered Carbon for a second season. Uh, but mm. this season they are going to be replacing Joel Kinnaman with Anthony Mackie or, uh, Falcon from the MCU. For those of you who aren't familiar with, uh, Anthony Mackie, you should be familiar with, uh, his role as Falcon. And, um, this is, uh, I don't know. This is, I don't know. I love Joel Kinnaman in that first season. I loved the first season of Altered Carbon. And, um, I don't know. I, I gotta see that for, I gotta see the first trailer before I kind of like make up my mind on the second season now. Because you're replaced. I get it. Like the, there's, it, there's probably gonna be a big time jump here in the story. The book series that the show is based on takes place over hundreds of years. So, they're probably jumping ahead and with, uh, you know, you can basically, you have what's called a stack and that's, that's basically you, you are the stack and that's your consciousness and like they can upload it into different bodies and things like that. So I'm sure that our main character is now going to be in the body of Anthony Mackie. So I'll just have to wait for the trailer. Um, I'm happy that we're getting a second season. I just don't. I don't know. We'll have to see. Because I really like Joel Kinnaman in that first season. Mm. I mean, I only saw the first episode, but kind of the nature of the story, you kind of expected different actors to play the characters, though, right? Sure. I just, I'm basically saying that they announced Anthony Mackie, and it's a wait and see. Yeah, yeah. It'll Um, be interesting to see Anthony Mackie in, in a different kind of role here. I think everyone's just used to him from, you know, Falcon and Avengers and not that he's not good at that, but it's not really heavy drama by any means. And it'll well, be interesting to see how he handles this. You know, I've seen him in some other things, you know, he, he did, uh, Detroit and he was good in Detroit, but you know, this is, this is something different. This is, this is, I'm talking about like the first season of altered carbon, which is one of my favorite shows that I've seen all year. And now you're going to, uh, throwing a completely different actor into a series that I feel like I really enjoyed that first season. So 
Yeah, I mean, it's a wait and see. I've got to wait to see that first trailer before I can kind of make up my mind here. I can't say that, like, yeah, I'm gung-ho. Fuck yeah, Anthony Mackie is going to be taking over this this the, this character. And it's a wait and see. It really is. Because, like, I, I, that first season, I hold it near and dear. I loved it. I thought it was great. It was... You know, Netflix is, Netflix used to be able to do no wrong, and we've seen some of the, these original Netflix movies come out this year that have kind of sucked. You know, like, not, not everything Netflix is putting out right now is great. Right. So, you know, to get this announcement that they're replacing Joel Kinnaman with Anthony Mackie, it's just, it's a wait and see. So, cause that first season was fucking amazing. Like, it really was the the further you got i think by the time you got to get to episode 7 from episode 7 on it is just incredible incredible science fiction i highly so is it a continuation of the story that you're of the universe and the story you're currently in yes it is going to be a continuation i believe okay cuz the the books actually take place over hundreds of years so i think that we are we're going to do a time jump here we're going to do a time okay. jump and i think I think like our main character is going to be the main character from the first season, but in a different body. Everyone else, though, could be new characters for all we know. But they might also have some other characters from the first season that do return, um, and their stacks might be in different bodies as well, for all we know. So I don't know. We'll see how it works out. I mean, I love that first season. I think it all comes down to the writing, too. So we'll see. Um Next story that I wanted to talk about is that uh, the Fox shareholders have agreed to Disney's $71 billion offer. And um, basically all that means now is that uh, the regulators in in over a dozen countries still need to give their approval. But that's most likely going to happen, and it's going to give Disney control of um, Fox's properties, you know, the X-Men, Fantastic Four, Deadpool the Simpsons, Avatar, Aliens, Planet of the Apes, The X-Files, Predator, Die Hard, Home Alone, Independence Day, the list goes on and on and on. Um, Star Wars A New Hope will also finally be owned fully by Disney because uh, Lucasfilm had an original deal with Fox for Star Wars A New Hope that gave them the exclusive distribution rights. Um, so... Um, now Disney will 100% own distribution rights now for uh, Star Wars A New Hope as well. And uh, Disney will also be able to use the Fox fanfare before the Star Wars films if they decide to do so. So oh, um, we'll get that. That would be cool. We could get that back, you know, as soon as like maybe even Ryan Johnson's trilogy. So who knows? Um the deal also gives Disney uh, the cable networks FX and National Geographic. Um, they're going to get a controlling stake in the streaming service Hulu at 60%, and uh, they'll get Hulu's 20 million subscribers there. I think that that's going to be a nice place for Disney to put like their more violent and adult programs that they want on, on Hulu while they also keep the Disney streaming service uh, family-friendly, which has kind of, like, been their goal. So, um, yeah, uh, this is this, – it's big news. And uh, probably looking at some time in the first half of 2019 before this becomes finalized. Yeah, that's not long, though, man. I mean, time flies. It'll be – Next yeah. year, before you know it, it'll be crazy. The stories that kind of come out out of this, like 
what franchises are going to get pushed to the you know the top of the food chain before others and so on and so on so yeah it's going to be crazy to see like what actually comes out of this now that you know all the t's and i's are finished up here once it's uh, finalized, it's like we're going to, I mean, we're probably looking at the X-Men universe getting rebooted here. We're probably looking at the introduction of the Fantastic Four. And then we are going to find out what Disney's going to actually do with Deadpool. So it'll be interesting yeah. in the next year, year and a half, you know, year, year and a half to see these announcements. I, uh, I was actually watching Logan today before we recorded. And god damn it, that movie's so fucking incredible. That movie's so good. It's so mm-hmm. incredible. So good. And the thing is, I was I was thinking to myself, like, you know, who are they gonna get to replace, you know, uh Hugh Jackman? And I was so I don't know, I I, I was pissed off because I was thinking to myself, like, my my the perfect choice for me, we're not gonna get Tom Hardy, he's playing Venom. But the perfect choice for me would have been Logan Marshall Green. And Logan Marshall Green was the main lead in Upgrade, that movie that came out. And I wanted him to be our next Wolverine. But he played the first Shocker in Spider-Man. And what a fucking waste of that actor. (laughs) And I was thinking to myself, he would be the perfect fucking Wolverine. If they, if, if we had an, another Wolverine that we could introduce into this universe and I was just like, they wasted him on the first shocker. Like, God damn it. That pisses me off. <laughs> Cause I, oh my God, Upgrade is one of the best movies of 2018. It really is. It's one of the best movies. It's like, if you love Black Mirror, if you love movies like The Crow, if you love like revenge movies, if you love Black Mirror, you'll love Upgrade. It's one of the best movies of 2018. And I was just like, Logan Marshall Green is just like, he's a poor man's Tom Hardy. But honestly, I think like this guy's, he could really make a name for himself in Hollywood if he continues to choose great roles like Upgrade. And I know Upgrade is not going to get him like looks at like Oscar nods and, and shit like that. But, you know, for the people that did go to see that in the theaters, like he put on a hell of a fucking performance. So maybe like Chris Evans was able to, you know, switch from human torch to Captain America. Maybe the shocker thing won't matter. Completely different studios though. He went from Fox over to the MCU. So the only time we've seen a character play two different characters in the MCU was when, um, Oh fuck. What's his name? He played, uh, one of the, in Captain America, the first Avenger, he played, um, God damn it, I'm blanking. He was fucking, what's his name? Uh, Ken, Kenneth Choi? Is that his oh, name? No, no, no. He plays him, he plays, he plays that, um, the, one of the Howling Commandos, and then Spider-Man, he plays the Howling Commandos' grandson. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. No, we've actually had a couple of times in the MCU, though. Alfre Woodard, she plays, you know, she's, um, Mariah Dillard in the Luke Cage yeah. series. She's the angry mother in Civil War. That's right. She was the angry mother that talked to Tony outside, correct? Yep. And then Martin Starr also plays a different role. Martin Starr, um, he shows up in Incredible Hulk, and he's, like, the guy that who lets... Because Edward Norton tries to sneak in the computer lab with pizza. Uh-huh. And, um, he look, and then, like, he gets, sits down, and he's at the computer, and he looks over at the... I guess the kid who's supposed to be like manning the IT department or whatever, 
and there's a kid who's got a piece of pizza and he's like nodding to him and smiling. That's Martin Starr, but and then he you know, shows see him up again. It's Spider Man. Spider-Man. Yeah, he shows up in Homecoming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. I yeah, that I, I it'll be interesting to see like who they choose as Wolverine going forward in this universe. Like, who I do you, do you, do you guys have any picks as to like who you would cast as 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 Wolverine going forward in the MCU? Oh man, did nothing float yeah. to the top of my nothing. head right now, no. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing like I know this is such an unpopular opinion. I know this is so unpo- this is going to be so unpopular. Everyone's going to hate me, but I mean, do we necess- <laughs> Because I never read the comics, so I don't know I don't know the story of where you have X-Men and Avengers in the same universe. For me, I, I so far I am happy that that has been separate because I feel like there's you, you have too many characters already. And, and if you add in all the X-Men, I don't know. To me, I, I feel like it's just it's just you're going to make this so convoluted and mm. confusing, like. I mean, it's hard to keep up with the characters that you have now in just, this ensemble cast. Just look at just look at Infinity War as kind of like the the template here. Like, can you imagine? Like, you know? I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, like, to me, that was plenty. And then you're gonna throw in Storm, Rogue, yeah, Charles that, Xavier, the, Magneto, that, and that, it just my mind honestly like wants to explode at that, this thought of having all of these characters that's the fun of this is like yeah, uh, like june sounds like grandma at this point no, welcome to marvel event comics <laughs> i know but and, and again this is me like not have having read having not read the comics i don't know what this world would look like no, but just like think okay when you're watching avengers infinity war and you're seeing like characters interact with each other for the first time you're, you're watching thor hang out with groot and rocket like that's what, no, and I love that. Yeah, and, sure. and I love how Drax. No, I'm just saying, Thor, I, I, like if a, if a pirate in a something made a baby, that's what it would be. And so, I'm just saying, like that's what you're going to get if we get the intro, the you know the X Men introduced into this universe. You're going to get moments of like Wolverine hanging out with these characters that we never have seen him interact with before. We've only been able to see you know Wolverine interact with Storm and Jean Grey and Cyclops. You know, we've never seen, we've never been able to have Wolverine be able to interact with, uh, hell, we haven't even seen Wolverine interact with Mr. Fantastic. And Mr. Fantastic and him are, are owned by the same studio at this point, you know? So, there's... That is true. They've never had the overlap, have they? That's right. No, we've never had X-Men and Fantastic Four overlap with one another. So, there's, I mean, there's so much that they can do now. And especially with contracts ending with, you know, you know, Chris Evans as, as, uh, Captain America and, uh, you know, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, I think that they're going to need some fresh blood to come in here and, uh, join. And I'm fine with that. Like, I'm fine, like, kind of going forward and adding them. What I don't want is I don't want, like, let's, go back and redo everything we've done so far so we can have Infinity War with everybody. No, 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 no. That's, this I is... think, what my fear is. My fear is, like, that's what's going to happen. No, like... no, no, no. They're, they're, they're not going to. They, they've already filmed Infinity War, and they're not going to. By the time Infinity War comes out, don't look for any, like, 
I would, I personally, if I had to make a guess here, that we're going to finish Infinity War with the characters that we know, and they're going to add Captain Marvel, and that's about it, because um, this deal's not going to go through until sometime next year, early next year, and the movie will already be out by that time, so. I don't even see like a post credit scene of like, you know, any of these characters, you know, showing up, um, you know, like Wolverine or fuck like Silver Surfer, Galactus, Dr. Doom, you know, the fantastic. I don't see any of them showing up in Infinity War Part 2. It just doesn't make sense. Okay. So. I just that's just kind of what I just my fear. I think my fear is just like for them to be like Oh well, what we always wanted can now happen. So let's just scrap what we've done no, for they, the past ten years, they, and then like do this thing. They literally can't do it right now. Yeah, they can't. I, yeah, and that and yeah, you know, when you're saying it makes sense, so that was just the fear that I had. Like until like it's the the contracts are signed and everything. Like they they can't. They they you know something could if they did if they were stupid enough to do that like. It's almost like, um, you know, like when, um, when they have like the Super Bowl and like, uh, the, the team that loses still makes like the t-shirts that they won the Super Bowl. Like, oh, oh, I know. <laughs> they spend all that money. Like, I remember after like the last election, there was like, you know, P- like, I think Newsweek articles that, uh, that were Newsweek magazines that had like, you know, the loser of the presidential election that were like ready to go. Like, you know. This is, you know, and like those magazines are never able to be released. Um. I don't know. I, I, I went to a school that lost in a national championship game. And we had the jokes of like, well, at least our college logo will, you know, clothe a bunch of starving kids in Africa. Right. <laughs> because they made all of the championship T-shirts. Yeah. For 2015, and then you know, yeah, be more champions. Imagine if the deal doesn't go through by a certain time, and they filmed, they've spent, you know, millions of dollars yeah. filming something, and then they can't use it that for, for that. That makes so, sense. You know, I don't know. It's it. I uh, I don't see anything happening with this until maybe 20 late 2020 or early 2021 at the soonest. But then, if this goes through, but you already have what the. Um, the newest X Men, well, two new X Men movies coming out. Uh, the, the the new mute right the there's gonna be the horror film one yeah. kind of, and then the one in the nineties. Yeah, you've got uh, you've got uh, Dark Phoenix, and then you've got new that mutants one, coming yes. out. Well, those th- those are Fox, right? So those are gonna come. So out. they'll just they'll just come out as mm-hmm. Fox products. Yeah, like the Dark Phoenix will probably be the end of the Brian Singer universe. It'll end and. Um, then it's up to Disney to go forward and see what they want to do. If New Mutants blows up and if people really like that, then Marvel, the MCU will have the decision to make, uh, if they're going to go forward with any of those characters. And, you know, I think, uh, we'll see what happens with Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool. I can't see Disney not wanting to do something with it. Um, Oh, he's so successful. It'd be so stupid to, like, want to change that, but... Yeah, but it does put him in a weird bind. Yeah. Imagine Disney Disney, releasing the first Deadpool movie. Well, (laughs) and then... And and then Deadpool Deadpool showing up in any of the other movies. So it's like, are they going to literally just bleep him when he drops the F-bomb? I mean, you can't... Because the character curses, you know what I mean? Like a sailor... 
And he's super violent. Like that's that's what Deadpool is. Like he yeah. has blood and guts. So and- are they going to break the fourth wall on that if he shows up for like one of these, you know, Avengers films or team up movies or anything? And I don't be like, know. I want to do what I want to do, but I can't because of some. Yeah big-eared father figure looking over me. Well, and then are are they going to take a step back on Wolverine again? Are we going to have to go back to the days where we can't watch Wolverine's fucking claws go straight through somebody's head and blood pour out the other side? It feels like the answer to that is probably yes. Well, it's bullshit. Because I, I feel like Logan was absolutely fantastic as far as, like, doing a Wolverine solo movie. It, they should be rated R from now on. I feel like Logan kind of established that, in my opinion. Like, that's the movie that people loved. They tried it the other ways two previous times before that with Wolverine and then before that with Wolverine Origins in PG-13, and they didn't work. They just didn't work. And I know that this is Disney taking control and they might have a different approach to it. But I think people got what they wanted out of Wolverine finally when they just said, hey, let's give it that R rating. Let's give it that R rating. Let's give it gratuitous violence. Let's give in to this fucking berserker rage that we know that this character has. Well, And and that was necessary for that for that character because you really I felt like the one thing that was missing is like you they're telling you how tortured his soul is right yeah but yeah. you with logan like you finally saw it you but know what, with that gratuitous violence like you needed that to get the point across but what's to get bull- that point across for me at well, least i was I more know. like i get this character now what's bullshit about this though is like we didn't get to see the character in his prime fucking doing this shit we had you right. know, yeah, yeah. This is a guy who has freaking adamantium knives that come out of his hands. Yeah. And we're, we're not going to see him shed any blood when he fights. That was the best part of one of the best parts of Logan was it's like, yeah, I, I want to see those claws go into some dude's head and pop out the other side because that's how this motherfucker would really be fighting. They gave us some. I'm not saying like I'm not trying to take away everything from like the Brian Singer x-men movies i'm not trying to because like there's there's stuff that i love him and rogue in the truck he's smoking the cigar and she asks him does it hurt and he says every time and he's talking about like when the claws come out of his skin that's a right and that's so, a badass that's, that, that's, that's a, a badass line yes right. that's a badass line but like mm-hmm. when but i didn't feel it until logan yes it's like i knew this line existed and I thought it was badass, but it didn't. I wasn't convinced until Logan. There you go. And how exactly. raw and how gritty and just one gratuitous of the, everything was in that movie. It was. I mean, that was like a soul bearing movie. One of the coolest fucking things in Logan um, is after he gets in that uh, fight with those guys and they shoot him and shit like that when they're trying to steal like the the hubcaps off the limousine. It's when he goes back to his room and he's standing in front of the mirror and he's flexing his arms and the bullets pop out. He's flexing his chest and the bullets pop out and the bullets are just land there in the sink. Like that's like that's badass. That's fucking Wolverine. There needs to be a separation of these characters from like what we've seen. There really does. And I think Disney needs to handle this and they need to handle it appropriately. If Wolverine joins the um, Avengers in, in a in a team up movie 
I'm totally fine with him conforming to them because it, it that happens in the comics, Jake. They they mm-hmm. they get on Wolverine about his killing. They do, and I want to see that. I want to see like if we have Cap around or we have somebody around. I want them to tell him like, yeah, no killing and none of this and blah 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 blah. That's fine. I'm totally fine with that. But when I get a Wolverine solo film, which should happen if they cast a, a, an actor that can pull off that fucking role, if Disney casts an actor that we have confidence in that can play Wolverine and they're going to do another Wolverine solo movie under the Marvel Studios banner, we need to have that R rating. We, I, I feel like we need to. There needs to be somewhat of a, of a separation between Wolverine showing up in, in an Avengers film and then Wolverine showing up in his own solo movie. I really, I, I feel like for yeah. the fans that needs to happen. I like a lot what you're saying too about actually involving the story in it too. Like you can actually, you can still have the same character across the board, but story storyline wise, it makes sense that he would be cleaning his shit up when he's in the Avengers, you know, event movie. They could even kick him out of the Avengers. We've seen that happen in the comics if he does something wrong, right? Oh yeah, definitely. You know, so, yeah, so. I, I agree. It, it's yeah. once you've had a taste of what we had, it's definitely going to be hard to go back. Yeah. And if we do go back, it's going to have to just be so fucking good that we we forgive him for it. You know? Yeah. It's just like, I don't know. Like you're talking like the first five minutes of Logan when I'm seeing like those claws go through somebody's skull and blood splatter out the other side. I was like, oh, my God, this is what we've been missing. Because I've seen, like, the claws go through, but I've never seen it that gratuitous when the, with the violence. And you've got a guy who's got fucking uh, basically, like, samurai blades coming out of his goddamn hand. Yeah, there's going to be some fucking blood. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know what, though? I felt like Logan was the perfect end of that character. That's why, like, when you ask, like, you know, who could you even imagine, like, now that Disney – now that we have this deal with Disney, who would you even imagine playing Logan? I, I, the reason why I can't think of anyone is because, to me, like Logan was the perfect ending for that character. And I want to leave it there almost. Um, I know. I can't. I got it. Like, I, I don't know. For me, at least, like, I'm just like, I'm like, I'm like, that, that was just, for me, I thought that was such a great movie, a great ending, and such a sad but poignant ending to that character it was an ending so, so hard it was the perfect ending for me it was the final it was the final dance the last dance with fucking hugh jackman that was his send-off but as far as the character is concerned in my opinion i need to see wolverine in his fucking prime fucking some shit up they never really they gave me great hugh jackman gave his all and he did he gave his body he gave everything everything every time but they never fully let him just kind of like be that uh, that animal unleashed, unleashed yeah. Wolverine just going berserker and fucking, you know, because, you know, like in the Claremont comics, Jake, we saw him go fucking like Wolverine berserker and just go mad and just fucking kill uh, monsters and, and uh, anything and everything. Like we've seen it, right? So – that's what I I I want to see Wolverine in his prime, um, being a badass in his own uh, solo films. So I want to see him with the costume. Me too. It was it's such a tease at the end of the Wolverine, where we see it, but then it's like, okay, that was a throwaway. Wasn't that a deleted scene though for the bonus 
the bonus. Is that what it was? I'm it was it just a delete. I don't scene? think it made the theatrical cut. It was a bonus scene. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. A part of me, I'm excited to see more Wolverine, and I want to see more Wolverine. But when they relaunch X Men inside of Disney, I I kind of hope for Wolverine not to be a central piece in that. Honestly, I get kind of tired of how it's always the whole Wolverine and the X-Men type mentality. And I don't know, it'd be nice to see an X-Men team that wasn't using Wolverine to sell it right away. It depends on the casting. If you have, if you cast another guy that has as much charisma and uh, acting ability as Hugh Jackman, you've got to roll with it then. See, that's and I think it all comes down to the casting. It really does. Yeah. yeah. You can't, you, I mean, it, See, that's the thing. And it, part of the problem that ran into when, like, when they fucking cast Jennifer Lawrence as Mystique, she just be, she blew up. And so Mystique yeah. became, like, such a bigger character. And then they started using the character wrong. And then, I don't know, it became a big problem. But, um, you know, I don't know. I, I, part of me, like, I, part of me, like, cause I, you know, reading X-Men comics when I was younger, I would still read, like, the Wolverine solo comics. So I still want those Wolverine solo movies. So. Yeah, me too. I, I, that's kind of what I'm saying, though, is I almost would like both to be kind of separate entities, honestly. I, w- I would prefer that. I always really like the X-Men stuff when it's not forced to be a Wolverine solo story, like kind of shoehorned into an X-Men movie. Oh, to God, me, that was yes. one of my biggest problems of like the Brian Singer stuff. Yes, I want you want you 100 percent agree with you. I want an X-Men story, right? You know? Yes. Yeah. Wolverine is such a big focal point that when you include him, he's always going to take away a little bit of that. And I think we've seen plenty of examples of that. And I would prefer it just to be a little bit more separate this time. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tough balance. It's a tough balance. It really is. I get it. It's kind of the Batman disease, you know, where like you have to include him because he's a part of this thing and he's the biggest moneymaker you got going. So, yeah. But there are times where you don't have to include Batman. And they do oh, yeah. anyway, you know, like, and that's what's so frustrating. Yeah. So I don't know. I, we'll see. I'm excited. Like the whole Fox Disney thing, like now it's that it's done, be- the excitement is yet to come, you know, mm-hmm. I'm anticipating. I'm, I'm curious. I'm very, very curious to see how it will all pan out. Are we still going to get that Dr. Doom solo movie with Noah Hawley? I st- think the answer is yes. Are they still gonna, like, are, are, okay. I like, are we still going to get like? Uh, are they still going to go? You know, full steam ahead with uh, with Champion. Legion with uh, well, Legion. I, Legion's getting a season three. Like, I, I really don't feel like the because Marvel actually Marvel is associated with that Legion show. That's not one hundred percent Fox. Fox actually had to go to Marvel and ask them for permission to use Legion because Fox doesn't own. Fox did not own the TV rights to the X-Men. So if, if Marvel wanted to come out with their own X-Men TV series, they could have at any moment. They could have done it any time they wanted to. So when you look at the posters and the marketing for Legion, it always says FX in, in, um, in association with Marvel Studios. That makes so much sense now because I remember watching the credits and being like, those are all the same people who were on... <laughs> like Agents of Shield yes. and Agent Carter and the yes. Netflix shows, and I'm like, oh, but I thought they were separate. No, uh, and now that makes sense. Fox, now that makes sense. Fox only owned the rights, the the film rights. 
to okay, the Okay, so X-Men. now that makes sense. Yeah, they never own the television rights. So basically, that's why you can get... Um, you know, if they wanted to come out with an, you know, if Marvel wanted to come out with an X Men cartoon or an X Men, you know, TV series, they could have. So, um, and I'm excited where Legion's going. Like, I don't want that to change either. It's not. It's uh, that that'll when season three comes out, that'll still be because right. Marvel. I'm so excited for that. <laughs> yeah, Marvel's still involved in that, and you know, and uh, and they'll be even more so when season three comes out now that they're going to own FX. Um, Let's move on. Let's talk about huge news came here uh, from TV line. Uh, Jake, (laughs) we're getting a Deadwood movie. It's official. It's happening. Yeah, that's exciting. Deadwood closure. All right. Uh. So HBO's Deadwood reunion movie is at long last ago. This comes from TV Deadline. HBO president Casey Bloys announced Wednesday at the Television Critics Association summer press tour that the long gestating project will, as TV Line first reported last year, begin shooting this fall. Quote, we are greenlit on the Deadwood movie, he said. We're looking at it in an October start date. It has been a logistics nightmare getting all the cast members' schedules lined up, but we are there. Uh, Blaze also confirmed that uh, Daniel Minahan, who directed a handful of Deadwood episodes during the show's original run, will helm the two-hour movie. Um, it was last summer that Blaze confirmed to TV Line that the project was picking up steam. Quote, the one thing that I was concerned about was I wanted a script that would stand on its own for Deadwood fans and non-fans, he said. Uh, David uh, totally delivered on that. I think it's a terrific script. If we can do it on a budget, that makes sense for us. And if we can get the cast together, we're inclined to do it. Um, I'm going to get back to the article here in a second. But what I heard, Jake, is what what had happened here is that they actually had a couple years ago, back in 2016, they applied for a tech, uh, tax credit in uh, to film in California. And so that tax credit was then approved. But it was under the stipulation that they needed to begin production in the fall of this year. Otherwise, they would lose that tax credit in California. So basically, it's now or never. They have to do it now. That's all. Shoot. And and the actors are all ready to go, huh? Yes. Uh, the article goes on to say Paula McCalmson, who played Trixie the Whore, opposite of Ian McShane's F-bomb spewing Al Swearingen on the beloved series, recently told TV Line that the two-hour continuation is a big valentine to the pair. She also expressed confidence that despite a long and rocky development period, quote, I really think it will happen, and I would never say that. I'm usually the most cynical about these things. Everybody's wanting to come back and do this. Um, I had finished the first season of Deadwood uh, early this year, right after my Achilles injury, and I loved this show. And then I started. Then I remembered talking to you that the series never had a proper ending, so I just stopped watching it. So yeah, now because it went on for three seasons and then it got canceled. So I told myself, like, if the movie, if they announce the movie, then I will continue and finish the, the, the next two seasons. And so now that, uh, they've announced this movie, I am going to watch the next two seasons and then just sit back and get ready for the Deadwood movie. Jake, this is, this is fantastic fucking news. This is great news. Yeah. Oh, especially for you, Brian, cause fuck man, season two and season three are even better than the first season. And it's like, I remember when we brought this up, it's not even that the, 
you're right on the money. It's not even that the last episode is a bad episode by any means. It's fucking awesome. It's just that it's not meant to be a series finale. Yeah. It clearly is not. So you see HBO, um, what they want to do is they know that they have like their on-demand service where you can go to HBO go. They do not want anything kind of like left open. They want to have a complete catalog of every show. And they know that like, they're not going to get people watching, going back and watching Deadwood, knowing that the series did not, you know, in fact complete itself. So like when they canceled hello ladies, that was the comedy with Stephen Merchant which is a Tupperware people. If you haven't watched it, watch it when they didn't complete, when they, when they canceled that series, they filmed a movie for it to wrap up the whole series. So they did like an hour and a half, two hour movie for hello ladies, even though they canceled now, it. Just are to- you Tupperwareing hello ladies with the movie? I'm Tupperwareing or- that first season. Okay. I love that. I love hello ladies. Um, I really wasn't a fan of the movie though. No, and they they did that just basically to wrap it up. Like, and I kind of and I hated it. I, I thought it was just sure. There was another show that uh, I watched a show. It was uh, on the Audience Network. It was called Billy and Billy, and it was a really fantastic. Adam Brody um, was in. It. it was a fantastic first season, and AT and T Audience Network canceled it after one season, and so they came out with a fucking. Uh, uh, a movie to kind of finish it off, a final episode, and it sucked. It fucking sucked. Uh. The, the two main characters were not in it, and it was basically a confessional of all the other characters in it. And um, and it sucked. It was terrible. And you know why it was terrible? Just be. It was because the show got canceled. You know, it's like you don't want to see it end. And but see, that's the or thing. HBO does something unnecessary, like Sex in the City. There, that wasn't a show that just got canceled and there was no resolution. You know what? The show ended. Like, it actually, you know, it was it was an ending. And then they decided to, let's throw out two more movies. And it ruined the series. Honestly, like, those two movies ruined the series for me. Well, yeah. I blame Sarah Jessica Parker more than HBO for that debacle. So what, Really? Well, yeah, I think she was pushing for just more of that to happen just as much and HBO wanted to make more money so they were like yeah why the fuck not (laughs) the movies were unnecessary so unnecessary let's not not talk about sex in the city please sorry sorry. I'm just I'm saying like HBO like yeah yeah you're right like they wanted her to wrap things up and then but even when there's no need to wrap things up they try to throw a movie out there yeah, I don't. I don't get why uh, Deadpool was canceled in the first place. Deadwood. I don't really know the history there. <laughs> you said Deadpool, dude. Deadpool, <laughs> Deadwood. I mean, I think it was just because of the ensemble cast that it cost a lot of money for them to make it. It was kind of what I had heard. That makes sense. The same happened with Rome. Apparently, Rome was super popular, but just too expensive to make. Yeah, and they well, that, were like. Yeah. That just makes no sense. Can you imagine if, like, Game of Thrones is just like, oh, you know, this show's really good, but it costs a lot of money, so I guess we're just going to be done. Yeah, well, there's probably a different culture at HBO now. Well, yeah, also. that's you're talking about a yeah. series that came out in, like, 2002, 2003, and, like, now TV is – the game has changed. Like, I think the game – I think the TV game has kind of changed since, like, shows like – uh, lost and then the other one is like true detective i think that those are the shows that kind of changed television in a way maybe even dexter i don't know i give 24 some credit here yeah, yeah. I, 24 is i think if I think deadwood American were to come story. out now 
it, it wouldn't be canceled. You, you, we wouldn't have had that huge cliffhanger at the end of season three. It probably would have went maybe two or three more seasons. I mean, it definitely had the storyline to keep running. Yeah, there, it was fucking amazing. Well, there's not too many, like, how many, like, ongoing television westerns are there? <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> none since Bonanza. There was that one with Katie Sackoff, wasn't there? Mm, I forget what that was called. But you guys know, right? Like, I'm not, like... There was yeah, Katie Sackhoff. Yeah, but like kind of westernish movie. But it's not it, like show. It's not a genre that uh, many studios are doing. Not not a lot of TV networks are saying like, let's we're gonna do a uh, we're gonna do a uh, western TV series. There, there, it really isn't, and and uh, I think I don't know. I don't know what that is. I think part of me thinks that it's. I think. People in the U.S. are the really the only ones that care about westerns. Westerns don't do really well overseas. It's just that be- makes sense because it's really like that's I, you know, like I was kind of blown away that like Captain America had us an audience overseas. I was thinking like, oh my god, who the fuck? Like, there's nobody. Like, you're not going to get anybody in another country that wants to watch a movie called Captain America. Anything. But- <laughs> I know. I mean, yeah, it's a comic. What was that Western, though? The Netflix original that came out last year that got a lot of critical acclaim. I know. Godless. Godless. Yeah. With uh, Jeff Daniels. Yeah. I would like to see the numbers of, like, how it does in um, any other country, though. Yeah, that's true. You. You're right, though, because that's a specifically West. That's, a, that's an American thing. Yeah, the American West. Sure. Yeah, yeah it's a, it's a, I, you know I would love to see like the numbers of like how did three ten to Yuma do overseas? How did uh, did they release it? What countries did they release it in? And how well did it do? Like I love three ten to Yuma. Fuck, I love Young Guns, Young Guns Two. Uh, I love the new Magnificent Seven. <laughs> but like, how are those movies? Unforg- Unforgiven. Unforgiven. Fucking yeah, Clint Eastwood. How are these? movies performing overseas though i can tell you that the numbers are probably pretty minuscule like i it's an american market and like probably that's why a lot of like like networks are not making like westerns on television you know what's so funny about westerns though is um you know my parents are my, my parents are from korea my my grandfather owned a movie theater um you know so this is like back in you know, the 1940s, 1950s, um, my father learned English watching American movies, mm-hmm. like watching Westerns. Oh, that's like incredible. He grew, like he grew up, like he, he remembered watching like Snow White, but he remembered like, like my father was able to pick up English so well because as a kid, he would go to his father's movie theater and he'd watch these John Wayne Westerns. Oh, that's, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, actually, fun story is that actually that's how he, um, during the Vietnam War, my, uh, my dad's a doctor, but he was in the medical corps for the Korean Army and the American Red Cross. They said, we need someone who can speak Korean and English fluently so we can, to help us rescue our Korean allies out in the field. And that was my dad. Oh, that's really cool. That's but awesome. he learned it by watching John Wayne play westerns. <laughs> did he call? Which did, is so crazy. But like that's how he like that. That's how he learned. To, like that's how he picked up on English was watching these John Wayne westerns. Did he call everybody Pilgrim? <laughs> no, he did not do that. <laughs> All right. Just, <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, let's see here. Yeah, getting a Deadwood movie. I am thrilled. So that means that I am going to get started on season two. I finished season one, and I was just like, all right, I'm done. I'm not going to watch anymore until they announce the movie. So looking forward to the Deadwood movie to wrap things up. Ian McShane coming back. Fucking A. Yes. Love that. Dude, after love- you finished that first season, did you notice an uptick in how often you said the word cocksucker? <laughs> <laughs> Deadwood will do that to you. Yeah, I love me some uh, Calamity Jane, too. She was my favorite on there. Yes. I remember everyone was, with Ian McShane, everyone was so excited because he had a guest spot on, I don't think it was this past season of Game of Thrones, maybe two seasons ago. Yeah, yeah. When he was on Game of Thrones, I like everyone was so excited. God, uh, watch, uh, I mean, he's in John, he's in the John Wick films, and then if you want to even, you want, more Ian McShane in your life? Fucking watch uh, American Gods. Yeah, that came out on Stars. I mean, he's fantastic in that role. So, uh, is that okay? So that shows on Stars because I was um someone mentioned American Gods and it sounded like a very interesting show. I just didn't know where to find it. It's an it's based on a Neil Gaiman book. So, oh okay, yeah, definitely watch American Gods. That first season is uh, it's phenomenal. Ricky Whittle, um, who plays Shadow Moon is uh great in the role. He was the guy who I actually wanted to be cast in the role of uh Al Simmons Spawn, but they cast um Jamie Foxx. Uh Ricky Whittle, when he was at C two E two, one of the most charming and hilarious people you'll ever hear interview. He's got he's so high energy and just so fucking hysterical. He had everybody fucking laugh and he was great. But um uh Deadline is reporting that uh we might get a Fraser reboot it's being explored by Kelsey Grammer and CBS TV Studios. Oh, you got to be excited about this. Uh, well, <laughs> you bet your fucking ass. I love uh, Frasier. I love Frasier too. Like I am, oh I'm doing a Cheers rewatch now. I'm in season ten, episode twenty-one is where I'm at. So I've got uh, the end of this season. So I've got like five episodes, three or four episodes, five episodes, whatever left in this season, and then season eleven. And then after that, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a Frasier rewatch because I, I Frasier is one of my favorite shows of all time. So I'm gonna watch all eleven seasons of Frasier. And so uh, eleven seasons, God, I can't. I didn't even know it went on for that long. Yeah, it went uh, right as uh, Cheers. Cheers ended in '93, and then Frasier started up in '93. Um, in the fall of 93, and then that went on until 2004. So it went on 11 seasons. So now they're talking about doing a reboot here. A reboot, but basically with just Kelsey Grammer coming back as Frasier, and they're saying psychiatrist Frasier Crane already made a cross-country move once. He was introduced on the Boston set NBC hit series Cheers before getting his own spinoff series, Frasier, on which he returned to his hometown of uh, Seattle to start a new life as a radio host and to reconnect with his father and brother. I hear Grammer is currently meeting with writers who are pitching different concepts for a potential follow-up series. If the producers settle on a writer and a premise, the project could move beyond exploratory stage. Uh, basically, what they're talking about is uh, having him... Uh, in a new city with that's it. So just basically Fraser Crane in a new city and probably not, like not Niles coming back and being a regular oh, cast but member. I loved it. Yeah, but <laughs> see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's I love the, him so much. What, what made Fraser work though is the fact that this character, hold on. 
this character was not supposed to be a regular cast member on Cheers. No. They, <laughs> he was going to be Diane's love interest that they introduced in season three. When that story ended, Kelsey Grammer's done from the show. People loved him so much. And then, of course, we, you know, cheers. Nick Calasanto, who played coach, died. Uh, they needed to bring in some new people, so they brought in Woody. And then they kept Frazier on. They kept him on the show. And, and you know, because Kelsey Grammer was so great in that role. Mm-hmm. I honestly feel like I love Niles. I loved, you know, uh, the, the, the guy that played the father. He passed away, I think, last year. Or the John year Mahoney. Before. John yeah. Mahoney. He passed away. So it's like, you know. And then I love, uh, what's her name? BB Newman. But I love the three of them. Their dynamic on that yeah. show was just. But if you do that, you're just getting the same show. If, if, I know, if they... I know. Oh, so I, know. I think what makes this character work, he made it work. He, ma- he was a character that like, he made it work in Cheers. He stuck around and then he made it work in, in Frasier. If they bring him back and they bring him back in a whole new city and with other new characters, They'll have cameos with Niles. They'll have cameos with Roz. They will Daphne and Daphne and Lilith and maybe I think it would be interesting if my my, the the thing that I would love here, Jake, and like hear me out is I would love both an announcement of a Frasier reboot and a Cheers reboot. I would love. Okay, and here it sounds insane. I would love the announcement of a Frasier reboot and a Cheers reboot. We find out that, uh, you know, Sam Malone had sex with thousands of women. You watch the show, he talks about, you know, he's a former baseball player, had sex with thousands of women. You gotta tell me, you can't tell me that he didn't, like, knock somebody out, right? Alright, I'm, I'm with you. Alright, so we find out that Sam Malone had, like, a secret kid, like a, a like a, a child that he didn't know about. And so, like, they inherit the bar, daughter, son, whatever. They inherit the bar. So now we got our cheer show and then we reboot our Frasier. I think it would be an incredible thing if they had back to back shows. You watch Frasier and right after that show ends, you could watch Frasier walk into cheers. Like I would love to see him back in Boston. And then like it, they, the shows don't even have to tie into one another, but he could like finish one show and then you could watch the character walk right into the cheers bar in the, in the next, in the next cheers episode. But that'll never yeah. happen. But um, I, I bet a Cheers reboot will happen in our lifetime. It'll happen in our lifetime. They they yeah. uh, they took Cheers yeah. they took Cheers out on the road as a uh, as a musical or a play recently. Did right. they really? Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. Uh huh. They had actors playing uh, Diane and Sam and Coach. Oh. And, and all that stuff, but uh, I don't know. I uh, I'm I hope this happens. I would love to see. I would love to see Kelsey Grammer play this character. He played the character for 12, uh, 20 years, excuse me, nine on, uh, on Cheers and then 11 on Frasier. Yeah, that's a lot. It's like a, it's a Guinness record, I believe, for like the longest playing like a fictional character on, on primetime television. Sounds right. Yeah. Hmm. And the most episodes, I would imagine, so. Yeah, it's got, I've got to be one and the same, I think. Joe, you're not chiming in. It sounds like you're like, fuck Cheers and fuck Frasier. <laughs> no, I'm with you, dude. Um, I like the reboot idea. Uh, well, the way that you painted it, anyway. Depending on how it's done, it could be good. And, mm-hmm. I mean, shit, the reboot and everything else these days. Why not? 
Yeah, I just want the same. It'd be, I, I'm, I'm totally fine with, with just, if they're just gonna give me Fraser coming back, I'm fine with that. You can give me a whole new city and whole new characters. I think like, it kinda, like that, Frasier ran its course. We got 11 seasons and we've got, like they led up, there were so many years like with the Daphne and Niles, like will they or won't they? Like, Maybe give us Frasier in a new city. Maybe Frasier moves to the city where his son is, Frederick. He's got a son, Frederick. Like, maybe we have somebody cast as his son, and it's like, you know, now Frasier hangs out with his son. That was probably one of the what, I, There's so many, Kate, there, because they're 11 seasons. I, I love Frasier, but when, when his son has his bar mitzvah, mm-hmm. but he does he, he does it in Klingon. Oh, that was a that, that episode that is fantastic. Oh, my God, I love that episode. <laughs> He, Frazier has no idea that he's reading this, yeah, the Burmips, the speech that he's reading, he has yeah, no idea. that he has to do, like, you know, like, one of the things, like, you have to, like, memorize a bunch of stuff. Yes. And you have to go and recite it, and, like, but he, instead of doing it in Hebrew, he's he reading it in He's reading it in Klingon. <laughs> that episode is brilliant. That's such a great episode. Oh. And actually, there have been a couple episodes of Frazier where Frazier, when Kelsey Grammer had to go to rehab. One of my favorite ones with Gary Payton, um, you know, basketball player, um, when he goes to see Niles because he's having you know, like a losing streak and he just happens to like rub Niles' head and then he suddenly starts playing well again. So then he invites Niles and like their father and like gives him courtside seats oh, <laughs> to yeah. like every home game because he just wants to rub Niles' head. Oh, it, uh, Gary Payton when he was playing with the Sonics. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, but like that was the whole thing of like he just. But then he kept like, yeah. But then he gave him like the season tickets, like courtside seats, and like mm-hmm. just the whole point that was like he's like you got to come, you know, to the locker room. And I got to rub your head before every game. Oh, uh, God, Gary Payton the glove. Anyway, um, let's move on. Let's see here. Uh, Joe, you might like this story. Omega Underground broke a story. About a new comic book getting a film. Greg Ruck is the old guard. Oh, yes. Possibly nailing down a director. In May 2017, THR reported that Skydance Media was uh, set to develop a feature film based on the comic book Old Guard with uh, co-creator Greg Rucka set to pen the script. Um, and, uh, I wanted to point out, I was actually, I was at a, I was at a panel at C2E2 a couple of years ago and, uh, Greg Rucka was there and he was, I was already reading Lazarus and I was loving Lazarus, which is also getting a, uh, uh, television series. Uh, as far as I know, we've talked about that in the past, but, uh, one of the books he was talking about his books and one of the books he was talking about was a newer book that he was writing called the old guard. And, um, I had not read the book yet. And when he was, as he was talking about it, I was like, oh my God, um, this sounds incredible. So I picked up a copy, uh, of the book and I fell in love with it. And, um, it's about, uh, this, uh, small group of soldiers led by this woman named Andy who are immortal and have been working as mercenaries through the ages. And, um, basically, um, you've, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's just a really cool story about immortal soldiers. And, um, it looks like Omega Underground has learned that, uh, director Gina Prince Bythewood, who, uh, has, he, she worked on, uh, Love and Basketball and then Cloak and Dagger 
is now in talks for the film, and it could begin filming by this November. So the, there's no concrete production dates or anything like that. But, uh, Joe, we might get the old guard as a, as a film here. That would be exciting, man. I loved that comic. Um, and the, one of the things I love the most about it is that these people were sick of being immortal. And every once in a while in this world, like, like they might get run through with a sword, they might get shot in the head or something. And it's just the time that they don't heal up from it. Yeah. I think and that, I mean, that, man, there's this real poignant moment where it happens and it, it's in one of the first issues and that Andy character like sees someone from her team not getting back up and she's like, why them? You know, why do they finally get to die? Why not me? And then you come to find out that, you know, she's been alive for thousands of years. Oh, yeah. And she's she's over it. You know, that first <laughs> reveal when you find out that they're immortal, you're just like, oh, my God. And that's like that's what kept me reading the comic is like coming back for more. So. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, and with with Greg Rucka on the script, I mean, hell, it could be good. I mean, who would know this material better than than the guy who created it? So. You know, fingers crossed that they come up with something that's not shit. <laughs> I know, but like, mm-hmm. uh, okay, so the movie, it's like, uh, and it's Skydance Media. Skydance is not, Skydance, Skydance is a, is a pretty good production company. So, I have hope for this. I really do. I think, it, I think it could be really good. I think it all comes yeah. down to, to casting. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I got I got high hopes for the movie and and I've had high hopes for a long damn time that that they're going to pick up and start doing the comic again. Oh god, yes. Fucking Craig Rucka, he just works on so many different fucking things, right? So Yeah. Um let's see here. Uh new Dread TV series news coming from THR uh as revealed by uh 2000AD and Dread Judge Dread Owners Rebellion at San Diego Comic-Con Saturday afternoon preparation for the television series Judge Dread Mega City 1 is progressing with the news that the pilot script and plot for the show's first 2 years have been completed wow and uh Rob Williams who has written for the character uh, for years, including working on such important stories as Trifecta, Titan, and um, Enceladus, I don't know if I pronounced that correct, is the creative lead for the pilot for the show, which focuses on the authoritarian police force in the overcrowded giant city that encompasses the majority of the east coast of the United States. He also worked with a group of writers on the plot for the show's first couple of seasons, despite the title, Dread will not be the sole focus of the show, which will instead be an ensemble drama. Uh, there's no release de- date yet. There's no network attached, but, but it's being developed by I Am Global Television and Rebellion Productions, which is a uh, newly created division of the company that owns the Dread property. I... I'm really excited for this series, but the thing that kind of has me worried here is they say that Dread will not be the sole focus of the show, which, okay, hold on. Mm, That made me flinch a bit, too. Hold on. Let me explain this. When they say that, it makes me worry that we're not going to get Carl Urban back in the role. 
Um, but on the flip side, when they say that, they are kind of staying a little true to the comics because in the comics, not every Dread story was about Judge Dread. There was a lot of stories that really just had to do with like people living in Mega City One. So, I mean, that's fair, you know. But see that. But on the flip side, Jake, it's like fuck. I want Carl Urban back in that role. I literally just watched Dread again last night. Like I saw it in the theater. I watched Dread 3D in the theater and loved it. And like, yeah, me too. Amazing. So I fucking, I bought the movie and you know, I've watched it many, 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 many times. And so yesterday, you know, I was excited about this news of the TV show. I'm so I'm like, I'm going to watch the movie again. And there's so much that they can do in this fucking movie, but I want Carl Urban back in the role. I really do. I think he was great in the role. And I, I kind of want him to do like a prequel of like of this. If you know, if they have Carl Urban come back, I kind of want him to do a prequel and go back. You know, before because there's some really cool fucking different gangs that they kind of introduced in that movie that they really didn't expound upon. Like they had that gang called the Judged, and the Judged are like this gang that have these tattoos on their fucking heads that look like the the judges' helmets. But like that's their tattoos that they have on their fucking heads. Such a cool, cool. yeah, it's such a badass fucking character design for these guys. I I fucking love that Dread movie. I want this fucking TV series to just be incredible. I really do. Yeah, that movie with Carl Urban was fucking incredible. Yes. Uh, I've never read any of the Judge comics, but I found some on Comixology and just added them into my bookshelf. There you go. So I'll be starting one of them pretty soon here. They're really good. Like, um, I read, um, I've read, a, I haven't read a ton, to be quite honest with you, but I've, like, I read the Dwayne Straczynski run that came out in like 2012 or 2013, and that was really good. Um, I read a run that came out after that, which was not as good, but still decent. But like that's the thing about Judge Dredd comics is like Judge Dredd comics, um, they they would some of them would focus like the you know like you'd have a story you know like the first like fifteen pages are a Judge Dredd story, and then maybe like the last seven pages are just a story about like the people that live within Mega City One. Mega City One itself is a fucking character, you know, just like with, mm-hmm. like Gotham is with like Batman. Gotham is such a big character in the Batman universe. Mega City One is a fucking character in the Dread universe. It really is. Like you've got like this. Uh, they uh, it's overpopulated. Everything's overpopulated. There's tons of this fucking crime, and like you have like the old. Bill- Buildings and and all this the the old city that's there and people live there, but then they also have like these mega block buildings that people live like these huge fucking high rises that people live in. And it's just overpopulated and there's all this crime and all this shit and I don't know. I love it and people doing drugs and all these different crazy gangs and you have judges and right the judges you don't have to go through like the the, the regular like legal system where like you go to court like the judges just hand down the like the the verdict right then and there i love it it's a fucking amazing concept and they if they do and i love his fucking his gun's a fucking character his gun is a fucking character he could like like uh like in the in the judge dread movie i love it like he's like he talks to his gun he says incendiary and like boom he shoots a he shoots whatever the fuck like this projectile and it just sets everybody aflame it's amazing it's amazing. I love, I love Judge Dredd. And I just, uh, I want the series to fucking do the character justice. And another thing that's cool about the fucking comic book character is that the character ages in real time. 
So, like, they've had the character around for, like, 30, 40 years now, Jake. Like, the character has aged over the years. Oh, I did not realize that. that yeah, is that's cool. cool. Yeah. So, like, the character is, like, it's, like, old man dread now at this point. Like, if you're reading, like, the, the proper, like, 2000 AD comic, you know, you can read other runs of the character where they, like, you know, he's younger and shit. But, like, if you're reading, like, the, the run that's been going on for years... He ages over time. They don't, they don't, uh, they don't like kind of like reboot the character. You know, like James Bond. They don't do like, uh, well, okay, Sean Connery's too old. Now we're going to have this younger guy play the character. Yeah, because the other judges are different named. So. Yeah. Yeah, there's only one Judge Dredd. There's only one Judge Dredd. And he, and he, and he, it's not like, uh, yeah, he just, he, he's, he's old now in the comics. I don't even know. I don't know. Maybe 60 or 70 or whatever the fuck, but he's, he's older now. So. With the TV show, is there room for a Rob Snyder cameo? Fuck you. <laughs> no. God damn it. Uh, stop it. No. That, that, the Sylvester Stallone Rob Snyder movie is, that's terrible. Like, we don't oh, talk about that. <laughs> yeah, no. It's so bad. Uh, let's see here. Did you guys hear that, uh, Netflix? Has, uh, acquired the Andy Circus directed Mowgli from Warner Brothers. And yes, I did, I did hear this. This is wow. crazy. This was supposed to be a theatrical release. Mowgli was supposed to be a theatrical release. And now it's been, uh, acquired by Netflix. It will, uh, there will, it's gonna be released globally on Netflix next year. There, with a theatrical component built in so that audiences can see the 3D version that Circus has been working so hard on. It'll be, it'll come out in some theaters, but it's gonna be very limited. Um, this, the cast includes Christian Bale, Kate Blanchett, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, he's playing Shere Khan, uh, Moonlight's Naomi Harris. Um, Circus is going to be blue. It's got an insane cast. This is coming out on Netflix. It's going straight to Netflix. It's with, is this associated with Disney? I mean, these are, it's still a no, no, Disney no, no, no. No. product, though. No. Uh, the Jungle Book is, um, it is public domain. Oh, I did not know that. Interesting. That is very interesting then. Then, like, you know, be a bit to actually see these characters being, I guess, made and portrayed in a non Disney, like, tied, I guess, enterprise. Yeah. I mean, there's, like, it's, it's public That's interesting. Do- public domain is weird. Uh, so basically, like, you know, like, Thor, I believe, is, like, public domain, but you can't use, like, the Marvel version of Thor. You have to use a Different. The Norse god of Thor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, um, same thing like with Wizard of, the Wizard of Oz. So like, you can write a Wizard of Oz story, but, and uh, the Sam Raimi movie that came out, when he did it, he had Myla Kunis, when she played the Wicked Witch, they had to use a different shade of green on her skin, as opposed to like the original Wizard of Oz film. They could, I wonder yeah, if that, that translates that to like Wicked. I wonder mm-hmm. if that that translates to like you know the musical Wicked, which I think they're making. Yeah, I've heard rumors they're making a theatrical version of Wicked. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I've heard that. They've been talking about that for a long time. Yeah, and I don't think they need to. I think it's fine the way it is on stage. I, I loved it on stage. I saw I, that. I mean, it's, it's, it's a great, and I think it needs to stay. Yeah. <laughs> Like well, a stage production, not a theatrical, like not a film production. Yeah, they're they're talking about doing uh, Hamilton as well. As far no, as that up. okay, I can't even tell you so many things that I have against that. Like, just what, I'm well, not going to get into it. I'm super against it. I first, think it's a terrible idea. They're wanting to release the actual like the stage version. They're kind of wanting. That's to, fine. That well, I'm okay. Yeah, with, but don't like make like don't go do this whole big like. Let's get Paramount or some big movie oh, studio happen. to like because they did that with Rent and it was a disaster. It'll happen. It's gonna happen. I mean, oh, see, it's... that's what my husband keeps saying too, and I was <laughs> like, no, they won't do it because Hamilton is unique. No, and it's different. And then he sure. goes, they did it with Rent, and Rent was unique and different. And I was but yelling at him, the... and I said, no, they can't do it again. There's because Rent was a mistake. There's just too much money to be had there, though, right? Oh, but it's just like yes. they're so. Okay, like Into the Woods, there was no reason to make a film version of Into the Woods. There wasn't. And I'm not saying that you can't take a stage production of something and like it can't be successful on screen. In fact, I argue that some film versions like Sound of Music, West Side Story, those are better on film than they are on stage. But there are just some theatrical productions that you just need to leave no, I can't on, I can't leave watch on the stage. I can't watch theatrical musicals unless it's uh unless it's fucking uh little shop of horrors I'm out like that's I can't do it it's just me I, I have to if I watch a musical I have to see it in person on stage like that's just like I saw you know I haven't seen many but like the ones that I have seen in, I saw wicked I saw um, the Book of Mormon um, Book of Mormon is one of the best things ever I've it is I saw Book that Mormon. I saw that in Chicago as soon as Chicago got it I saw it and it was phenomenal fucking hilarious but like but I will say like for me like sound of music I Julie Andrews that the Christopher Plummer like that's amazing I'm that's sorry. a masterpiece. My hills have never been alive. I, I can't get into that shit. So, Real, you know, <laughs> some people can't. I love. I can watch the movie over and over again. West Side Story. Let's Natalie get, Wood. Let's get back to this Mowgli story. Sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just <laughs> I had to throw my two cents in no, on I the thought, theater. I literally, I, I thought in, in in the next five minutes you were just going to start reading pl- like old playbills that you have laying around. So I was worried. <laughs> I'm staring at a box of them right now. It's fine. What you, hey, Joe, Joe, what are you saying? What are you talking about? Uh, so with this Mowgli movie, does anybody else think that this should be filed under shit we don't need? Like we just oh, got, completely. We just completely. got one, and I understand this is. It's got a, a great sounding cast. Uh, it sounds awesome, but yeah. we just got this. I know it's the rated R version that we need, though, Joe. No, it's guys. I I really feel bad for Andy Circus here. I, I really do. like. We can we can all say this, and like we just got one and everything. These were both in production at the same time, and it was just one of those things where Andy Circus. This is a passion project for him, and I really feel. bad bad for the guy um you know he's known for doing his um motion capture and so he he really this this is all andy circus like he put his heart and soul into this and um it's one of those things where he realized when disney was going to beat them that you know they were in this race with disney and you know that movie made you know, nine hundred and sixty-six million dollars, 
and after that, it, you know, it kind of that hurt him a little bit. Like he wanted to, he wanted his movie to come out first and be able to do that kind of those kind of numbers. And then, so after this, after it came out, he just kind of let it die for a while, and um, and then he started to kind of like just focus on like the performance capture and then the overall CGI with this. He 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 even he had Alfonso Cuarón, the director from Gravity, come on. And work and, and kind of like give him some guidance on this for a few weeks. And, um, I think this is a huge blow to Andy Circus. I, I really like that guy. I, I, lo- I love Andy Circus. Oh, I do too. And it's, I think I feel so bad for him. This is just like a, a huge blow to him. Um, he, he, you know, he had quotes to deadline saying like, I'm really excited about Netflix getting Mowgli and like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like, we don't have the pressure of the other movie anymore. And, but on the flip side, like I've also heard quotes of him saying like, I really wanted everybody be able to see this in the movie theater the way it was intended. And it's, it's, I just feel, you know, you know, the other movie was great. I loved it. I loved that, uh, jungle book movie. It was beautiful. The, like, uh, you know, fucking John Favreau did a great job with that movie. The motion capture was phenomenal and so amazing. Like I'm blown away that the, the new star Wars series, the TV series that's coming out for the Disney streaming service is going to use the same technology. John Favreau is going to use the technology that he used in the jungle book in that new Star Wars TV show, which blows me away. But on the flip side, like, I feel really bad for fucking Circus that this is going to be a Netflix. Like, guys, what's the other big movie that was supposed to come out in theaters, um, you know, and then got dropped on Netflix? Cloverfield Paradox. Cloverfield, yeah. The Paradox. There's a couple, actually. Uh, and then that really terrible Seth Rogen yeah, the interview. The interview that was supposed to be a theatrical, well, that, but then that apparently that got done on Netflix. Well, that, it got for leaked. political reasons. It got leaked, right? Didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like because no, the, I think it was something they were they were scared to release it in the theaters because of the Kim Jong Un set up. Yeah, so yeah. apparently it was political reasons. So instead of getting a theatrical release, it got dropped on Netflix instead. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, I just. This is just a huge blow to circus. God damn it. This sucks. And have you read interviews with him? Like when they talk about his motion capture and and I think there have been, I think there've been like petitions that have floated around like on Facebook and stuff where like he should be nominated for like awards for his acting performance. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's and like- and he talks and, and in interviews, he actually mentions like, he's like, yeah, I feel like I get gypped. When it comes to award season time, they need to they need to introduce a new category. They really do, like voice acting, mm-hmm. motion, something that in, like because some voice acting stuff is phenomenal. Yeah, there needs to be like a new category for mocap or something. Yeah. yeah, but he's mentioned how like that is something that I think he's a little bitter about that in the awards they don't recognize that performance as being an actual performance. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. This might be a hard watch for me. Like, the, like one of the quotes that he says here is the violence between animals is not gratuitous, but it's definitely there. And, uh, uh I don't know. I have a, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not the biggest fan of like watching animals fight each other, you know? So. Yeah, and to see it be even more gory and graphic. Yeah, I don't want to see, yeah. That Unless it's on National Geographic 
just like documentaries. I don't really need to see that. I don't even need to see it in that. Like I, like I understand that animals have to eat each other out in nature, right? But like as a spectator sport, I don't know if I really need to to watch it. Like it's it's fucking fascinating. I'm sure, like you know, watching like those slow motion videos of like a of a snake like unlock its jaw and then like grab a chicken and then swallow it whole, and then you see like the chicken's body inside the snake's body and you can just literally just watch the snake constricting and like digesting and and all like you can i don't know it's it's fascinating nature is fucking fascinating it's just like you know i don't know i I don't want to watch it either brian like i used to love meerkat manor but i got sick of watching all the meerkats getting eaten by snakes <laughs> and I couldn't do it. I'm not kidding. Like I couldn't do it anymore. I used to love Meerkat Manor, mm-hmm. but all the meerkats kept getting like bitten by snakes and dying. And I said, okay, I just can't. I can't watch this anymore. I know it's it's part of nature. It's part it of is, nature. And, then, and part, yeah. I'm like, I get this. this is nature. This is what happens. But, but here's the thing. Here's my day. Here's my day. Let me let me explain this to you. Like, okay, today I uh, you know I'm driving around. It's raining and like you know I'm uh, I. There's these uh, geese, and uh, I think geese are fucking adorable when they're fucking, like, walking across the road, right? It scares me because, like, I don't want anybody to hit them, but geese, when they waddle across the road and everybody slows down for them, you know? So here I am. I'm watching this, you know, this, uh, these four geese walk across the road, and, and they all make it across the road, and I'm happy. And I'm like, all right, all right, that was adorable. Way to go, geese. And then I stop at another stoplight, and then what do I see? I see a dead goose. And I'm just like, fuck. Some asshole would run over a fucking goose. Exactly. Exactly. You know, you know, um, so yeah, I don't know. I just, and so the, the jungle book, the Disney version that we saw from John Favreau was a great movie. Um, this Netflix version, you know, I, it, 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 it is going to be a little bit more PG-13, and it's going to be darker. It's going to be a little bit more. There's going to be more violence between the animals and stuff like that. So I don't know. This, you know, I can say whatever the fuck I want to, but I, I, I at the end of the day, like when I watched Okja on uh, Netflix, it had animal violence in it, but it also had a message too, right? So I, and I loved that movie. I thought it was, you know, fantastic. I thought it was really good. You know, but I, you know, it's not like, I don't love animal violence, but, you know, that shit happens. You know, it's like, uh, you know, it's, I don't want to sit around and watch fucking cockfight videos, you know? No, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, man, I thought it was rated R for what the stuff I'd read about it. Uh, no, it was, uh, he's got a quote here. Uh, he says, it was always meant to be PG PG-13. Is what he says in this quote to uh, Deadline. He says it was always meant to be PG-13, and this allows us to go deeper with darker themes, to be scary and frightening in the moments. The violence between animals is not gratuitous, but it's definitely there. This way of going allows us to get the film out without compromise. So, yeah, they were looking at a uh, PG-13 rating at the end of the day for this one. Okay. 
But, uh, yeah, um, one more thing for news that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, so uh, fucking Mowgli is going to be on Netflix. This is a huge blow to Andy Serkis, and it's it's a huge production that was supposed to be released in theaters, Warner Brothers production. We're going to be able to watch it uh, next year sometime on Netflix. Crazy. Uh, production Weekly reported that Predator is going back for additional reshoots for two days in Canada. So I don't know what that means. I You know, I mean... Some people are speculating that it could. Uh, they're wanting to do. They're wanting to do a trilogy with the Predator here, so some people are thinking that it could just be like they're filming something that could lead to future entries into the franchise. But uh, who the fuck knows? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you sound so excited, but yeah, I, I'm right there with you. It's hard to think that this is a giant franchise from the two trailers we've seen so far. I'm glad people are excited. I'm glad people watch that trailer. They watch the first trailer and the second trailer, and they love it, and they think it's great. I just, I don't know. I think yeah. it's, I think it's, it's going to be, I think we're going to walk out of there and, and be like, that was unmemorable. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I think you are correct. I think you're 100% right in that. Marvel news, uh, fuck, not a lot. Now, should I play the bumper? I don't even care. Yeah, we already half played it earlier. We're good. All right, Marvel news. Um, Angela Bassett was uh, doing press for Mission Impossible Fallout, and she was asked by Screen Rant if uh, Ramonda, Black Panther's mother, was a casualty of the Thanos snap, and she said no. Neither did my daughter, Shuri. She's a bright girl there in Wakanda, so they're still alive. Okay. That's, that's that's cool. good to know. Yeah. So, uh, DC news. Yeah, Batman vaginas. Um, the rap is reporting <laughs> that uh, Francis Conroy. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm sorry, I can play the proper bumper, but you know, I don't care. No, I know. I just I just think it's funny. Just like you're some you're you're very. Low-key sortation of the bumper. Yeah, it's... Uh, Batman, you straight maybe <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a ridiculous bumper. Uh, gosh. Yeah, I'd forgotten how crazy that one was until last week. Uh, the rap is reporting that Francis Conroy is in talks to play the Joker's mother. Um... In which movie? Which of the three movies? Yeah, the, which, uh, which Joker movie? The DC film Joker. The one that <laughs> will star Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix. And, uh, she's played, uh, she's played, uh, let's see, she was in, uh, she played three different roles in Ryan Murphy's American Horror Story series. She played the old maid from the first season. Uh, you know, remember where the husband sees, like, the young woman, but, uh, the wife in the house actually sees the older woman. She was, um, She's also played uh, in one of my favorite series, Casual, on Hulu. She played the mother of the the leads in that show. You guys are familiar with her, right? Frances Conroy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she might be the mother of the Joker. Penny in the Joker film. Yeah, that could, that could work. I mean, it's definitely good casting. She's comparable. She played uh, Ophelia in 2004's. Catwoman with Halle Berry. Do you think that that's going to confuse audiences? <laughs> I think I think audiences will be good. 
somebody's going to be watching it and go like, whoa, 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 whoa. How is she showing yeah. up as the Joker's mother when she played Ophelia in Halle Berry's Catwoman performance <laughs> back in 2004? Yeah, I will be taking my money back, sir. I'm confused here. This should not be happening. Worlds are colliding right now. Don't know what to do. Um, I don't have a lot of Marvel and DC news this week. Let's see here. Well, Infinity War gets released on digital on Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And then, uh, what is it, August 14th on Blu-ray? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wanted to see that one more time in theaters, and I haven't been able to find it playing anywhere. I was really mm-hmm. just wanting to see it one more time. I know it's in Peoria, Jake. I'm not driving an hour and a half away. <laughs> I saw it there. I saw it. I'm just like, fuck that. I am not driving in an hour and a half, an hour and a half to watch it. <laughs> I'll drive 45 minutes, but I'm not going to drive double that. So, no, nah, I don't blame you. It's like 20 bucks per trip. It's ridiculous. <sighs> fuck. Where are we? <laughs> you're, so enthused. you're so enthused right now. I'm not. You're like you're like wow. I'm so happy to be here. No, I'm not. I'm not. This episode. I know you're not. Terrible. I hate it. I don't want to go away. I'm just gonna keep drinking beer. Actually, I just had my husband bring me another beer. Oh, so. I'm doing this. Do it. I want to do this anymore. <laughs> let's, let's, t- let's take this one behind the bar and shoot it. <laughs> I don't want to anymore. Okay, hold on. Let's uh, let's let's old yeller this episode. I am. I am. We're, no, we're gonna seriously. I'm skipping a, a a a huge chunk, and we're gonna get the Star Wars news here real quick, and then wrap this bitch up because I am done. Um, let's just. I, <laughs> this is dumb. I we I don't know. I hate this episode. It's so terrible. Um, let's see here. I, and I'm not blaming, I'm not blaming Joe and I'm not blaming no, June. I'm just laughing. I, <laughs> Shit, that only leaves me. I know. <laughs> wow, that was like super passive aggressive. It's no, it's definitely me. I'm like, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm sucking it up this episode. No. Uh, let's see here. What do we got? Lucasfilm and Disney officially announced the full cast for Star Wars Episode Nine on Friday, including uh, the reveal that Carrie Fisher will be part of the film using old and previously unused footage. Here's a quote from Abrams about Fisher's return. We desperately loved Carrie Fisher finding a truly satisfying conclusion to the Skywalker saga. Without her eluded us, we were never going to recast or use a CG character. With the support and blessing of her daughter, Billy, we found we have found a way to honor Carrie's legacy and role as Leia in Episode 9 by using unseen footage we shot together in Episode 7. So, um, yeah, uh, Mark Hamill came out with a, with a tweet today, and he's, he's happy about this. Uh, um, Todd Fisher is also giving his support. Uh, Billy's giving her support. So... I, uh, I want to talk more about the press release, but I want to, you know, I want to talk about this and like, what are you guys' thoughts? Are you happy that she's returning for episode nine, that they're using this unused footage? And then also like, how can they have her come back and how are they going to do this? Any thoughts? 
Yeah, I'm happy that they're going to do this. I was always kind of worried about just the lack of no closure and how that was going to feel and if that was going to be awkward, like some throwaway line was just supposed to wrap everything up. So it feels like they have a better plan in place than that, and I, I'm glad for it. Um, as far as like what they're going to do, I'm not 100% sure yet. Like I, It's hard saying without knowing really like what like pool of footage they're really going to be like picking through here. So I'm not sure. That was a whole I, lot of uncertainty. And, and it's uh, well there's there's zero uncertainty about me being happy about what they're doing though. And point A was very definitive. No. Point B, I have no clue. I was just being sarcastic, Jake. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what else. I got nothing else for you, buddy. You know. No, it makes sense. Like nobody knows what they're going to do. What what were you saying, June? No, I was just saying like, I agree with Jake though because I think um, when I listened to your, um, I guess I think it was maybe your Return of the Jedi reviews, but the concern that you guys had was how do we address the death of Carrie Fisher with this character that in the Star Wars universe the character is still alive, the actress playing her is no longer with us unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I didn't want, and I remember like you guys said this on your review show, like. What I didn't want, or what I don't want, is for them just to have, like, in the scroll of the beginning. Yeah. You know, like, she's dead. Mm-hmm. And then that'd be it. And I, I that was what I, I was scared that's how they were going to do it. They could still do that, June. But that's so, that's so cheap. I think that, I, I, I think they could still do that. Like, this that's news. That's so cheap. And But I feel like maybe mm-hmm. now I'm, like, I feel more reassured, though, when I saw the article that, they have this unused footage where they can incorporate it into the third movie that they don't have to do that. And that I was reassured by that. Well, I, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about this more, but I think they could still do that. And, um, but Joe, what did you, what do you think? Mom? I'm really excited that we're going to get to see her in there and it works out really well. The, the deleted scenes are coming from stuff that JJ shot and that he'll be doing episode nine as well. Um, it's, it's totally up in the air as to, as to how they could do it. Cause I could see it being part of the scrawl at the beginning. And then, you know, they just, uh, maybe have her in there as flashbacks or something like that. I mean, we've never really seen that sort of stuff we in the saw, saga movies. Yeah, we have. We saw in the last Jedi, we saw. Oh flashbacks. yeah, we did. We did see some of that stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, it would be in keeping with, with these new episodes that they're doing then if they were to do something like that. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely excited that she's going to be in there and it's just not going to be purely just a footnote. If you, if you go back to uh, the old, reports and things like that of and we actually reported this shit on uh previous episodes of uh, our podcast but this came from making star wars.net um they had talked about earlier rumors of um some of the scenes that were filmed with leia that didn't actually make the film and so like this was stuff that I was thinking like, okay, they just left that part of the story out. Like, um, she, back when they were filming the force awakens, there were scenes that were filmed where Leia that had to deal with like the resistance had an answer to star killer base. And it was a weapon that they had developed and they called it the sledgehammer. 
So that's those are some of the scenes that they shot with Leia. And some of the other scenes that they shot with Leia were a, was a scene of like where Maz Kanata hands Leia Luke's lightsaber. And that's all I really know that they shot yeah. that they didn't use from The Force Awakens. So part of me was trying to think, like, what are they going to do to put Leia into this movie? And part of me was thinking that, yes, in the opening crawl, we're going to find out that Leia has died. We're doing a time jump. This is going to be a time jump. We're finding out that Leia has died. And then later on, somewhere in the movie, we're going to have Lando Calrissian show up with a message that he received from Leia about a secret weapon that they had to hide from the Republic because maybe the Republic didn't agree with the weapon. They found it was too violent or something like that. And um, now since the Republic are basically gone after we saw the destruction of Hosnian Prime and the whole Hosnian system in The Force Awakens, now that they can go they can go to this secret base or planet or whatever and find this weapon that Leia and like some of her officers came up with this sledgehammer. And so like Billy D Williams coming back as Lando will present to them this message, which they'll take the original footage of Leia talking about the sledgehammer and now turn it into a hologram and then show that to us. Oh, hmm, that makes sense. I'm not yeah. saying that's what's going to happen. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. I'm just basing this off of the footage that they did film um, with the well, the rumored footage that they filmed with Leia and talking about this sledgehammer weapon that could uh, stop Starkiller base like this thing. This sledgehammer weapon was could destroy Star Destroyers like it's that powerful. Um, or they could use, I know that they filmed this scene where Maz Kanata hands, uh, Leia Luke's lightsaber. I know that that was filmed. That was 100% filmed. I think you can actually watch that footage and it might've even been in one of the trailers. So for the force awakens, I think, I think it might've been in one of the trailers where you saw that footage. So I don't know. I don't know what they're going to use, but, um, it was in the trailer. I do remember that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll see. The, one of the one of the things that I did find interesting about this is that in the press release it said J.J. Abrams returns to direct the final installment of the Skywalker saga. This is being touted as the final installment of the Skywalker saga. Yeah, that's interesting. Brings a whole new like level of stakes to the whole thing, doesn't it? Yeah, it basically says that Kylo's dead. Yeah, yeah, it does kind of allude to that a little bit, huh? He's a Skywalker, you know. I mean, it, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, and it and it also says that like, it, I guess it's kind of confirmed in the last film if we were to believe, you know, Kylo. But you know, Ray is definitely not a Skywalker, especially if she makes it alive out of this whole, you know, thing. But I mean, yeah, like, that's true. Or unless she dies too, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm not. That, that 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 that's what I meant. Is like, yeah, you yeah. Know, she could die. Um, I'm not okay with this. 
Yeah, I mean, it's J.J. Abrams, so it, it very much could be like false pretenses to kind of make you expect one thing and not know about what the next thing will be, you know? I don't know. I'm not I'm not buying it 100%, I guess is what I'm saying. Does it mean, like, okay, does it mean that, uh, I think we'll get more Ray, Poe, and Finn, but I mean, like, what about R2 and 3PO and Chewbacca? You know, like... Are we going to get them again? And like, and, and another thing is like, you know, like I wanted, I was like, I wanted to get like Star Wars Legacy, like do a time jump, like, you know, a hundred years in the future. And here we are with like, you know, Skywalkers or Solos, like, you know, a hundred, two hundred years in the future. And that'd be a cool story to tell. And like, and then we just hear bits and pieces about like their, ancestry and shit like that. I don't know. I just, yeah. I'm just not a fan of ending the Skywalker saga. I know like a lot of people are like, Oh, we've spent so many times, you know, so many years with this family. I'm done with this family. I don't know. Skywalkers and star Wars just kind of go hand in hand. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't know why you would want a star Wars universe without I don't know. No, fuck that family. I'm done. I want new I, shit. It doesn't make, to me, that doesn't make any sense, but... <laughs> you can get yeah. new shit. You can always get new shit. Like, you can expand the universe. It's a fucking huge universe. But to, to say, like, this is the end of the Skywalkers altogether, for me, it's like, yeah, we can take a I break. I don't like that. We can take I a, don't buy it. Yeah, we can take a break from the Skywalkers from ten for 10, 15 years or whatever, but always be kind of interesting to go back to them, so... And you're right, Jake. I don't buy either. It's J.J. Abrams. He, you know, lost totally. Like, they're totally not dead. That's not what this island is, except they were. So. Not really, though. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a heavy misinterpretation of the final episode of Lost. It's purgatory, so I wasn't That's really also. Lying. Guys, can we not spoil? I've never seen Lost. Can we not spoil the whole series before I even attempt Sorry? to watch it? The good news is, is June didn't understand it, so nothing has been spoiled. Okay, I didn't understand it. <laughs> yeah. so. <laughs> oh, shit. Hey, I didn't spoil Force Awakens. He spoiled this episode. So did I, and so did Jake, and so did Joe. This episode was <laughs> terrible, right? I mean... <laughs> The, the, the difference, June, is that is that I'm kind of proud. Podcast. I ruined your podcast. I'm sorry. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. I'm honestly, I'm not feeling 100% well. I think I ate something that's like totally fucking me up because I feel like I'm going to vomit. So we need to wrap. You, oh, no. Yes, I feel lightheaded. I do not feel good right now. I think okay, I... Okay, well, then we should go. I you ser- can take care of yourself. I like, I'd say like... The last hour, it's starting to really hit me. I think I ate something fucked up. I ate some Mexican food earlier. I'm going to have to call them and be like, what the fuck did you do with my steak fajitas, you sons of bitches? <laughs> I, don't know if it's the, I don't know if it's the refried beans that are doing it right now, but something is not sitting well with me. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. Let's wrap it up. No. Let's wrap it up. All right, guys. Uh, yeah, uh, Joe, thank you so much for joining us. If people want more Joe, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Tubby Ninja. You can check out the podcast that uh, Brian and I do with Rebecca and Rod, number one comic books. Or you can find my solo podcast, Startcast, where uh, 
talk all sorts of random shit. You can find me in about five minutes, less than five minutes, vomiting in my toilet. So, yeah. yeah I was, wanna... was going to say, with the way this one is ending, maybe we should leave out the normal leftovers closing line. I'd, and just like all good <laughs> leftovers stay in their doggy bags. <laughs> 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 oh, no. no um, June, thanks again for joining us. I'm sorry that this episode was absolutely <laughs> terrible. No, this episode, seriously, this is a shit storm. Like, I... <laughs> This is terrible. I'm, I'm in bottom, bottom eight. Bottom eight. Uh, yeah, I, this is terrible. Like, I'm, a, I'm embarrassed to put this out into the world. I'm no, a, it's fine. And I had lots of beers, so I am, I've had a blast. So, I'm a little drunk right now. Yeah. I'm just going to be honest with you right now. I got to go to work in the morning, but it's cool. All right. Get some sleep. <laughs> Get some sleep, guys. We will see you next week. Jake, I don't know. What are we doing next week? 244? Yeah, something like that. I don't know. There's, there'll, have, there'll be more news and stuff. Like, us, <laughs> you know, new shit's happening all the time. They'll announce something. New announcements. Oh, guess who's playing this role? Playing this. And, like, and then me and Jake will get on here and be like, oh, I don't know if I like that selection so much. <laughs> you know? And then, and then they'll be like, uh, yeah, this movie's coming out, too, and we're going to take this approach. And Jake will be like... That's an interesting take, and I'll be like, I don't, I don't like that. And Jake will be like, Well, I think it might be able to work. And I'll be like, Well, what about this? And you'll be like, That's an interesting point, Brian. But I'm not 100 percent sure that I agree with you, sir. And then we'll be You're like, just taking care of like the next ten episodes. Of I know. Like, oh, I, let's just start with like, dude. I'm totally like, I am getting us. I'm trying to get us to episode 247 here, June. If you just you got like, it. let me get through this, but then like. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking with you. So then, and then there'll be, and then like there'll be another announcement of a show that they're gonna reboot, and it's like, wow. Now we're like, Jake, what do you think about this announcement of this science fiction show that they're gonna reboot? And Jake's like, look, look, I don't know, I don't know. I guess we gotta get more announcements about the creative team, like you know. And then I'm like, yeah, but you know, I like the direction that they're taking. And then I don't know, I'm done. I am so fucking done. <laughs> I think you need to go lie down. That's no, it's, it's exactly this is just this is what we do every week. It's just like, oh, this is happening in this 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 realm of pop culture. And like, how do you think? What do you think? Oh, I think this. Well, I think that. And then like, hey, thanks for joining us, guys. See you next week. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I've just deconstructed our show. To its most ridiculous, you know what I mean? Like the, I just deconstructed it to its like smallest parts, Jake. And I just realized how ridiculous our show is, man. Then yeah. we all tune in every week. I know, it's stupid. After that, no. Like, <laughs> Brian's on that like LSD stage of sickness right now. It's yeah. de- deconstructing oh, everything. Man, seriously, I'm looking at things in a whole new light. I feel like, yeah, I feel like I've been like, I'm like on an ayahuasca trip, like out in the fucking like jungles of South Africa and shit, you know? Just like, you need to give June some of that shit so I'm she like, can understand Lost. I'm like, fuck, okay, yeah. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I want to start a podcast with Joe where we talk about how June's one of the people that doesn't understand the ending of Lost. 
listen to that. You should. I would recommend it. We'll do the next five-hour podcast just explaining the ending of Lost to June. Okay. Yes, Please. Yes. Let's have June on. You explain it to me, and then I'll understand. <laughs> Alright. I am I'm I'm done. This episode is terrible. Alright. Yeah. Steak and shake here I come. Alright guys, and just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage and thanks for listening. We will see you next week or not. I don't know. I might be done. This might be it. Like I might this might be the episode where I hang it up, Jake. No, we can't end no, like this. No, you can't. This, we yeah. gotta have the final blowout. No, there's no final blowout. Like there's like this is Should it. Should I do it now? This is it. <laughs> I know. We'll see you next week, guys. Later. <laughs> All right, later. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless. But I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts Talking about pop culture and all that Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before We don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids It's a trap! Could it toss it, could it taste it? Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace it. Tupperware party, subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it. Hate it, race it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over. Counterculture push over. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftovers. And the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers.